What's up, Max? It has been a long time since you've been on here. Yeah, it's been a while. For some reason, uh, I have these gaps, you know, sometimes I'm on every week and then I have like a month gap. But yeah, finally back on. I've been kind of busy doing all kinds of stuff, but finally. You've been racing? I've been doing that too, but finally I can geek out on some RC stuff. Yes, uh, I'm sure everybody in the world is happy that you did not win. And did so really bad at the e-buggy Euros. But we'll talk all about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you are the pisser off of nations, as well as the professor of everything. But uh, you know what? We got quite a, a bunch of questions. Uh, we got some cool things to talk about with the new Losi MX, um, MX Pro bike, MX. which I think is awesome. Pro and we have a... Promo. Promoto yes. MX, that's the name. <laughs> that's, well, you know, you know, get the name right. Uh, and, of course, we have a pretty good guest. It's Corey Drakenberg from 5150. But before we do all of that, we have to drop that intro. And um, like usual, I don't have it ready. But here we go. Dropping that intro. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing. But be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this grabbing it's hard not to be arrogant when you're always right. You know? See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join your host, Leslie the Great, with co-host and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our series. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. Yes, indeed. Nitro's the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 242 of the No Name RC podcast. I'm your host, Keenan White, a.k.a. Left to the Great, and to my virtual left, who hasn't been with us for quite some time, but he is back in his wooded area, chilling out after a midsummer break. Midsummer? Midsummer? Is that how we say it? Uh, midsummer, but that's Swedish. And, okay. And... Um... In Finnish, it's just Johannes. There we go. Anyway, uh, joining us is the great one, the arrogant one, the professor of everything and the pisser off of many people, arrogant Max Mort, uh, who did not get injured at in midsummer. Uh, I have talked to JQ. He did injure himself somewhat on his motocross bike, scraped up his arms, but told him to sell that bike. And uh, for those that don't know, midsummer is like, what, the longest day of the year for you guys? Or something like that yeah in like northern finland it's like the sun doesn't set at all it's like uh um uh, yeah basically it's like the mid middle part of the year so mm-hmm. the day the day is as long as it gets 
Right. And that's like when these people just freak out, like they drink a whole bunch of alcohol, go swimming naked and ride jet skis and do all this crazy stuff and just go like, yeah. it's like the opposite of werewolves. Like, you know, werewolves, when they have like full moons, they turn into werewolves. You guys just turn into uh, drunken lunatics. <laughs> right. I'm I'm just saying from my experience, yeah. looking at JQ's pictures, but uh, I haven't, I have briefly talked to him. He seems like he's still intact. So he didn't, injure himself in any pr- way that would uh, cause him not to be able to work. But thank you, Max, for coming on. It has been some time since you've been on her. You have been racing. We're going to touch on that a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, we have to say some thank yous and some shout outs to people. First off, I'd like to say thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. Without you guys, none of this is possible. Uh, thank you guys for the support. We greatly appreciate it. If you can hit that like sub notification button on the YouTubes, we're almost at 4,000 subs. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but for us, that's quite a lot. We're about 61 people short. Uh, if you are listening to this on an audio platform, please leave a review uh, and also leave a sh- uh, give us a share. And if you want to, to head over to our YouTube and hit that up because we're going to I'm going to be doing more lives like I did last week, which was well received. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, also, thank you to our patrons of the podcast and YouTube members. You guys will get early release of this podcast. Thank you for the extra support. If you like what we're doing here at the NNRC and want to support us a little bit further, you can with the Patreon or uh, or the YouTube membership links for that will be in the written description of this podcast. Also, we can't do this without sponsorship. We greatly appreciate all our sponsors and companies that support us. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sun Pedal USA, Sidewinder Fuels, Mayako, Hot Race Tires, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, Racecraft USA. Shout out to Carl RC, WRCE, uh, Danny. I'll be working with him shortly. House of RC. Uh, a shout out to our drivers, David Ronafalk, Jared Tebow, Robert Batty, and Alexander Hagberg. And we have a new sponsor. We are now all about pink pinions and stock racing on this podcast. So we have a stock motor sponsor. Uh, that's Jeff Stakowitz. He has um, come on with Stacked RC. He said this is what he has to say about his stock motors. Bringing power to the people here at Stacked RC. We strive to make the fastest Trinity motors on the market and tuned to your specific needs. Whether you're racing off-road, over on-road, we have you covered for your stock motor needs. Head on over to stackedrc.net or find us on, find them on Facebook at Stacked RC. So for all my pink pinion friends out there, there you go. There's your stock motor. Thank you, Jeff Stacks, and uh, everybody that supports us as well in the 10-scale world. Very much looking forward to the upcoming Nationals. Uh, Euros is coming up as well. And Dirt National, sorry. And then we have the Euros coming up. And, of course, we have the World Championships, which is coming up uh, at the end of in September, I believe, which uh, Matt Olson is going to be covering. Uh, speaking of Matt Olson, he's doing some great work with his coverage as well. I saw he had the drivers and all that type of stuff, pictures of the drivers in his latest broadcast as well. So good stuff to him. I look forward to his um, to his coverage of the worlds. All right. Also, um, yeah, quick shout outs. We still have the Stu Trotter uh, Go for, go fun going on as well. And don't forget, guys, uh, we we now at this moment when we're recording, it's Tuesday, 9.47 a.m. my time. Uh, we have 80 spots left in the Get Lefty to uh, Wicked Weekend and AMS waffle. So it's 300 spots. We have 80 left. Thank you to everybody that has um, bought a ticket. So we're going to be doing these waffles. It's going to help us raise money for me to get to these races. Uh, I believe this race is going to, this waffle is going to cover my tickets to Wicked Weekend as well as AMS in November. So if you guys can go over there, 
hit it up. You have a chance to win either a TLR buggy, a Nitro e-buggy conversion that they have, or a Techno e-buggy. And stay tuned because we'll be doing some more waffles as we go on for um, Florida RC Championships, uh, North Georgia Shootout. Uh, sorry, Georgia Peach State Shootout. It, it looks like it looks like it's going to be a busy six months, uh, second half of the year for me. Uh, working with Danny and Lance and those guys. So I really look forward to it. And thank you to uh, Dave at Race Time for giving me this opportunity as well. We look forward to bringing you guys some good coverage with Dave and his guys, Jacob, and all his media crew as well there. Got some really good things planned for Wiki Weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody as well. All right, Max. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on. It's been a while. It's been about a month. JQ came on twice, which was like a miracle. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, we, we we appreciate him coming on. He was actually even not as miserable as he usually is, but that was good. He was very good after the e-bug years, which you attended as well, which I was shocked that you attended because you didn't tell me that you was attending that. But you've been racing quite a lot. Uh, you actually have been not winning. So before you went yeah. out, you predicted that you would beat Paco and everybody at the first finish nationals. You did not. Um, yeah, yeah, I kind of sucked there. I I guess it's just because when I was practicing, I was doing good. Huh? You can admit that you sucked. Hold on. Let me write this down. 9.49 a.m. June, June 27th, 2023, Max admitted that he sucked. I'm sure many will write this down. Yeah. I don't know. I, because the, the weird part was that when I went to practice before the race, I was like a little bit skeptical. You know, I have been driven <laughs> like eight scale then in practice like i was super good you know mm-hmm. i went faster than anyone who had been at the track you know really good pace all felt comfortable could do five minute runs but then at the race i mean the track was slightly different but it wasn't like completely different and i just totally sucked you know all weekend so yeah i mean i i think i was second before i uh had to retire like three minutes or six minutes from the end but yeah, just really bad. Then I couldn't get any more practice before the e-buggy Euro, so I sucked there too. Luckily, mm-hmm. last weekend or a week, two weeks ago at the second round, I was decent. I was at least faster than Pekko, but still making too many mistakes. Well, let's talk about that. Pekko is the new Mayako signing. Very good. I think um, I think Pekko has the, the talent and the skills to become a professional racer at some point when he yeah. gets out of the army. He's still young, what, 19, I think? Um, um, yeah, he's 19. Oh, no. I would say that he's surpassed Juna at 19. this point in in 8 scale and 10 scale. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. You know, the thing about Jona is that he has a lot of, like, natural talent. Yes. So, like, he's been in the army now, too. He hasn't raced in a while, but if, if he's still like after the army, he has the motivation. I think he can like beat almost anyone, you know, because he's like so naturally talented. But Pekko is kind of a guy who like has just driven a lot and like honed in his skills mm-hmm. and he can run fast for as long as he has to, you know, he has that, you know, next gear he can go into and then just push like crazy hard. So that's kind of his thing. But I, the thing about Yona is like, he was the top, uh, he topped practice at the last uh, 10 scale worlds, you know? So he's like, Pekko never has had, you know, right, that piece right, yet. right. I would agree there. And Pekko, like 
at Carpet Champs, you know, was fast last year. Yeah. You know, so he's he's made his mark on going to America and international events. Uh, I hope he does continue on because I like Yuna. Um, maybe yeah. he likes the army. Maybe he's gonna stay and do that. I don't know. Um, no, he, he looks he, like he could like the army. Yeah. He he has to stay there for a little bit longer because he he's a nine month service for him with the thing he got from the army. Becco is already out, so he'll mm. be focusing now just full on practice and race. Okay, good stuff. I know guys might be like, why are we always talking about these two Finnish guys? Well, they are exceptionally well, good, right? And yeah, <clears throat> I mean, Becco was in the eight scale. Uh, Euros main last year. Yona mm-hmm. is um, European Championship TQ, uh, finished top five and podium. Previously at the 10 scale Euros, uh, he's made the world's A main and he's uh, he's done that under the age of 18, you know? So mm-hmm. it's not like you can find many people like that in the world right now. Yeah, there are your Ongaros and there's Rivkin, like when he won his world's first worlds and stuff like that. But considering the racing scene right now, like young talent who can do exceptionally well, there aren't many of them. Like Killich Brothers, the Fullers, and um, not many others who have that level of challenging the best in the world. You know, Jona has beaten, like straight up beaten, you know, best drivers in Europe, best drivers in America. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, E-Buggy yours. I wasn't, I did not know you was going. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. We did geek out on that uh, with JQ, so we don't have to go into too much detail. But not the best weekend for you. Actually, JQ beat you, I believe, right? Yeah, he beat me. I I don't really know what, why I was struggling so bad, but just kind of never got into the rhythm uh, with the track and with the car and just, yeah. Kind of this seemed like a track where you kind of had to go to the warm-up. Oh, for sure. 100%. I think, you know, the track was... it was, Like, the jumps were, like... They they were so weird compared to anything. Like, there was no mm-hmm. flow of the track. <laughs> you know, Joseph described it in a way where you kind of could forget at what part of the track you were because the flow was so bad. You know? <laughs> like... That the track was definitely very tricky. Um, parts of it were really nice, and all of the organization, all that was really nice. But just mm-hmm. the layout was super technical, very tricky. Grip levels changed constantly due to different uh, surfaces, and so on. So yeah, I mean, I had again decent speed, but just couldn't put like five minutes together. I just kept making so many mistakes all the time. So. Ended up struggling quite a bit, but yeah, I think just lack of practice really. I I haven't practiced a lot this summer, but yeah, I just need to get more track time. Oh, but that also that's your first like leaving Finland for quite some time to go race. Last time you well, you last time you went to the warm ups and world warm ups and you got sick, right? Yeah, but I didn't even drive there. I was just uh, mm-hmm. wrenching for mm-hmm. David and Joseph. Okay, so yeah. yeah. But we can see, like, even top eight scale drivers just didn't do well. Kanas, he won yeah, this last yeah. year. And... Yeah, I mean, it was like, if I remember correctly, like, the only drivers who didn't go to the warm up and made the main were like Ronifog, Kanas, and Omaro. Skidmore, like, too, because he didn't go, right? Oh, yeah, Skidmore, Skidmore. Yeah, he made the main from the LCQ. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that definitely would have helped a lot, you know, going to the warm up. But, 
yeah, to be honest, like with the practice, the amount of practice I've had this year, I I didn't really expect much going there. Okay, was it a sh- was it a short term thing? Because you you kind of said you were surprised to go as well, or did you was you planning on no. attending Ibagi Euros? Well, the thing is, like you have to sign up like during the winter. So I signed up for Ibagi Euros. I initially thought it was at a different venue because that was the one they announced, but then they switched the venue kind of. Well, I don't know if it was last minute, but like the Efra book said it would have been a different venue when they released mm-hmm. it from the AGM. So then I was just kind of like, well, I just go, I, I mean, I booked my flights like two weeks prior. <laughs> so, yeah, mm. I just, you know what, Jake, I don't know. Go ahead. I, I, I kind of like went there just to drive and I didn't got really you. have any goals or anything. Got you. I got you. You know what, Jake, you would say. <laughs> um all right uh finnish nationals busy with that uh onward to or something no 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 okay. uh i'm just doing off-road and yeah but there's a few drives doing on-road uh nationals actually this is quite surprising uh become quite big all right because yeah. i saw something uh, with a new track or something or i don't know what it was i just saw something on there and i was like oh okay this must be I thought you was involved with that as well. I guess not. Yeah, no, no but yeah, it's been kind of a, a difficult year. We've been kind of um, revamping everything, you know, making the schedule more suitable for, because it's a one day race. So mm-hmm. we kind of wanted to skip the semis and so on, because in the end, it's going to be mostly the same guys in the main, uh, considering we only have about 30 entries per class. Mm-hmm. So having semis, it's not really, there's no point really. Um, so yeah, we have revamped the format. I've been trying to do all kinds of media stuff for, for the series, improving that side. And then there's also been like, you know, some issues with uh, clubs because, you know, after COVID, things are, have been much harder. So like trying to get clubs back on their feet and so on. Luckily, things have gone pretty well, to be honest. Okay. Racing wise, I've not done the best, but I mean, I still have a chance to win the championship, uh, even though Becca has won the first two ones. But yeah, I mean, when you're doing all that organizing and media stuff, the racing kind of comes yeah on the line. So yeah, it's it's a bit difficult, but I think you know, this the good thing about it is you, you I just have to do well in the mains. You know, mm-hmm. so like <laughs> I like I'm good enough where I can just go out there for five minutes and do like a safe run and I'll be, you know, top five mm-hmm. in the finish level. But then like the mains, that's where I have to be like good. So but so that's kind of what I've been doing, you know, get through the qualities and then really focus in the mains. Okay. But cool, cool, cool. Well, yeah. Um myself just kind of chilling, took a little break. Um did a live last week. It was pretty good. It was people who were hashtag bullshit. That was like my thing. Like I, uh, one of the biggest topics was why don't American drivers come over and race in Europe? And that was like an hour long, like just every excuse that was thrown at me. I was like, no, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Uh, people enjoyed it. I know probably pissed off some people, but that's fine. I enjoyed it as well. I think I'm going to do another one, um, next week. Not sure if it's going to be Tuesday. It might it might be Tuesday. It might not. Hopefully, we'll be doing this spin the wheel to see who wins the the buggies 
one of the buggies. But I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I have never really done a live on my own. I tell people right off the bat, like, don't ask me nothing about setup. That's Max and JQ and this science mode geeks over there. I don't give, I don't care about that. You know, we're going to talk about RC and we had some topics and it was fun. And it was fun to interact with the, with the chat. I enjoyed it. Thank you to everybody that joined. We had about 75 to 100 people on for three and a half. I only meant to do it for like an hour and a half, maybe two. And it was three and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, we had Gary Stute on who came on and talked about his TZO team race coming up in September. And yeah, then it was like two and a, two hours and two and a half hours of just, you know, three hours of just talking RC. It was fun. Thank you, everybody that joined in. Uh, before we go on, we're going to go into some RC news. But before that, I want to say some shout outs and happy birthdays. So we had a few birthdays when we go on. Happy birthday to Spencer Klein, Jeremy Cregan, Michael Bruce, Paul Snyder. My boy Nainoa had a birthday her uh, recently. Tom Sherman, uh, Paul Simon, Alex Larson, Phil Matthews, who just got the MB4. Uh, coming up, we have a few birthdays. My buddy Philip Stevens, uh, David Talent, Mark Moon's birthday coming up her soon. Alex Zankatine, we'll talk about him. He switched over to Infinity. I saw that. Uh, yeah. T- yeah, crazy. Paul Sykes, Augustine Coutini, DJ Mooring, Chad Buckling, Cam Goff, all you, Nate Sutherland, all you guys, happy birthday to you guys all coming up. Uh, Jaco Cotese, Tana Karadak, Tahana Karadak's birthday is coming up too. So lots of, lots of birthdays coming up. Always good to see uh, more birthdays and less people passing away in RC. Always good to see. All right, um, Max, we have some news to talk about that. Uh, that is actually brought to you by High Tech RC, as well as Invisible Speed. And as usual, we still have the Invisible Speed commercial, but it's the old one from last year's Euros, which is you know about to be really, it's over a year old now, um, I would say. Because Euros were when? June last year? Yeah, June. Yeah, that was in June, so it was quite early. Yeah, June, June. Invisible Speed ad. Don't worry, guys. The Euros discount does not count anymore. JQ has not gotten up off his ass and made a new uh, commercial for this. Also, thank you to Invisible Speed. I greatly appreciate it. I haven't been on there re- recently, so I don't know what's going on. I haven't talked to JQ. I know he's busy with racing, so I'm not sure what's going on with Invisible Speed. But also, thank you to High Tech RC, who's now who's been a big supporter of the podcast. They are celebrating their 50 years of business. As you can see, Max is rocking his High Tech hat. Congratulations to High Tech and all the contrib- contributions in the RC industry over the last 50 years. Uh, they have been a big supporter of this podcast, like I said, for the last two years. It's truly a privilege to be working with a company whose products I used 20 years ago when I was racing back in Bermuda. They've made a push to get back into racing over the last two years. The social media has been great. Uh, they've been uh, you, they've got people, racers all around the world. It's awesome to see 
Racers trusting in high tech for their servo and charging needs. They just dropped that new Charlie, the RDX Pro 1000 to 1000, sorry, and uh, all that good stuff. So they got a lot of things going on, new servers and it works. Thank you to high tech for all the support and believing what we do here at the NNRC. You can go to www.hightechrcd.com where to buy uh, to purchase all your high tech needs. Thank you to high tech for all their support. And um, yeah, I'm uh, almost done my almost almost got my uh, Mayako done, so I'll be using some of them. But I will be using them because this week we're going to inaugurate, and we are going to get the blue yellow boat back there wet at some point this week because it's completely almost done. Just a few little things to button up, and we are good to go to the water with my high tech waterproof service. All right, Max. So we do have some news to talk about real quick. Uh, we did have the F for European one ten scale uh, nitro ten scale euros at Naxos in. Sicily, uh, Tony Gruber wins that 200 millimeter touring car champion. Has he won this prior? Probably. He seems like a name that has won this or done really um, well. I don't know if he's won it before. It was mm-hmm. Dominic Greiner who usually dominated this class. Oh, maximum uh, bullshit guy. Yeah, he's the maximum he's bullshit guy. Maximum bullshit. Um, uh, but Gruber, he's, he's a fast German driver, but I, I don't know if he's ever won the Euros before. Okay. Okay. Uh, we did have the Visions race. We did talk about this on the live. Uh, I want to touch on that real quick. Um, Ty Tasman wins overall. Spencer Rifkin second. Ryan Mayfield third. Uh, Spencer Hackett, who probably should be in the invite, wins open. I think he just missed out uh, on that. Ty also wins open. E-Buggy. Ryan Lutz missed the event due to illness. Tebow had to pull out because he got sick. Tebow is actually looking really fast, by the way. But he, yeah, uh, it was a sick. it was a bummer because this is kind of the track I expect him to be really good on. But yeah, but hey, I think you picked. Did you not pick um, Tasman? Did no, we didn't do no picks, right? So yeah, I'm gonna for this s- race we didn't do. Picks. All right, but I'm gonna say this, and I said this on the live, uh, and I, we haven't talked since the nationals, right? Because we didn't do we didn't do no yeah. we didn't do a nationals recap. It was me and Lucas? Yeah, you picked Tasman for the nationals. National. You picked him for the nationals, and I have to say this: he looked extremely fast at the nationals i i truly believe had he gotten around mayfield at an earlier time and not and then guys didn't allow fenn to get away i'm not taking nothing against friends lap in the field right but i truly felt that tasman had the speed to catch and and hang with and and defeat fenn and give challenge him but he just it took so long for him to get around you know he got you know as you get when somebody takes that lead and not out like that and you're battling back there with that third and fourth position it, once you, it's it just took him a long time to get around Mayfield and got up there, but not at this race, man. He looked like he channeled his inner Tyrone, and I thought that Tasman was did like the best man won. He was fast, like he in the second race he came from because they he they reshuffled right. He came yeah. from last, had a freaking um like crash on the first like you know like a big pileup, and still managed to finish like second or third. I can't remember exactly where. Yeah, well, it's, so it's weird bad. because we talked about Tessman, you know, a few podcasts before. And uh, I we kind of was like, he's, you know, not at his top level anymore. But then always, like, when it's a big race, like the Nationals, uh, maybe that form uh, transferred over to the Divisions or he just been practicing a lot or something. But, you know, when it's a big race, Worlds, Ronats, he's always there. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's there. But then, like, especially during the first race of the year, like, DNC has been a weak race for him for the past few years. 
this year he did work better than he's done in the past few. But yeah, it's it, maybe you know it's just that during the winter he can't get that much practice. Like, is that really it? Maybe he needs because, warm up. Yeah, maybe he needs like to come to you know the south for maybe January and then you know practice because to me it looks like he always warms up to the end of the year. That this mm-hmm. was when Mayfield was dominating as well in 2021, I believe. Um, because you remember Mayfield winning all of the races in the first part of the year. Uh, and then it was actually Testman. Yeah, he won PMB. But then through the end of the year, he ended up winning a lot of races where top fives attended. Yeah, he won the uh, the last SDR, last, what was that race called? The US Open at SDRC. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just wanted to touch on that because... He is the only driver besides Dakota Fenn and Mayfield to he's the only driver to break up the Dakota Fenn Mayfield domination that we've seen for the last two two and a half years, right? Yeah. He, like I said, he won PMB. Um he he won this race and Dakota Fenn was there, but he wasn't there. You know, he was there, but yeah. he didn't show up. Um, in my opinion. He I think he finished second or third, but come on. Uh I have to say Rifkin's still looking very impressive. Uh, I think Associated has gotten found something with that new car. He looked good at the Nationals too. Another person who I thought that he made, he had a very shitty quarter of the Nationals and then um, that first quarter and then he was just, he, but he had the speed, right? He was fast all weekend. So yeah. these, so I think this this definitely boosts Ty's confidence. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm, I hope he goes to Wicked Weekend, but I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Uh, I think it was PMB, which would be unfortunate because I really like to see him come to Wicked Weekend and, and race her. I know he has to go to the Dirt Nationals. I'm not expecting too much in 10 scale from him at that race, but definitely uh, a positive uh, step forward for Ty. He probably needed a big win like this. He, you know, yes, all the top guys are there. Yes, it was a different type of format, but that last A3 when he was battling with Rifkin was so epic. It was like he was just off flying like he you can see him he's throwing that car up into those 180s getting it sideways trying to get on the inside there and then um he tried i still think the loop fucked up somewhere because like if you look at the line on the on the where they have to come across he went across Mm -hmm. that line first because they crashed and then unless they gave him a penalty they might have gave him a penalty at the end i don't know but even on the scoring it showed that spencer rifkin came across first so that makes me think that they either tripped the loop somewhere and that I don't know. But man, what a, a great a great last A3. Uh division race looked pretty good. I I talked about this, like we still ain't seeing the spectators there. Um that I thought, but I thought that the video coverage was great. I thought that um having Ken Stout there was great again. Also having uh Mike Garrison along as his, his color man was good. Uh the only thing I complain about is my, Scotty was down there doing great interviews, but his mic was just like, like sometimes they had audio issues, right? Sometimes the mic would be on, sometimes it'd be off, and then it was clipping a lot. But I'm sure they'll fix that for the next time. Uh, the, I think they did a really good job on the on the actual production of it. So I liked it. I enjoyed it. And um, I didn't watch it live. I watched it after the fact because I kind of chilled out yeah. that weekend. So The only thing I'd like them to do, I was saying because... I noticed this year I wasn't able to, you know, follow it too much because I was doing other stuff. But, you know, when I went to YouTube, there's only that long live, you know, mm-hmm. like a live, mm-hmm. like, 
no way I'm taking my phone out and scrolling through it, try to find it, you know? So like when it's like a full on really high end media production, like have a different um, live. So basically you cut the live, start a new one from the, for the mains, for the mains, because then it's like easy. Mm -hmm. It stays there. You can just like, Hey, there's actually, and you can do like uh, schedule all of it. You know, so people get the notification that, hey, main number one is on, and then you can click it and go on there. It would be so much easier for people who, especially for us, the mains were at night. So, you know, next yeah. morning, you, you only have to, like, do that. So Well, somebody that's in the, the comment actually that... gave us timestamps. So I use Well, that's them. good. Yeah, that's good. But it's somebody... always like, it's, yeah, I don't know. It shouldn't have to be someone in the comments. <laughs> all right but that's Uh, not the only live rc issue like every other yeah like rc racing tv they should do that too in my opinion but congratulations to ty uh i look forward to his next eight scale race and yeah we'll see what the future holds for the visions race if you know um i know that it still didn't get the interest that it needed i think a lot of that has to do with the cost of the event like a 200 Mm -hmm. bracelet and all that stuff so we shall see. I have my thoughts. I would love to see this type of race at maybe an event where spectators are, more spectators are. Because I yeah. feel like I feel like that the people that are attending this event are out there busy in their own, you know, mm-hmm. full-scale cars. Yes, they're gonna go watch other things. And RC's competing with other things like Freestyle MX at night, you know, you had rally cars there with Travis Pastrana, all that type of stuff. So it's very hard to compete yeah, for that's, that. That's that's kind of the issue, like. I feel uh, is that if you pay $200 for the bracelet and you go mm-hmm. there, are you going to be like, Hey, there's a cool RC race going on that I didn't know about. Or are you going to be like, Hey, Travis Pastrana is here. I'm coming to watch him, you know, all day. Yeah. Or drive so around in of... my full, my four, my own full scale side by side. So that's kind of like, it's, it would be better if it was, um, a huge event that was free of access. So you could come there to look at stuff for free, but then like maybe if you wanted to do some, like certain areas would be, you know, that would cost money because the issue is like now you have to pay money to get into area and mm-hmm. you're competing with everything inside the area. You know. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I think it's very spread out, right? It's a big, yeah, big yeah. place. So it's, it's, Kind of has to be concentrated. That's why I always feel that these have these type of exhibitions or these type of races have to be at like somewhere where it's like going to be thousands of spectators that come to watch another. Yeah, event exactly. And yeah. they can just oh wow, this cool RC race is going yeah. on here in the in between. So that's that's my thoughts on that. There's nothing that they can yeah. do about that because that's just the event. I'm not saying that it isn't good. I'm just saying that you know. Oh yeah, I think you know, it's we still an need to get event. spectators there. Yeah, I think it's an amazing event, but just like. There's still some, you know, ironing out, like getting things to work. And I think, you know, people should go over there who, you know, especially live at that area because I bet it's going to, it's an amazing event, you know, the track. Yeah, but it's $200 just to get in. Yeah, but I think it it might be even worth it, you know, because it's, it's like, I don't know how they do the schedule, but if they did the schedule, like quite loosely, you could easily, you know, get the night off, go watch, you know, soup, uh, um, what you call it freestyle uh and then go watch rally cross whatever there is you know yeah but it, it's super expensive because i heard like even rv hookups are like a thousand dollars for the week 
So it's it's just oh, okay. I was talking to some drivers that went at at the nationals. They were just telling me how much it's it's super expensive. So it's it's very hard for just to go. Uh, yeah, okay. you know what I mean. Yeah, it's very hard. All right. Um. So that was good. Congratulations to Ty. Congratulations to Live RC for their for their coverage. It was good. Uh, we hope to see this again next year. A couple other things in the news. J Concepts NCTS round two at the Northwest Carpet Nationals. Brock Champlain wins that. He wins two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. I don't really think anybody really of top class. I didn't pay attention to this. I know it's past weekend. Uh, Robert Bukowski, he wins 17-5, two-wheel drive. Sammy Moran, who's a top stock driver, wins 13-5, two, four-wheel drive. Uh, we had the French e-buggy Nats. Theo Lemur, he beats all these French guys. He he wins. Savoya in second. Majubi in third. <clears throat> And something else in the news here uh, that we can't, that's happened, uh, you know, we know that Tyler Jones left Agama, which I was shocked about. But now he's running, I think, so he's running for Vision Race products. And looks yeah. like he's running those Nova engines as well. So Vision yeah, Race makes those pistons. There's, there's pistons, there's special pistons. So they, I think he's open chassis. He can run whatever he wants or whatever they buy for him. So he started out with a Mugen. I know he raced it for the first time this past weekend at the VRC, VR, VRC, RC, v, VRV something RC race track. I'm sorry if I got that wrong, but I know it was a, a memorial race for Michael Farabee, Furby that they had, uh, which I heard raised quite a lot of money. Lauren Lutz went there and Jones there. Lutz won, I think, both classes. So it's going to be interesting to see what Tyler Jones uh, does. But I'm gonna, I like Jones. I, I, I've hyped him up quite a lot, but I'm going to say this. He has not lived up to the hype from winning that PMB when he ran Lucy back in 2019. The year he was there, I think he won it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how he just won that race quite dominantly, actually. And, mm-hmm. like, everyone was there, too. And since then, he's been really quiet, you know. Not, like, a few good qualifying positions with Techno, but that's about it. Well, I think he did pretty good with the Agama for that one year he ran it prior to going to Techno. But he just has not, he just hasn't repeated that performance. You know, I know after that performance, yeah. a lot of hype, a lot of pressure was put on him that he, we thought he was going to be the next big thing. And he's, he's, I think now he's kind of like, well, I know for the last year or so, he's been like part time, he's working in part time race. I think that continues. Um, but as he does this, Right. This is the thing. As he does this, there's these other young guys are just coming up. Right. And he just hasn't, you know, he used to beat Mason Fuller and all these guys and all that guys. And and now they're beating him like on a regular. So I I hope and people be like, well, you're being hard on him. No, I'm being truthful. I'm being direct about it. And we have seen many, many, many guys like that. He's 18, 17, 18, 19. Their peak years are this. They're doing well. Then they get 20, 21. You know, they start realizing that, okay, I'm not going to like it does. It isn't worth it isn't financially worth to do this as a job full time. I need to have a real job um, and do this on the side. And then that distractions happen. Right. You have to work. You have to live real life. And then RC kind of comes second. So he's not he's not alone in that category where that's happened. That's happened quite a few times. I know there's still hope for him. But in my opinion, like you're starting to run out of time and you're getting 22, 23. And you're not doing this as a full-time job, right? And it's very hard to do that. Very hard to do that. It's very hard to do it part-time and full-time. The only successful person that I know that does it is Neil Craig. 
uh, but yeah. he's extremely talented, right? And yeah. I don't know if Tyler Jones is as talented as a Neil Craig. So yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a good opportunity for him, though. You know, yeah, getting, he can still continue. Yeah, and Let's I see. think you know one issue with him for like a big issue with these drivers, kind of at this, like these type of drivers who do well but not well enough to land like a solid pro deal for multiple mm. years. You know, the issue is like they can go pro if they go to you know a lesser known brand or not an established brand mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, random Rose, like mm-hmm. he's, he said like, yeah, I had a good deal with Agama, everything as well, but I was, you know, the only one there. He was, mm-hmm. you have to do everything yourself. Now he's at S works, probably not even much better deal, probably similar support. But the thing is like, he has other drivers around him where he could learn and take the setup and that alone uh, makes you improve much faster, you know? I would agree. I would agree. So I think, you know, that is a big issue in drive, for drivers like this in general, you know? You land on brands that are not that established. You kind of have to second guess every decision you make with setup or, like, is this actually fast? Like, is it the car? Is it me? Should I focus on my driving now? Is the car good enough? So I think now when he gets to run a Mugen, he if he just like drives and focuses on that i think he can maybe find that you know lost um peak level he used to have right and i stood on the even if he became a factory mugen driver i don't think he would make enough money from mugen to to support himself you know that oh, mugen no, does, no, no. doesn't pay well uh and I'm not saying that he can't be a factory driver and use that money you know along with his you know use that money along with the money that he makes but um, we'll see if he stays open chassis, what chassis he's going to try. Um, obviously these guys that vision, uh, vision race products, they believe in him. So that's good to see. And I hope that he, I hope that he does do well because he doesn't also want to just be a guy that's jumping chassis to chassis, like, you know, halfway through the year, yeah. finish with a gamma. Don't know the details, what happened there. I heard it might be something to do with this. Like divisions guys not running, not being able to run his pistons. I just heard that. I don't know how true that is, so I'm just saying I heard that. I'm assuming. I'm just assuming at the moment. So who knows? But I wish him all the best. I like him. I like his dad, and um, yeah, I, I would like to see him. You know, get to where he was supposed to get. It's gonna be a hot. It's gonna be a lot harder now, though. A lot harder. Very much harder. Not just. It's just harder, right? You know, so many other fast guys yeah. out there. All right. Um, all right. Before we go into the Promoto MX, let's talk about the Italian race that happened this past weekend. It happened at the Ospi team track in Gusago. I had the privilege of attending to this track for RCGP last year. Uh, Maurizio from Mile Graphic puts, puts in one. He was trying to get me out there, but just things just didn't work out. I thought there were going to be a little bit more top guy. I thought the Killix was supposed to go, but I guess they didn't. But it had probably the top drivers in Italy. Had I think... I think uh, Burak posted that he had some school stuff, you know, find like or something. Oh, yeah, Burkham, but yeah, that's why they had to miss it. And Burak actually raced the Truggy Nationals. Yeah. yeah. Germany, so yeah, there we they, have it, people. We have a popular yeah. Truggy class, and Germany is into Truggy, apparently. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Charlie Mack. There is hope. There is hope. Uh, and he actually won the e-buggy version of that, and I think... Yeah, he won both, I think. Because okay. they raised nitro and e buggy truck in it. Okay. 
All right, so the Italian race was held at this this track, Gusago. It was covered by ModelismoRC.net, which is, I believe, an Italian company, yeah. which I thought was pretty good. They did a good job of that. Um, Ongaro was TQ. He he was TQ of everything. He was fast right off the bat here. But in the, in the semis, he wasn't as fast. Boots was fast, too. Boots TQ to Ron. This is Boots' home track, right? Yeah. I believe. And... It's he like was fast five miles from the Red Factory. Oh, okay. He oh was God. very fast at this race at RCGP last year. Uh, but what's funny is that JQ and I were just talking about boots and how we think he's not focused, and then he goes out and he wins this race. Um, yeah, and it has to, a little asterisk because it, because it is, it is his home track, but yeah, it's still he a won, good win, to be honest. He yeah. won. Him and Polito, Polito got out to the lead. You tell me because I missed it, uh, but he flamed out. Uh, yeah, so actually, Polito is looking quite solid. He had like a three, four second lead for uh, Bootslet for the first tank. Then, you know, he made a little mistake after the pit and Polito got by. And until like halfway through, Polito was leading quite comfortably until he flamed out in the pits. And then Boots took the lead, Polito settled for second. And from then on, it was quite a boring race until like last uh, tank where... <laughs> Ongaro and Polito were fighting, uh, and then Ongaro got by, Polito kind of fell back a bit, Ongaro made a mistake, Polito came back in, and they both came to the pitch same time, and both flamed out. Yeah, <laughs> and they were like right next to each other. Yeah, they were next to each other, both flamed out, and then Ongaro was faster to get out, and so he went and finished second, and Polito got out of the pitch, but behind Ongaro, so... That was funny because the the commentator I don't know what he was saying because it was Italian but he went he went nuts at that point when like first uh-huh. um, Ongaro flamed out and he was like oh Ongaro and then the other guy Polito flamed out and then like double flame out <laughs> yeah and Figueredo actually got up there in the mix early out but made some mistakes yeah. uh, he finished fourth. Great result. Yeah. Y'all, man, y'all solid. Like, y'all's putting in any solid performances. I will say yeah. this there wasn't all the best guys in Europe there. There was no Ranafalk. There was no, like, there were no Kilix, stuff like that. But uh, still a good performance. Barufalo was there, but apparently his transponder stopped counting. Early yeah, it, it, it failed early on, but he was also really slow. You know, that yeah. was actually one of the issues Ongaro had because he started behind Barufalo. And for the first, like, five minutes, he tried to get by, and they got tangled a few times. Then Yaw got through him. Yaw got through Barufalo, and then Ongaro and Barufalo were still battling. And then when Ongaro got by Barufalo, he was already, like, 15 seconds behind Boots in the lead. So, yeah, he got he got a bit screwed by that in the beginning. But to be honest, uh, both Polito and Boots look really solid. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. without Polito's flameouts, he probably wouldn't have, uh, been fighting for the win with Boots. He made more mistakes than Boots, but you know he looked pretty good in the beginning. So Polito is solid, man. He's solid. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, Polito he's, and Boots look really good at, good at this race for sure. I mean, we I know we've mentioned his name quite a lot, but this is a young young Italian guy who's very fast. Like he's he he yeah. was fast at the at the you know twenty. I go, we keep going back to twenty nineteen Euros when he's running um Kyosho. Aswax is definitely onto something. I don't care what you say, Max. Tim Lime told me to tell you that they are not running an HB rear end because you listen to the podcast. They are running their own rear end. He says, get your facts straight. But Aswax is definitely onto something in Europe. I didn't say say that they they raced it. I asked if they raced. 
I know. Yeah. And um, yeah, but let's talk about Angaro a little bit. Oh man, he must be a little bit frustrated. Uh so Yeah, and I have to say this. His car looked absolutely awful in at the end of the main. I don't know if something was broken, if his tires went slicks, but he was like he like one time he grip rolled driving almost straight, you know. <laughs> he grip rolled just driving straight and braking and he grip rolled. That was that was like I was like, oh what's going on? And then somehow he got by Polito and when he was ahead of Polito, he just like every time he went a little bit wide, he just have to have to like completely stop the car to get it back into control. Like even in the back one lap, he went onto the dust. And he just was sliding all around the track and couldn't just stop the sliding. And yeah, he looked totally awful. The rear end looked so slippery on that car. So I, mean, I believe to him on the matrix tires. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, like because I was thinking, you know, yeah, it might be the tires, you know. But then Polito is running the same tires. Maybe they were different compounds, different threads. Mm-hmm. Could be the case, but. Yeah, Ongaro definitely didn't look too solid in the main. Uh, but this is so, this is the second big race of the year where he hasn't he hasn't won. Did he did he win Montpellier? Was he at Montpellier? He won Montpellier. He con- he like okay. dominated Montpellier. You know, Montpellier yes. was a solid one. But then after that, he really hasn't won anywhere apart from Italy. Chinks in the armor. I will say this: he was not. He was this track frustrated him last year too. Him and Canas. Yeah. Yeah, got at it. Canas beat him, I believe. Uh, this track, he, I saw him make uncharacteristic mistakes at this track. So maybe yeah. this track is his kryptonite. Um, well, I, I think it's just you know the way he sets up his car. You know, this this is like a thing he's always done. Like since he began being really good, like he was the guy who ran like minimum towing in the rear, really thick diffs. Like the car overall is like super slippery to drive. And, you know, the front end is, like, very dull, very stiff, you know. So when you have a clean racing line or a wide line, the grip is very consistent. He's, like, super fast. You know, Reda won last year. Usually he's very good at IBC. For some reason this year uh, he made that mistake in the end. But usually he's been super good uh, when the grip is consistent. Um, But the issue comes when there's a little bit of dust or the racing line isn't, like, doesn't have consistent grip. And this was the exact track. The racing line was a little bit abrasive. There's little like bumps and and so on on the line. And then as soon as you go a little bit off, there's a lot of dust. So like, I think that's just kind of uh, a thing. And it was uh, like during RCGP, like every time it was consistent, you know, um, very like, um, very clean, polished surface, he's, like, super good. Montpellier was the same, to be honest, mm-hmm. you know. So I think, you know, he, he he's able to drive that car on the edge so well that when there isn't any surprise on the track, he can take advantage of it. But when there's, like, a dust, bumps, you know, the line isn't consistent, then, you know, drivers like Ronefog maybe, um, to some extent, Canas too, uh, they can take advantage because they drive a bit more loosely. They don't. They they don't drive just at the edge of the grip, really. So right. I I would. I I know what you're saying. And IBC this year had an extreme amount of grip, unlike uh, unlike before, right? 
Yeah. And to be honest, like it felt felt like Ongaro was a little bit nervous and like not not himself, but the the way his car handled at IBC, it looked a little bit nervous. Uh Canas is crazy because I even discussed this with Joseph and he said like the track had so much grip, but Canas just like full locked steering everywhere and like pushed the car like so much. And uh yeah, so it's it's interesting how he sets up his car that way where he can make it work uh, for him. You know, like he still has enough steering, Canas, but mm-hmm. like he can push the car so much. So that's almost like exactly the opposite of um, Ongaro, where Ongaro is like super, um, super precise with his driving. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be interesting. I see that Matrix has released a new soft compound as a compound as well. Uh, I saw they yeah. announced it today, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what what happens with that. Sorry, I just responded to somebody that uh, sent me a message. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know about it's Matrix. What, well, what about Boots? Boots, oh, boots? This, uh, does this boost his confidence? I think he needed a, a big win like this. Maybe not the biggest yeah. win, but a good performance for him. Even though this is his home track, still a very good performance for Boots. Uh, but didn't he do well at the UK Nats too? Yes. Yeah, so I think this year maybe he's got a little bit of a boost. Today, yeah. you know. I would say so. I'm, I'm hearing rumors that maybe... Maybe not with S Works at the end of the year. Who knows? Uh, that's that's really? what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's what, that's what I heard. That's I don't know how true this is, but you know, maybe his contract's up, so maybe I don't know how true this is. So don't hold me to this. I just heard, like I said, but these the, are rumors. Can we speculate though? We can. I mean, where would yeah. if if he if he leaves S Works, where does he go? Yeah, that's the interesting. Back to Kyosho. I that would be very natural, but the issue is that I don't think Kyosho is hiring right now. Uh, yeah, that's WRC. I don't think WRC would be. It would be funny because Boots was like one of the OG S Works guys, you know. Like, like yeah, Kanas was there, but at the time, you know, Boots was much higher level than Kanas. You know, at the time when they signed Boots, Boots was like the number one driver in like in the books, in my opinion, at least. Uh, so it would be weird if S-Works let him go and then he would go to sort of another European brand that's kind of in the space of S-Works. You know, they have similar drivers like Valente is there. Um, all, like almost all the drivers who switched to S-Works when S-Works was growing are now at WRC, especially in Italy. So... To be honest, I see that as being possible, but I don't know if it would be a great move for Boots. Great move for WRC for sure. You know. Yeah, where would he go? Can't go Mugen. Yeah, no Mugen, no, no Mugen. If this is true, if this is true, because Boots still has life left in him. You know what I mean? He's not. Yeah. He's probably what 27, 28 now. I think. Um, yeah, I think he's always there. going to be in the RC industry because he's of Reds. Maybe we see him on, on a free chassis like. Um, like Tyler Jones, maybe he just runs whatever and no, drives for Reds. I think he's good enough for where a chassis company would like to pick him up. Okay. You know? like yeah, I definitely, definitely think so. I, he'll definitely get the deal from someone like WRC. You know, because for number one reason, WRC is big in Italy. He lives in Italy. 
Double mm-hmm. DRC is pretty big in UK, and you know he races the UK Nats, so that would be a very natural move for him. So I'd actually say WRC probably at least going to offer him a deal if the rumors are true that he's going to switch from S-Works. But I don't know. I think HB is kind of out of out of the... Like, they need a driver, but is Boots the best fit for them? Paulson is their number one driver at this moment. Yeah, yeah. In Europe. Europe. Well, Musso too, right? Yeah, but I think... Uh, Musso doesn't race as much as her. Yeah, she races a lot. She was at the That is, yeah, yeah. I saw. um, To be honest, like HB needs a driver like Boots, but like to me, it would be very weird move because they are strong in like France and Switzerland. You know, kind of like the area where Nate Hart sells them. They have quite a few drivers in Spain as well and the UK and UK. Well. Really? Do they have a lot of drivers? Not top drivers, at least. Well, see, they have Ansar have... RC, who's their... their yeah, they might order. they might have, like... Um, but doesn't Ansar RC No top drivers. Aslop is their top driver. Yeah. Ansar RC sell Mayako, too? No, Ansar sells S-Works. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's that one. You got oh, them yeah, confused a... with uh, Model Tune. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. These are rumors. Rumors. So no, no, but we're speculating. Happens. We're speculating okay. here. Um, I don't want to get HB would be okay for HB. Would be a good. Move. I'd like him to go to HB to see what happens. You know, he used to drive a C Hub car. Could he do it with HB? Maybe. I don't know if that car really suits his driving style. I'd see WRC is much better fit to be honest, personally. Um, but HP could be good for HP's sake. And I think for Boots, it would like keep his name in the game for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, this is definitely a, bo- a confidence-boosting race for him, win, I would, oh, agree, sure. I would say. He hasn't yeah, had a sure. win like this probably since... I, I wouldn't compare it to Silver State because Silver State was jam-packed with a lot more competition than Silver State. But there was the fastest drivers in Italy at this race. And... Um, yeah, and then we we the fast Kyosha drive at this moment right now uh, in Jao Figure Yao Figueredo. So good yeah. win for Boots. Congratulations to him. I hope he keeps the ball rolling, and we look forward to seeing what he does in the future. All right, um, and congratulations to Ongaro. He actually won the e buggy and Barton came. Well, let's talk about something else. Zankatine thought he was retired. Now he's running Infinity. But yeah, last year kind of went to shit when he broke his leg and couldn't really practice or do anything. And then don't really know what ended up happening. But after the Worlds, he, he was just disheartened. I think he was just like, that's it. I'm done after the Worlds. That's when he said he's retiring. And then you know how this is. It's like Tom Brady. Yeah. They're going to retire. But then Infinity probably said, hey, you can come race with us and we're going to give you everything free or whatever. And, yeah. And you the know, thing is, like, uh, I'm pretty pretty sure because the Infinity operation is pretty much exclusively in Italy right now for the 8-scale off-road. Uh, Artusi and um, Berton kind of are. Mm-hmm. And they have their design. I can't remember his name, but they are kind of a team that goes around in Italy and all the races to get the car, get the car working. And I think... I'm not quite sure, but I'm pretty sure Zangatin lives in the area, mm. at least close enough where he can, you know, be an additional help in testing and 
racing the car. And to be honest, he was in sixth before he had to retire. So he was doing decent. Yeah, but he's in sixth versus these Italian guys that he used to beat, right? So... Yeah, but he, to be honest, he's been kind of, since he left techno, he's been kind of out of the game. You know, like mm-hmm. he hasn't practiced a lot, uh, especially last year was difficult for him and with the leg. <laughs> so, yeah, but he, I like Alex. Uh, he, yeah, he's definitely a fast driver, but I think he just kind of, he kind of faded out a bit. And then, you know, life uh, in general. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he probably realized I'm not going to make money off this. I think his best years were when he was running Losi, right? When he was oh, running sure. Losi, since, good and... since he left Losi, I think he's gone a bit downhill. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's... Like, he still did well with Techno. He made the main at the Euros twice, uh, at least twice, maybe even three times. And he did quite well, but just like, yeah, kind of. I don't know. Did he leave or did Techno let him go or what ended up happening? But I'm not sure. Not sure yeah. at all. Um, not sure at all. Okay. Um, but hey, good race. Congratulations to Boots. Boot definitely a confidence booster. Angaro. Angaro's talking to Angaro because I'm trying to hopefully get him on her next week to record. He said he's going to do it, but he's actually off to the GT Euros that are happening in Croatia. So he's going to run this. I think he's running the Gimar car or whatever. Um, yeah. So he's off to that. Oh, no. He's running the... Destiny? He's running the Gimar engines, but it's... Uh, Destiny It's car, so weird. I, I don't Maybe? know if it's called Destiny, but... I can, I can uh, fact check this. All right. You fact check that as we go on and talk about the other thing that burnt on the RC industry and internet... Uh, this weekend, I mean, it had this week. It had me just absolutely geeking out for like two days straight about this. I thought it was so cool, man. Uh, let's it play is. this video and have the a look. The car at is it. called uh, Genius. Genius. Okay, that's what it is. Genius. Sorry, that I did hear that. All right, let's look at this, Max, because this was so cool. So for those who are listening to the audio, we're watching a video of the new Losi. Uh, Promoto MX one quarter scale RC dirt bike. And oh my gosh, I absolutely love this thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's fully, look at it. All that licensing. You know, we have people complaining about the pricing and all that stuff. All that licensing costs money, right? Mm-hmm. All that shit right there costs money. Dude, I freaking love this thing. I want two so bad. <laughs> I want um one for me, one for my son. Uh, but I would really want one. Look, even the jer- like all the jerseys are all fabric. Like you can change that shit. Obviously, this is the <laughs> promo video. It doesn't. I, 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 no, I geeked out. I've watched a lot of video. A lot of the influencers got it. Unfortunately, I'm not big enough of a YouTube guy to get things like this. And I already, I think I'm on Horizons naughty list anyway. Thanks to JQ. But um, dude, I watch like just regular people driving this. Influencers, all the different influencers. And this thing is legit, Max. This thing is fucking legit. Uh, I I love it. They have hop up parts for it already. Um, it's it jumps great. It's pretty tough. I did see one guy that broke it. Uh, I've I've seen them on on asphalt. I'm seeing them on like BMX tracks. I'm seeing them on RC tracks. I love it. I love it. Like this is the first real in a long time. So I heard this was quite some time in the making. 
Uh, I heard two years, but I heard more realistically, more like six years is what I was listening to. Uh, Radio Impalm podcast this past weekend with Jason Rona and and um and Gotti and Jason said that's probably been about six years in development. I don't know how you know he would know more, maybe more than me, but I think that this freaking thing is going to be a hit. I think they're going to sell hundreds of thousands of them, right? And yeah. I I think we're going to see. Um, a new class come out of this for RC racing. I do think they're going to be battle on asphalt and super motor because oh, that's by the way, they have, their pro line already has super motor tires out for them. You can put different color hubs on them, aluminum swing arms, front brakes. Oh, <laughs> I love it! I love it. So, so to oh, yeah. so here's what I'm thinking. All right, get, give me your opinion on this and what you think. I actually think this is something that JQ would even buy, even though he doesn't like to play with cars. He thinks about it seriously, racing. But I think he would get one of these. Yeah, it's. I don't really know. I'm kind of like split on it because when you like look at the thing, it looks amazing. Um that's that's the thing that's impressed me the most because usually RC bikes are always like really ugly. So this one's like really cool looking. Um, but then it's it's like it's it seems really huge in size and it's quite expensive. And I don't see it, you know, really working on uh, a like dirt track that well. Because it like it doesn't turn really well. Like that's what I've gathered from it. And they have like a gyro, the six axis gyro, whatever they call it. It's it's difficult to say. I'd have to try it before making like I agree. But I, I have agree. I have my I have my worries of it like being more than a basher type of thing. Because to me, if I got to choose, would I take like an Arma or like an Arma, what you call it, outcast? Or this for bashing, I'd obviously choose the outcast because it's so much more fun for bashing, you know. So I if I would buy one of these, I would want to have like a track, you know, some kind of track. It doesn't have to be an RC track per se, but like like some form of a track that you can go around or some friends you can race these things with. Um so that's one concern. Like like, but to be honest, like uh, this, it looks amazing. <laughs> like the, all the, all that factor, they have got that one covered for sure. Okay, so I have these. I had these same concerns, right? So yeah. I know what's going to happen here. People are going to rush out. We're going to try and make a class out of this. We're going to try to run this on the, yeah, exactly. the RC tracks that we have now. To be honest, I don't foresee that being a, a big thing. I think they'll try. Yeah. Right. I think this. I think this. This. There's, they race bikes. They race on-road bikes, right? They do nitro bikes yeah. and electric bikes, um, especially in Europe. I do think we're going to see this more of a on-road type bike, maybe with jumps, because it's just going to yeah. be battle on that type of surface. But I think they're going to try and race them. This is what's going to happen, right? This is why I think this is going to benefit RC racing, not because it's going to be another class. So many people are going to geek out over this and buy this. No matter that it costs 600 bucks, because we hear all the RC racers complaining about the price, right? 
They're going to buy this. And what they're going to do, they're going to look for a place to go run it. They're going to want to come to RC track to run it, right? Eventually. They're going to come to RC track. They're going to run it. They're going to realize, okay, this isn't the best thing to run her. What they will see is that electric car, that e-buggy or that e-truggy or that nitro car, all that other running. And then they're going to say, all right, this is what I want. This is fun, but this is what I want. This is a gateway drug to real racing. Gateway drug, gateway drug to real racing, in my opinion. And that's that's exactly what I love about that's because my thought on this. So everybody that's complaining, I I I I think it they will make a class out of it, right? I think they will. Mm -hmm. I don't know how successful it will be because I also believe that the tracks have to be catered to these type of vehicles as well. You know, and then even tire marshaling, all that type of stuff. But what will happen is that people that never have been to an RC track in their life will get one of these, find out where a track is, go there, have fun, and then say, "Oh, but that's so much better." Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I love it. Like, this is this is where we have to open our brains and open our minds, right? Obviously, a lot of racers complaining. Oh, why did this is why we can't get a new ten scale two wheel drive buggy? They, they will sell so many more of these to probably millions of people around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Millions of people around the world compared to the six, seven, maybe 10,000 people we have into racing around the world. And out of the, all we need is 5% of this from millions of people to go to an RC track and get into racing and, exactly. and be so much exactly. better. I think, you know, that's the best thing about this because this opens up a new way to market RC because, mm-hmm. like, bring, like, we, we've done it this before with motocross drivers. Like, yeah, we'll paint the RC car into your colors. You know, it's going to be at the track. You're going to show it off. People are like, oh, that's so cool. And then you tell, like, oh, it costs this much. This much, there's tracks here and here. And they're like, oh, that's cool. But this bike is the type of thing where you... If you are like a family who likes motocross and you have like a 10 year old kid, you're going to buy this for Christmas instead mm-hmm. of, you know, a Traxxas or something. So they get this, they drive it around the motocross paddock. Then other people see it. Oh, that's so cool. I got to buy it. Then they end up racing them at the motocross track. Some end up going to the RC track. They're going to meet new people. Their crowds are going to mesh. And then you get the new hobbyists for both sides. Some maybe get interested in motocross. Some maybe get interested in RC. But the, it's going to be more towards RC because it's cheaper. Mm. It's more accessible. Everyone can do RC. So 100%, this is exactly what's going to happen, in my opinion. As soon as but, I saw this, that's where my brain yeah. went. Yes, yeah. I think we're going to have a le- we're going to see it legitimate. I think what's going to happen is the aftermarket people are going to go crazy, right? Now, yeah. they, they have to be... So this is the thing. Horizon's smart, right? So all their... their, their they need, like, all their software and all that shit to, to drive these. So And to be honest, these things don't need to be any faster. They need to be exactly what they're like. Run them with spectrum radios, um, all this type of stuff. I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see that part take off, but I think that's eventually going to die because people are just... That's sorry. I shouldn't say not gonna die. I think we're gonna see it go to where it's not gonna be as popular as a class per se. Yeah. But those people are gonna say, "Well, I want to scrub and I want to whip and I want to do all that stuff, and I can do that with that with this truggy, or I can do that with that buggy." And I, I think what that is where we need. Like you, I'm glad you caught on because not everybody catches on to that. And um, I think that's where 
once again, once again, we see these companies with RTR stuff. Hopefully, we, we hopefully we're hoping that this happens. But we're seeing these RTR companies or stuff like this doing more for RC racing eventually than actual RC racing is. Just yeah. now, so so yeah. I bet you right now, Traxxas is like spit out their beer. Like what? The, what the hell? Yeah, and they're like, okay, hold my beer. So next, hopefully, Traxxas comes up. Well, hopefully, they keep it quarter scale. It's the same size. It's the same thing, but. We're gonna see some competition from Traxxas eventually. Yeah, I think I think the quarter scale is kind of like a thing that, like, they would have made it smaller, but the issue is that you can't fit a motor in there. It's two impossible. Motors. It's like to... two motors in there. Yeah, yeah, a flywheel. Like, yeah, I know, but uh, I I looked at through the the tech video just so I know like how it's working because I was interested, you know, like is it actually more than just an RTR, but really. It's really hard, you know, make it a racing class because it's everything works around, you know, the spectrum system. You can't really mod it. You can't really put your own speedo in it. Really, like, it's difficult to do that. But basically, because the engine is like long, like this. So if you made it smaller, the bike, uh, you would have it too wide. You know, that's mm. what they said on the video too. So it has to be pretty much quarter scale, or you have to use like shorter motors. You know, you can fit. A 2S battery in there easily, but the motor is the issue. So, I think it's awesome. I want one. I want to pull wheelies up and down the road. I want to go send it like Evil Knievel, and I want one badly. Yeah. Badly. I think, you know, I, while I was watching the video, it was like 50 minutes long. So I was thinking, like, could this be a racing class? And really, I have to say that the big issue with it is that. It the way it comes, it has like the six axis, you know, gyro system where it controls your inputs. Then it also has, you know, the flywheel. Mm -hmm. The flywheel is easy to do, that's not the big issue. But the the six axis system, that's the one the software is going to be hard to do, you know. Uh, like you can put a gyro on it so that it stays upright. But then it's most likely going to be faster where you don't have any sort of uh, system apart from, you know, the horizontal or vertical gyro. So the car stays up or the bike stays upright. And then you drive a stick radio where you can have more control and perhaps, you know, you can have more axis on the steering. So maybe there you can rotate the flywheel or something. Yeah, but the steering's only going to be so limited by those wheels on the side. I know, I know, but that's the thing. Like, because a real full-scale bike, most of it you control with your body weight, you know? I know. So the thing is, like, with this, you would have to have some sort of weight shift system to make it like properly raceable because right now it's you can't really race it that well you don't really have much if you leave it stuck leave it stuck yeah leave it completely stuck don't make it yeah, doesn't need to be faster doesn't need I to be know, anything but, else. but the thing is like when you race people are trying to modify it and if someone comes out with a system everyone's gonna have to buy that and keep it a spec class keep it just like it is just change i know i know but i don't think well, we know this gonna, is rc that's the thing. Like people who are, are people who really like racing, they also really like having the best equipment. You know, so those who just want to hang out and f- have fun and race, 
they're going to go race with their friends at the club. You know, that's enough for them. So it, like, it's going to happen like with drag racing, you know, when it's easy enough, simple enough, the system, all you need to do is to buy uh, the most expensive one that some pro builder has built. And it's going to cost you like a few grand, you know, like in drag racing is. And then you buy that and then you race it. That's what people want. So if this was going to become a racing class, that's exactly the same crowd it would attract, you know? So I feel that's why it will eventually not succeed that well in racing. But I think as a basher, as a marketing tool, it's great. You know, <laughs> imagine mm -hmm. going to a Supercross paddock and like every pit crew has like one of these with the wrong colors. Yeah, yeah, that'd be so awesome. Yeah. They really did a good job with this, though. Everything 100%. is thought out. Like, yeah. you know, I would just, I would, like I said, I just want to pull wheelies down the road and do yeah. that. I, I'd stuff. be, I'd be like really interested to know, like, what took the most time? Is it the six axis, um, like balancing system, mm -hmm. or is it the mechanicals of it? Like, is the fitting everything inside there, getting the right moto slash speedo combo, the flywheel? Like, what, what took them the most time? I'd imagine the software would take them the most time, but it's hard to know. It could be very simple because you could basically adapt straight from an aircraft, you know, like well, they kept it on the wraps. They kept oh, this on the wraps really because good. like that's the that's the thing Traxxas wants, like the six axis system. And after that, everything else is easy to copy. You know, all you have to do is just make some molds and they already have electronics, batteries, everything. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm getting one. I think I'm going to have to get one for Christmas. We'll see. Kudos to Horizon. Kudos to Losi for coming out with this. Very innovative. Yeah. Uh, all licensed. Uh, I can't wait to see what Traxxas responds with. So it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And I'm happy that they released it like fully, fully yeah, licensed. Everything. Everything done. Yeah. Because and you can... the thing is like, I bet there were people inside like uh, Losi tempted to release it like like midway through you know like yeah it's ready it's good enough but i think you know some people like insistent that they do it fully and i think that was definitely the right move because it looks so cool and like my facebook was full of this thing <laughs> for the past week it, it, it trust me all us rc nerds out there geeky saying well what about the 10 scale buggy this is this is much more important in my opinion yeah. than 10 scale buggy all right uh thank you mac thank you to uh, Lucy for coming up with that. I can't wait to get one. Uh, and I, I can't, I'm sure we're going to get, people's going to have them soon. We're going to have them at tracks and we'll see what happens then going on from there. But I still stick to my word that I think it's going to be a better supermoto on road type racer as we, yeah, as we sure. go on. All right, Max, I think that's all of our news for this weekend. Uh, we do have some upcoming races. So we have the GT Euros coming up in Croatia. We have the NXC Grand Prix where Ronafog, I think that the Kilix are going. So that's our next semi-big race in Europe. That's going to be held at Hillerod RC Racing in Denmark. I saw uh, that the Viking was there practicing. Shout out to David Ronafog. We have the eight-scale electric offered nationals at CRC RC Raceway Room in New York, July 2023. Oh, my gosh. I see so many people complaining about the cost of pitting at this race. One guy was complaining. He's like, I've been to so many. And he was an on-road guy. Look, let me tell you, right? Let me tell you, look, I went to the every nationals I've been to, you had to pay for pitting, right? $100 outside. And I think, um, I, I think it was like, you know, he's also offering $200 to be inside an AC. Free pitting if you bring your own stuff. Hey, man. Hey, 
if you're if you are crying about that, then maybe you shouldn't be going to this race. Maybe if that hundred dollars is going to hurt you so much, don't go, don't go because that's how this track that's how the track makes money off the pitting, off the sponsorship because they don't make it off entrance and they ain't going to make it off entrance. The e buggy entrance are so low, right? So if you are complaining about a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks to pit, you know, take your stuff. Don't have to pay anything, or don't go. It's pretty simple. If that's your biggest concern, don't go. It's like people when they cry about entry fee. Well, it's a hundred bucks. Don't go. If that's if that is your biggest thing, hundred bucks, all the fuel and hotel and everything you waste to get there, and you're crying about a hundred bucks for your entry fee for the event, then I, I just don't because a hundred bucks is like normal now at big races. But yeah, let this is how that track actually makes money because it does not make money off the uh it's not gonna make it has to hit a certain amount of entries before they even start getting some money. So I wish them all the luck. We have Wicked Weekend coming up the 27th, 30th. That's actually my birthday weekend. The IFMAR World's coming up 19th and 16th. We have the E-Buggy World Cup 22, 24th. We have the Euros coming up as well. I think that's in end of August. Uh, we have the Georgia PhD Classic, and we have Brent's RC Program race coming up as well. Uh, all right, guys. Dude, I think that's- I found some RC bike racing. Can I show it? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Is it in England? No, it's uh, from Japan, I think. Well, do you know those Kyoshas, right? That are. Oh, this is. Oh, those might be. Are these the. Oh, yeah. See, now these. These are different. Yeah, this is like on road bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is. So these are electric. Uh, they. they um, yeah. Kyosho actually came out with a smaller version that actually has a rider that moves from years ago. And they yeah, I, I've seen some of those old ones, but these ones look is... like super difficult to drive. <laughs> well, they turn pretty good. I know in the UK yeah. they run them quite a lot. The nitro versions. You see how yeah, this track is? It has it, to be kind of. Yeah, that's cool. That's where I think this this super and put some jumps on that. I think we're gonna have a good class on on that type of track. Um, yeah, we are going on to the clinic RC beach RC bench racing Q and A. We have quite a few questions. We're not going to answer all of them because some of them were repetitive. Uh, I like to thank our Clinic RC and RC Tech Engines for their support. Uh, Tony and uh, Vicky just moved on to Nevada and Parump. Uh, wish them all the best. Happy birthday to you, Vicky. I see you celebrated your birthday this past weekend. And thank you to Clinic for all their support. Also, thank you to Beach RC for the continued support. Brent has his RC program race coming up uh, in August. Indoor race, team race as well. Pretty cool concepts. I believe um, he will talk more about this on his podcast, Wheel and Trick, or has talked about it. Uh, if you guys want to find out any information, hit up Brent, Brent Densford. Also, we have an affiliate link for Beach RC. Uh, if you guys can use that, it definitely helps us out a lot. Uh, that is done in the written description of this podcast. Thank you to Beach RC for all their continued support. BeachRC.com, the racer's one-stop online hobby shop. Choose from all the popular brands and variety in stock with super fast shipping and great customer service. 
BeachRC.com still has the local hobby shop feel with all the benefits of the internet. BeachRC.com is the exclusive distributor for Ultimate Racing, JQ Racing, Pro Circuit Racing Tires, Nitro Lux Fuels, and Assault RC Performance Products. So fill up your cart and check out at BeachRC.com today. Thank you to Beach RC, Lucas, and Tony, and Vicky at Clinic RC for all their support. Uh, if you guys do purchase anything from Clinic, just let them know you heard about it on the No Name RC podcast. So we do have some questions. Our first one off from Taylor RC. Thoughts on Nima Racing Agama brand in the future of the United States. Lost what, lots a while ago, and now Jones has left. They also lost Brandon Rose. Um, well, I think that this brand... <sighs> Even with this new car, which I think is very innovative and whatnot, I was hoping that Jones would stay on, and, and he looked pretty good and pretty promising at PNB. Uh, I know that there's a, a very small amount of Nemo uh, Agama guys in the USA that are loyal to Billy and what he's doing. I know how hard it is to do something like this. And then you got cars like that Sparco car coming out here soon, which I know is going to be a big push in America for this as well. Um... I mean, I, I know at one point Joseph said that you don't need pro guys to sell cars, but I mean, you kind of do. You kind of need this car out there competing with these guys on these on these levels. I'm not saying it's necessarily gonna that's gonna sell cars, but having that pro guy there adds legitimacy to it. Um, in in the UK and in some parts of Europe, and I'm sure over in Thailand. And Asia, this car is popular. So maybe that's, I know John Hazelwood and Mark Rumble and then guys put on a lot of work in the UK and whatnot. Uh, it just doesn't seem to have been, it just doesn't, it's very hard to replicate that in America. You know, Billy's over there is working on it. He's kind of on his own doing this. Um, I don't know what the future holds for them. Um, yeah, maybe I it's, think, yeah. I don't know. For me, I think the issue might be that they kind of botched the first attempt. You know, you know, when Agama came to America, was it like 2010, some, something around there? Like they had it was a lot popular. Of they had a lot of courts. Greg. They put a lot of they put a lot of money into it. You know, they had they had yeah. courts and they had. Um, um, but I don't think Nick Hazelwood was in had, charge of it back then though, either. No, 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 no. But like there was a big effort to do it. And back then, Nicole wasn't that good. Um, the branding Agama is like a weak brand, in my opinion. It's kind of like it doesn't really have anything. Nemo Racing in America. Much, oh, Agama. Sorry, Agama. Yeah, yeah. Nemo Racing is much stronger brand. You know, as a brand, you know Nemo. You know that's mm -hmm. okay. That looks cool. They have something. They have a soul. You know, Agama is kind of uh, to a lot of people. It's like, at least to me, it's like yeah, it's like. They even even their name is not in capital. It's in the lowercase letters, letters, all of it. So it's like I think the brand itself is not interesting. So that's one issue. Yeah, but this new car is very interesting. Yeah, but that's that's where I'm coming next. So the brand itself hasn't been interesting for a while, and the new car it might be like too different, you know. It's like too different where people think, you know, oh, it's not going to work in bumps. They're too hesitant to buy it. 
I think that's going to be a big factor, you know. And on top of that, they don't really offer, like, because prior to this new car, they didn't really offer anything special. You know, they didn't offer any different experience to other brands. Like Losi, if you run Losi or if you run Agama, previously there was really no difference. Like it was a similar car, um, team support wasn't much different. You know, it was very similar. And you much rather choose Losi because they have better availability, they're a bigger brand, and you know, they also have top drivers. Um, and so there really isn't there really isn't a reason to choose Agama or Nemo Racing in America for sure. Like in the UK, yeah, obviously there's a lots of drivers there. There's a big, you know, community of Nemo race, racers. They even have their own track. They organize a lot of stuff. It's a big thing there. And to be honest, like in Europe, it isn't doing quite well either. It's like France is quite quite okay. There's quite a few, a few Agama drivers. Um, I don't know if there's a few more in Italy now that Mao has done some collaboration with them, but apart from that, like no Agamas in Northern Europe, I, as far as I can, I can see, don't really know if they have anything in Germany, in Southern Europe, they had a few drivers beforehand, but all of them have left. So it's kind of, they kind of have the same issue as techno, whereas they don't have a car that's like super good or like really suited to the like the car doesn't have like like um um uh, like when you buy a mugen you know you're gonna get a good car you know that's kind of that has been their selling point since forever kyosho kind of used to be like that but recently like people don't think of it as as much um but yeah agama and techno kind of both suffer that same thing in europe where people don't really think it's uh, that great of a car on top of that, uh, Agama doesn't really have anything, anything they could advertise it on. You know, like for example, I think JQ, as well as it did, it did well because it had a lot of character. In a way, of another people either supported Joseph or they believed in the car, or they had a really tight knit community, or found similar people from the JQ. You know. Uh, J, jq rating you know mm -hmm. whatever that was for them same with s works to some extent yes they have pushed a lot of money put a lot of money into it pushed a lot of things but they kind of have found people who can build a tight community around the car that's why they in my opinion are doing really well but agama really apart from the uk i've never seen that really be a thing and uh yeah, it's they don't really have any selling point. The new car, that's the one they're trying to do now. Like they have a brand new strategy. So I hope it works for them because it'd be interesting to see this new car, you know, be a thing on the market. But yeah, I, I think know. they need a, I think they need to drive in America. It's it's kind of almost like so, techno yeah. in reverse. So techno is super popular in America, popular in Australia, yeah. not as popular in Europe. Right, even though they have yeah. Marco and they have Elias and all stuff, I'm starting to see more technos than anything. Right, well, what it is, what 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 techno has really good is a really really great community over there in America. Right, yeah. Um, so I I think and they have the drivers to go with that and they have that support over there. So I think they definitely need to get a driver at some point. 
Um, yeah, but they, ha- they, they, they have the budget afford, for that, The issue is like they can't afford a top-level driver like Mayfield where they can assure themselves they're going to get good results. Mm-hmm. And drivers like Tyler Jones can't really offer them much because he's like dri- drivers like that are kind of in a slump on their own. Mm-hmm. And then also the car is new to them. It's a different mm-hmm. type of car. Very little all, people all to that. bump ideas off of. All that yeah. stuff. Same, same thing we talked about earlier. Yeah. And the thing okay. is, like, I don't believe the car is bad at all. I think the car is going to be good. But I, I just think, you know, there isn't enough people to and enough, like, effort behind it to make it work. And also, like, the branding is very British. <laughs> I have to say that. You know, all of their branding it's very British. It doesn't like, I can see that, that this is done by a person from the UK. Most of it really like the way they, all their videos, all of that. It's, and that's not, there's nothing wrong with that, but that doesn't mean it automatically transfers. over. Yeah. To that's the, that's the main issue because like some things just don't work in America the same way. Right. Like, and same with people who don't know, well, this is one of those brands that has always tried to get a foothold in America through various different Agama. I'm talking about Agama, not Nemo, but yeah. through various different uh, outlets, and it just hasn't gotten there. Um, yeah. It has probably at its peak, it had Ryan Lutz and all that stuff. And even when it had Ryan Lutz, it wasn't like this car was selling like crazy. You know, you yeah, that's, that's why I'm kind of like, I don't want to be too like judgmental of, of uh, Nemo or Agama or any, anyone involved. Because it's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> they tried a lot of things. I think a lot of the times they had good ideas. They like all those things Billy done before and the Nemo uh, trailer and the truck, what they have. The branding was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You could really spot it, you know. But just like, I don't know. I don't know why it doesn't attract people. Like, because when Lutz was racing with them, he was doing actually quite well you know mm-hmm. so it's weird to me like why it just doesn't catch up but for sure they lack some sort of some sort of factor why people want to stay there yeah i would agree all right next question and we're not going to go all super science mode on this because we kind of touched on this with the super motorbike by joe zyre of ran out of talent wants to know why is horizon tlr effing their 10 scale guys i guess they're talking about so basically saying instead of coming up with a new car they are coming up with new parts for the 12 year old platform it's if it's working it's working right yeah the only good argument i saw was that they don't have a fast you know switch diff for the tool drive Mm-hmm. But I mean, they just came out with a new four drive, which finished second at the Worlds and has been dominating in America for the past, what, three years, four years. And uh, the tool drive has been dubbed the best tool drive out there by a lot of people on track. <laughs> and they definitely do well on carpet. They definitely do well on dirt. People who run brands that don't have 10 scale cars have chosen TLR tool drives mm-hmm. so like i don't really understand why there's such a big fuss about having a new car like yeah i understand they should probably make a new gearbox for the tool drive but that's one part like you make a new gearbox that you can open from the top and you make a new link mount that fits in there that's it you know like they, they if people really want that they can probably make that and release it in the next six months 
Chris Boyda, can we show some love for the caster for their progress lately? They have released a nice e-buggy kit and e-truck is on the way. They're also selling a RTR race buggy that is legit and priced at $550, which is good. With everything but the battery for the buggy and the batteries for the transmitter, that's great for new people getting a hobby. I definitely agree. They have had some good results in the sportsman open class on the East and West Coast club racing scene. I know Chris is running one of these. He's also running a Mayako Nitro buggy. Uh, the guy, Chris Figueroa, he's from Florida. He's been like the last year has been really pumping this. I believe he was involved in caster before. So casters, I, I like that idea of having a cheap ready to RTR. If it's good, if it's getting people in, it's lasting. Good. That's a good idea. Well, caster is kind of like Agama, right? It's been through so many iterations of different owners. I remember the first time I ever heard of caster, I think was when Binky or Lu, I think his name Luther uh, bought him in. We've seen it tra- tra- change hands through various different people. Uh, or people. I know Tony Newland was involved in it at some point. So it's kind of one of those brands who's always struggled to get a foothold in a, in the American market. I don't know how it is over in Europe, but it kind of falls into like almost to like what we are talking about with Nemo Agama, right? How does this brand get a piece of the pie in a pie that's not that big, it, which is already saturated with many different chassis manufacturers. Um, and they don't have a, yeah. they don't have a nitro yet, right? They're still just running, um, e-buggy and e-truck i think the nitro is on the way i see the guy chris is is doing a lot of good work but it's it was probably easier back then when it first came out because there were less chassis companies but now you you it's 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 like chassis and tires right now it is like Mm -hmm. you can throw a dart you can you can have a dart and throw it blindfolded and you'll hit something i see chris i'm gonna meet him at wicked weekend i he's pushing hard he's pushing hard but it's 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 just hard. Like I know the struggle all too hard. I know it. I know it. Just like when yeah. I see the WRC guys, I'm like, you guys, I see, I know the struggle. I know that struggle. Like, you know, you're pushing hard. And WRC is making some great leaps and bounds. So I, I wish Castor all the luck. It's 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 very hard. It's fucking hard. Yeah. All right, we're gonna move on because we got a lot of questions. Ben Bartle, I will I ask, I would like to ask, I would like to I would like to question, I would like question asked okay that was not right how do we make the actual track facilities more successful I mean how do we gain financial stability how do we put roofs on tracks that need them how do we get consistent manpower to help build racetracks anything else that has to do with success of a racetrack because i know several that constantly struggle it seems most of them struggle quite a bit only a few are succeeding typically those that have hobby shops associated with them it's a good uh recipe but a lot of the racetracks are in public parks. I didn't put a lot of thought into this, so maybe somebody can expand upon it. So he's in Florida. Uh, I think he's working on a triple nickel RC track, and I see him asking for help for people to come work on it. And then I see that Epic is this, this guy who runs Epic RC. He's trying to get investors because he wants to build a, a facility, like an indoor facility there in Florida. So I'm going to say something. Right? We, we constantly put the cart before the horse in RC. We have, we, 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 want, we want all these tracks, but there's no thought in getting new people into racing these tracks, right? Uh, not every track, look, you want a track to be successful and have a roof over its head, then there has to be another business that isn't RC related attached to it. It's that simple. It's, it's just that simple. There is not enough money in RC to support this. There isn't. There is not. Yeah. We had this. I had this rant last week on the podcast where we. It's the same as people thinking that 
Mugen and these companies are selling hundreds of thousands of units per 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 quarter. There is not enough money in RC to support this. Um, if you if you're asking for people to come help out on a track, then it's not being run as business. It's got to be run as a club because people aren't going to pay money to come to the track and then put put time in. So something has to give. You, you can't have money and ask people to put time in. That's why you see a lot of these tracks that are privately earned. They're the all the work's done by the person that you know, maybe has one or two people that help them, but, or a crew that they pay, but it's, it's difficult, man. And then you have, you don't just don't have enough people. Like Florida is saturated with tracks. The Southeast is saturated with tracks. And you're dealing with in Florida where you got, um, you have many outdoor tracks. I know Florida it rains. So that's why they're talking about a roof. I know why this Epic, uh, company wants to build a all like a, uh, you know, like a warehouse type of area and all that stuff. But that all costs money. It costs money to do it. It costs money to sustain it. And it costs money to just make it be profitable. Like you ain't even, we're not even talking about being profitable. We're talking about sustaining it. So then people will say, well, look at a place like uh, Hobbyplex up in uh, Omaha, which we had uh, Alex Sturgeon there. They're also in a very uh, area where they get, they draw people from all different states to come race because they don't have a lot of competition. But when you're dealing with a state like Florida, who has a shit ton of competition, and not only that, other states that are around in the surrounding area that have lots of tracks, it's going to be very hard. And we're still putting the cart before the, the horse. We're not getting more people who say, well, if you build a track, they'll come. That's bullshit. That's not working. It's not building a, a, a track and then people come. Um, we need to get people into RC. I understand that a lot of tracks are on public parks. You have to work within that those parameters. But maybe some of these tracks need to go away for the other tracks to succeed. It's just simple. Um, if you constantly ask people to come and work on the track, that's going to get people can get tired of that as well. You know what I mean? The only other thing is to form a club and have it as a club. But if you're going to be trying to make this as a business, it's not going to, you know, as a business, then it's not going to work when you're asking people to come and do work for you and also charging them to come there. Um, you know, he's in an area where there's lots of tracks around. There's 10 scale tracks, there's indoor 10 scale tracks. There's indoor, there's, there's no indoor eight scale tracks per se in Florida. There's one, there's Lee Setzer's track, SNS Hobbies. That's the only track with a roof that can be run eight scale. I agree, Florida probably needs a track with a roof on it, but it's not going to be, it's RC is not going to um, provide all the money that that costs to, to build that. Maybe that track has to be on land. That has another business that's that no, I know that that track has to be on land or be a part, a side hustle of what a real business is making money because there just isn't enough money, even with a hobby shop, even with a hobby shop, there's just not enough money to support a track and make it just, you know, if unless your hobby shop's doing really good walk in income and you're hitting things online and all that type of stuff. But I guarantee you, let's take uh, BTRC for instance, I guarantee that the track does not make BTRC money. I bet you it costs yeah, money. Yeah. I bet you that it's better for Brent to get rid of the track and make that a warehouse than it is to make it, uh, to have it as a track financially. I bet you that's better. He has a track because he's passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with that, but I, I do have to say, because I have, to, I have had to think about this issue as well, mm -hmm. you know, for a, a little bit here in Finland. We have the fortunate situation where almost, well, every track we have is a club. So 
in in some cases it's fortunate because the thing stays around uh, as long as there's uh, even a handful of people left but it's unfortunate in the way that if there aren't enough people who want to take care of it it's just gonna gonna be very bad you know in quality wise but what i found is there is just almost no way of making a track with purely racing mm-hmm. um so you can do it if you have an area where you have enough people so i think you'd need around 100 or 150 people who buy a month yeah yeah steadily every month the 100 to 150 people who pay the monthly fee mm-hmm. so that would be the monthly fee would be around 50 dollars or 50 euros so basically 100 or 150 people who are willing to spend um about uh six seven hundred euros uh uh per year just mm-hmm. for the track okay so that would make you uh enough money to have a solid you know place and uh that is already quite a lot of money and that's a quite a lot of races and in finland there's only one club who can manage that really and i don't think even they get as much as i said uh and well, we're, uh, talk- that is we're talking about two different finland. things like finland and florida are completely different i, I get what you're saying no but, but it's like just, I it, but the whole rc I, community is not big enough it's just not it's just not big enough no but and i'm saying like it's like you you can only pretty much do it if you have a lot of active races, mm-hmm. a lot of them. So the other way to do it is to have um, an RC, you know, kind of like a go-kart track, you know, where they rent out go-karts. Have that, but for RC, and then combine that with a race track, okay? So I, I, I'm pretty sure that's how most, you know, full scale tracks make money. They have like all kinds of smaller events that, uh, that they hold and that, that they make money. So basically you would need to have two tracks, one for all kinds of, you know, bashers, people who might want to come there, rent a, rent a car, um, birthday events, company, you know, events, you know, just like, Hey, you guys want to have this sort of company night out and you can race RC cars or stuff like that. That's the, that's the way that in Finland, a lot of clubs have made uh, a fair bit of money. Essentially you have like five to 10, like RTR slashes or armor four by four. Yeah, but that's all peanuts. That's peanuts. That's peanuts, Max. We're talking, no, about, but... they're talking about putting roofs on, on over tracks. That's fucking no, millions of dollars. That's millions of dollars. You, well, that's no, not going to no, make no. it. That's not. Yes, it is to put a roof in in Florida. Expensive. You know what they need? Right. Either either the the tracks are supported by the government, because I know one track is going to have a roof in Florida called BNT, but that's all done by the the local government. Or it needs to be something that is not RC related, like something that's on that land, like somebody that has a whole bunch of land, and. That land is making money like well, I mean, it's a thousand dollars for them a month, huh? But the thing is, like, if you just want to have a club that's functioning monetarily, 
Oh, that's, that's pretty much that, the only but way. But not, not putting a roof on a, that's not going to put a roof on a building. That's not going to put a roof well, on a Well, no, not in, not in a small scale. No, no, I'm not sure. But you know, you can is... easily make uh, like uh, a few grand off of that. Right, but uh, you have to be eclectic. Extra. I agree with you. I, I agree yeah. with you. They have to do different events. You have to yeah. be, you have to be very, you have to promote. And it takes a lot. And especially, and that's, and if all the things add up and you got 150 people, club members and all that type of stuff, which is going to be hard. And then you don't have any competition, any nearby competition, then you can do it. But when you end up in an area like Florida, even though Florida's huge, there's lots of tracks. And there's, you know, and it's just it's just hard, man. And I think this comes down to the illusion that we were in this big, that racing is this big side of the industry. And it's not. It is actually, as I said on my live, it is a flea on the balls of the dog that is RC. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. But that's kind of the thing Like you have to combine because the thing is that there are people who are into RC, not the racing side, but into RC, but they don't have any place to take advantage of that. So like actively organizing that, you can get that money supply and then put it towards. So hold on. The whole comment, we'll, we'll come back to the same thing. We still put in the cart before the horse. We have to grow RC racing. So we need more people. Yeah, yeah. But I the think like, I don't think... I don't think we're ever going to get RC. Like, if you think of motocross. No, motocross I don't think so racing, either. I don't think so either. Big. There's most likely not many more motocross racers around Yeah, the but world. many people have motocross bikes. Yeah. Many Same millions thing of people RC. have Millions have RC cars, but only a few thousand race them. I agree. You know, that, that's the thing. Like, So we need to tap into that market. We need to tap into that market somehow. That's yeah, why I like what MSN is like, doing. But I think, I think like the issue is kind of a, a never ending, no matter what you compare, like mountain I had this biking, argument. I had this rant on my live last week. Yeah. I had this yeah. rant on my live. But like mountain week. biking as well, like mountain biking racing, that's a fucking drop in a bucket compared to the biking market, you know? But guess uh, what? Guess what? If we had 10% of the people that race mountain bikes into RC racing right now, it would fucking be great. Yeah, but if you had 10% of the people who race mountain bikes, that would be nothing, you know? It would be more than what we have in RC. I what do you mean? So. Racing, race. Yeah, okay, sorry. Racing. Yeah, that's racing, the thing. Racing, that's racing. the issue. Like, Not anything. People, right, like, right, 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 right. Think right. of how many competitive skiers there's in the world. Like right. Sorry. Tank. Sorry. I, yeah. I misconstrued you. Yeah, yeah, I get Yeah. yeah. People that have mountain bikes that go on that meet up and, and go on trail rides and stuff like compared to yeah, people that, who are yeah, yeah, doing yeah. downhill racing, yeah, yeah, like for a living. That's, I get that, you. that's the main issue. Like, because I was discussing this thing with like the Finnish uh, Federation, the uh, car federation, and they were like, every single discipline is having the same issue, like be it full scale, uh, drifting is the only one who's doing well in Europe right now. Everyone Not else surprised. is struggling. Rallying, uh, rallying is doing okay, but that's because you know rallying is always doing okay. But like pretty much every single hobby is do is having the same issue. Like the people, the amount of people isn't getting bigger, but the amount of things to do is. You know, there's mm -hmm. video games. There's mm -hmm. more the things to do. So much competition for your time out there. Yeah, like there's too much things to do for the amount of time and people we have. That's I like it, it's it, that's just how it is. 
But just to reiterate on this, and then we're going to go into the next question because we have quite a few. We're not trying to spend 10 minutes on this one. It's very difficult, Ben. Just like the growing the chassis thing, it's very difficult because they are of the limited numbers. Now, if your track was the only track within four or five hours of most people or whatever, you know what I mean? And your nearest track was eight hours away, then it would be diff- it'd be easier. But when you live in, when you're having a track in a place like Florida where there's tracks, where there's quite a few tracks, and then just in that area of the Southeast where it's in, inuated with just so many tracks, it's always going to be difficult. It's just always going to be difficult. You have to then make your track better than everybody else's to get people there. So, and that takes money, that takes time, that takes having, you know, all that type of stuff. But to have a track with a roof and all that type of stuff, I do not see it being foreseeable to profit off of that just from RC. It has to be attached yeah. to some other business that is passively making income for you, right? Or making great income for you. Um, next question. Uh, we've we've talk, we touched on this quite a lot. We're not going to go too deep in it, but Eric Quartermost wants to know, what would be the best way to get new drivers into the hobby, both 10 scale, 8 scale level? Should there be a box stock spec class? Yes, I agree. Like Losey had with the XXX spec truck buggy? Yes. Uh, should ma- manufacturers build an entryway get gate level car for people to get in and then move? Yes, that's what I agree with. I think we should have a completely box stock set up. All these companies that make them. I see, I see um, some other company just came up with a, like Yokomo or somebody came up with a stock car here recently, like a spec car. Everybody yeah. fits a spec, same motor, same, you know, same rules. A uh, car has to cost under a certain amount of money and then make a spec class for that. I think that's, that is a great way to great, get people into racing cheap. But first, we need to get people there. So we need to work on the promoting side. Uh, do you have anything to add to that, Max? I think we both agree with that. Yeah, like I think even H-scale companies should release more like fully built kits, you know. Like ready to race. but Ready to race, not ready, not to, not ready yeah, to run. I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. Which could be e-buggers, in my opinion. Uh, Joe oh, Johnson, with, with with battery technology constantly evolving, when might we see longer electric mains? Hashtag nitrous to glory. Um, I mean, I don't think we, we will because everyone will run smaller batteries. Right. There we go. And also the electronics can't keep up with the heat. And let's be yeah. honest. Why is nitro so great? Because we have fucking pit stops. Yeah. And cars can flame out when you come in pit stops and people can run out of fuel. That's why it's great. I think we're going to, I think 10, I honestly think if we do go up at maybe 15 minutes, but I think that the two double main, double main e-buggy or triple main e-buggy is the best way to go. I don't yeah. think we need longer mains because it, I think, look, I think actually, I, I think double main is actually better than triple main. I have to be honest. Because I, you have I to think, race both and they both count. Yeah, to, extent, because tri- right? to me, triple main, there's so much more, you know, like, oh, I don't do I have to win. I don't have to win. I'm just holding here second. And like the e-buggy euros where Olovsky and Kilic hit, like, yeah, it might not, might not have been deliberate. But if it had been deliberate, like, Olovsky just knew that that's all he needed to do. I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but, you know, in a situation like that, you could just purposefully, purposefully take someone out and that'd be fine. You know, like you can't do anything about it. So I 100% think that double mains, double 10 minute mains is much better Hello. for e buggy. I think it's probably the best 10 minutes of racing you can see because it ain't no pit stops. You ain't got to worry about that. 
It's out there. That's what makes Nitro better. Pit stops, going long time, going a longer race, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. So I don't think it can make a difference. To be to be honest, um, it, fifteen minutes at the most. I, I think your ex- yeah. the attention span goes after that. To be honest, because there's no noise. It's just like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm watching anybody yeah. racing. It's it's not the most exciting thing out there when you know. It's yeah, pretty I have simple. To be honest. Yeah, it's pretty I simple. I, I don't think week. it's better. Like, if it was longer, like semis are only interesting because there's six drivers who bump. You know, mm-hmm. the forty-five minute main is because there's so much happening. But then, like ten, like when it's ten to fifteen, like doesn't really make a difference. Hey, let me tell you something. The ten-minute, three ten-minute e-buggy finals I saw at IBC were probably three of the most exciting e-buggy finals I'm watching all the time. Yeah. And I, I don't think, think they should have been longer than that. I think uh, the most likely thing is that we're gonna get e-buggy pit stops. Still not. It's still not exciting. It's still not exciting. It's not like for me. It's not exciting. Really? It is not exciting because you, there's no chance of you flaming out. You know. Really? That's that makes it for you. I don't look, know. man. Look, listen, listen. It's just. It's just like I don't. I, I know e-buggy guys got pissed off at me last week. It's just like this. Nothing is going to get people, your blood going like smoke and noise and ring and all that type of stuff compared to... Yeah, but through video, but through video, it's not much different. Most people watch it through video. And they like that. And you know what? People like coming in for them fast pit stops and go. Where there is is a possibility that your pit stop might not be fast enough or you didn't get it full up enough, enough like that. Yeah, but that's how it be for e-buggy too. No, there's gonna be a who can who can get that battery in there fast enough. That's all that's gonna be. There's not gonna be no danger yeah. of it not being charged. There's not gonna be the danger of you, you know, of not yeah. getting it connected properly. All that type of stuff. So that takes away. All right, moving on. Xavier Suarez wants to know about tire frames. I'm heard once the tire frames get wet, they are garbage. I also heard that's false. Would love to hear your take on it. Reason I'm asking is I'm currently seeing tire wash stations pop up and just checking. The tire wash stations have been going on for a long time. Um, I think when when firms get completely wet, like soaking wet, they might not they might degrade a bit. But with these tire wash stations or people washing the tires, they're kind of scrubbing and you know. Yeah, eh, I don't think it does that much damage. I don't. It 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 definitely changes it a bit, but it's not like it will be fully fucked up. It will definitely be less uh, bouncy when it gets wet. Okay. Um, depending on what. If you're on like 10 scale, you know, uh, what you call them, like the full foam, um, that one, I don't think it does anything really. Uh, but the closed cell, those ones get a little bit less bouncy. Okay. All right. RC Vitals, what's up, my buddy? How you doing? He has a few questions. We're going to answer them quick because we have a few more to go after this, Max. And I see your attention span starting to go. What brand of tires... And wheels do you currently run and max and why? Uh the one that's best. Um, but in Finland we have control tires. So all right. You know, this so, is this is so like you don't, the have best a, you don't have a tire, you don't have a tire sponsor. No, and I chose not to really. Okay. Uh, I was interested to run TZO because we run it in Finland, so I could, you know, because I don't race much abroad. But uh they don't really have any uh, thing going on in Europe, so I was like, yeah, whatever. I've been running you no know, sponsor since 2019, because the thing is, like, would you like to have a tire sponsor for 
one race in a year, which is pretty much the Euros. And then if that tire sponsors tires don't happen to be the best ones there, you're gonna basically waste a whole lot there. So I chose like I'm anyway running control tires in Finland. So why not just run anything okay. at the Euros? All right. He says I also saw side fins added to your body. What does it do? And did did it work? Real quick. Uh, it does work. Yeah, it basically makes the car go more straight. So if you if you go into a corner and you have the feeling where the rear end kicks out while you're braking, when you have the fins, there it doesn't kick out as much. It kicks out a bit, but then it kind of straightens itself out more. Yeah, but you doing this for quite some time. Different. You've been in. Yeah, the only thing is like apparently those were illegal. <laughs> Carlos came me after the uh, came to me after the race and said that's against the F rule book. But okay, yeah, they didn't know at the tech, so I just they, they were like that's fine. So, but yeah, how do you euros, so after something <laughs> leave else. it leave it to Carlos, right? Yeah. How how do you how do you like running e buggy? Give me a one word answer. Um, it's fun. I just need to. <laughs> I went all already over one. It's but, fun. That's it's all fun. It's fun. Yeah. I need to be better with the throttle. I, I use too much always. Okay. Do you play with servo speed adjustment on a radio, for example, servo return speeds at all? On on throttle, I use uh, on throttle I use maximum return, but then I've decreased the speed up. So basically if I'm feathering. I can feather far without it taking all the way that far, mm-hmm. but then it always returns to zero very fast. So that's mm-hmm. good. One thing actually, the good that this came up because I, since I switched to the M17, I've been trying to find how the fuck I can tune brake speed. I can't find it. There is no way to turn uh, to adjust brake speed. I said this on one of my videos back in the day well, two years ago, uh, that I use uh, slowed down brake speeds. So basically, um, I would have it so that it's up to like, what, 90% or something. It's all the way to the slowest, but then the last 10% is fast. So basically, if I would tap the brakes, it would never engage the full brakes, but it will engage like 60% or whatever. But then if I had to fully brake, I could... Long, you know, engaged 100%. Okay. So I can't find this option in M17 to slow down just the brake. I can slow down the throttle, which I which I always do, which I just explained. Steering, I never touch. It's it, it's always worse for me when I slow it down. Um, unless it's like super fast on the uh, on the server, which luckily not many servers are. Um, but yeah, on the brakes, can't find the setting. So if someone knows how to tune brake speed, particularly just the brake speed on um, Sanva M17, please tell me. I'd like to know. And if someone okay. knows the Sanva guys who <laughs> make the software and they don't really, they don't have that option, tell them to make one. All right. Uh, his last question is, do you use firm bands, your opinion on them, to, to keep the firm oh. from swelling up? Oh, no. With J-Concepts, I used to glue the tire to the, oh, the wheel. Foam to the wheel. To the foam. Yeah, foam to the wheel. Because the, the carcass of some of the J-Concepts tires was really, really thin. So they swell up really easily. 
especially when it was hot weather, but the track was an abrasive. So you had to run like a blue compound or maybe R2. Those two had that issue a lot where it would just swell up or the balloon up the tire a lot. So gluing the foam to the wheel was good for those. But then if you run a thicker compound, it's not an issue. Um, I think I haven't run a lot recently in in situation where I would have used those. So I'd have to try them to really, you know, but uh, to be honest, I'd rather probably glue the foam to the wheel and, uh, and not use those bands because, you know, usually I always put new foams. Anyway. Okay. John Skidmore, this is his favorite topic. Oh my God. He wants to know, should we have a Euros or Worlds at a track that is just built for the event? No warm-up races, no practice. Because this is the, look, so I like the Skidmores, but this is always their, their main pet peeve. <laughs> no, we didn't yeah. go to the warm-up. You didn't go to the, did they go to the Worlds warm-up? I don't think so, right? They did, yeah. Last did they? I can't yeah. remember. I don't know if they didn't go to, they didn't go to the Euros warm-up. Guess what? They, they, Johnny still made the mains. Yeah. You know, I, I think I get what they're saying. Don't get me wrong. Do not. Well, get I hundred percent agree that uh, it should be not allowed to organize any meetings on the track prior to the EFRA event during that year. Right now, <laughs> now, but here's what uh, Jamie Booth says in there. He goes, "Yeah, saves all the traveling and practice, but who's going to run the event?" More money and 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 at a clubs that's potentially closed for weeks. Yeah, I don't think you had to have to have the club. Like, the, here's the thing: the EFRA already has a rule that the club needs to be closed a month prior to the race. So it has to be closed a month. Always mm-hmm. has had to be. Or maybe these tracks um, just make a change, like they're supposed to. Yeah, that's all. That's also one thing. EFRA rulebook says that the tracks have like to make be a change. Sixty percent different than the warm up. Sixty percent. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even asking for sixty percent, but maybe make a change. But here we go. Apparently, it looks like the worlds are going to be in Brazil next year, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that nobody's going to go to the warm up, and I'm pretty sure that the track between the warm up and that the track that's going to be at the worlds is going to be completely different. So, her mm-hmm. look. You know what? Her what's here's what we do. No warm up. No nothing. Make the race like they did in Australia. Make it ten days long. Then people will complain about that. So it doesn't. We don't. We don't. No, win. but it doesn't have to be that long. Um, Not with the amount of practice I saw at the Worlds this last year. Last year, six days was sufficient. Yeah, I think. How many runs do you get per day? Two, Two? a day. So that's twelve. Two ten-minute <laughs> runs. I think two ten-minute runs was sufficient. Dude, you're gonna fucking bring another car there. You have a, well, I mean, they did it like in Australia. A... They did Australia where you had to run the ten day ten day practice. I think I, he has a point. He doesn't. He definitely has a point. I don't think that is no. I, I think results, I but... think he has. I think he definitely. I hundred percent agree with this point that I think warm up races are stupid. So, for example, the Montpellier warm up. Yeah. Okay. The club gets a little bit of extra money, but like you get the people. Go to the same place, same people, same place, twice. Same guy wins the both events. And then after that, the second event is one that counts. Like, that's so idiotic. So stupid. There's no track change. They didn't change the track. No tra- yeah, not, nothing changed to the track. 
Like that to me is the dumbest thing ever. You spend all that money to go there twice just so you can do better at the other race with all the same people in both events. So in my opinion, that's just so, so stupid. It's we, rather, agree that, we agree yeah. that guys not attending the Euro e-buggy warm-ups affected them. Oh, for sure. But I think it was stupid to have an e-buggy warm-up because especially this track, they are not open at a lot. You know, they're closed for a lot of the time. Mm, you know? okay. So you even if you wanted to go there for practice, you couldn't. So you kind of had to attend the warm-up. That was the only shot to go to practice. So in my opinion, uh, the best solution would be that there is not there. It isn't. They just don't have a warm-up. They have, if you agree to host an effort championship, you can't hold a warm-up event. You know? This That's is where it. I would say America has it right. They love track changing. So they can make, they'll build a track and then it would be completely, okay, now in the case of this Nationals this past year, it wasn't completely different. It was, it, it, they still had the same layout, but they included the oval into it. So it added to it. So they technically added to it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least in America, they rebuild, they'll rebuild a whole track and have a fresh layout for, for that race, right? So yeah, we but have, I don't I don't think I don't think that is absolutely necessary to have a fresh layout. But I mean it, it like eliminates local, it eliminates all that bullshit. Yeah, but the locals will always have a benefit. You know, it doesn't we matter. Talked about this too. Yeah. We talked about so, this too. Like Aaron Rennick and Killich brothers, they definitely would have had a benefit even if like they didn't go to the warm-up. Okay. Like Rennick, the Kilich brothers dominated the warm up, and Rennick finished third. And then Bruno was like what fourth, and the other guys were behind. And at this race, Bruno finished second behind Orlowski. Orlowski finished seventh at the warm up. Okay. So it's like obviously the local guys have a benefit, but that's they still had a benefit at the actual race. Rennick finished fourth, Kilich finished. Oh no, Rennick finished fifth, and Kilich finished fourth, or whatever it was. Or okay. third, I don't remember. But like, they still were up there, very similar. Oh, so guess what? Yeah. Next year worlds, if it's in Brazil, I doubt they're gonna have a warm up, and I if they do, I doubt that people are gonna go to it. So everybody be fresh, and I'm sure they'll have a new track for the worlds. So, but I think I think this should actually be a thing, especially for Afro, because we have the tendency to keep the track same. No, it definitely. A, I would I, I would say Skidmore definitely has a point there. These tracks are the same, but you know what? As I said on the, as I said last week, if you're a top driver and a pro driver, the cream always rises to the top. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like going having a warm up event doesn't switch the results in any meaningful way. If some don't go and some do, yeah, then it switches it. But if you don't have a warm up race, almost everyone is going to do just as well as they would do with a warm up race if they went. You know. And here's the thing. Everybody has the option to go to the warm-up race. I know, but that's stupid. I know, but that's stupid to go to the warm-up race. You okay, spend so, double the money to prepare for one event. But they still you know, that's, Yeah, they shouldn't. That's my point. They should right. ban warm-up races. Okay, so we they should ban warm-up races. So we're going to start banning, banning warm-up races. That's our thing. That's your thing. Yeah, right. like just say, like if you have an EFRA... Uh, European Championship, you cannot organize a race within the year before the race. That's then that's, but that then the, the track struggles. They can't have a race. What do you mean? 
You said within I mean, the they, year. Well, yeah, like usually like after the winter, they open up, you know, early in the year. They can't have a race before. And the Euros are usually like midpoint of the year. So that's it. That's not fair to track. All right. Um, that would that will make tracks not want to have that's why I was seeing this, that's why I was seeing the Euros going to the same tracks. Because people don't well, want to Yeah, have. but they already do that. So it, it wouldn't really change. All right, so they're gonna it's gonna <laughs> even be less. It's it's gonna be even less. All right. We got a couple more questions. This one's actually answered by by Ryan Lutz. So Chris Trudeau, when a successful pro driver changes brands and moves to a new chassis and tires, for example, how long do the fans give that driver if they have marginal results, say going from regular podium finishes to top six finishes? It's joked that may, pros like Mayfield Fan could beat average racers using a Tyco brand RC car. Average racers, as in you and me. Yes, we are average racers, but not their peers that are just as fast as them. That's that's yeah. different. That's a I think difference. Mayfield, like if you gave a Mayfield, if you gave Mayfield an Arma Typhoon, uh Typhoon uh car, I bet he could make the A main at uh yeah yeah i'm not disputing that but he said average racer they're not racing average racers they're racing other guys at the same level as them yeah yeah, so that's a big difference and then he goes on to say but is there really a learning curve between cars from a pro level at a pro level seahawk versus pillow ball and there goes max put up your avatar uh uh seahawk versus pillow ball i understand are driving different but overall but does driving style need to fit the car we've said this over jq agrees he says at the level that these pros are to compete with other pro guys at that level, the car is way more important than it is for an average Joe like me. Yeah, yeah. And sure. then Ryan Lutz goes on because he answered this question. He goes, contrary, Chris Trudeau, contrary to popular dogma, some cars are better than others in certain situations and some perform better on one surface or another. Some cars struggle with long mains, diff issues, some with rough track. <clears throat> Some with rough track, some with high grip, et cetera, et cetera. At the tippy top, you not you not only need a good platform, but having the experience with it as a track we frequent helps to helps out a lot too. When we are seeking tens of seconds on our competition, more knowledge and experience with the product we're running on the surfaces we are running on are going to help yield those extra tens and consistency. Same cars, some cars are harder to have that fast consistency over longer races. My two cents. He, 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 look. Ryan Mayfield can beat 99% of the RC racers with a typhoon because, but he can't beat that 1%. And that 1% are the top drivers in RC. It's simple as that. And we have to stop comparing ourselves to these. We are not pro drivers. We are not pro drivers. I am not a pro driver. Never will be. I am a below average driver at best. And that's what I think there is still like some. Like, no matter the level, I think most will have some cars that they will do better with because they they are easier to drive for them, you know? Okay. They they need, I think, I just think at that level that them being in tune with the car is something that we will, we, like regular people like me, will never have that level. Never. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Not to the same extent, you know? Not to say, and then we have one more question from Ryan Lutz. He goes, Was the vision was the racing at Visions this year more exciting for the audience we wish to reach with an easy freight train layout, or was last year more exciting with a challenging surface that had elements of unknown that could happen at any moment that often saw breakaway leaders fall back into the clutches of the pack? Um, I don't know because at the same time, we 
at the same time, we don't want everybody out there. I definitely feel like a more challenging track would be great, but I have to take my RC nerd hat off, racing nerd hat off, and think about the people that are going to watch this. Do we want to see the best in the world, like doing a thousand cartwheels down the track and falling from first to last? No. We want to see... I thought that the racing... I mean, look at Tasman. He came charging through. He did pretty good. I don't know what the secret is. I know what the secret is. Having spectators there and having one big jump that people send it can do style things and having it where where the racing can be tight, but we're not crashing all over the place. And You want to know what the secret is? Oh, gosh. What's the secret? The secret is having a track where it's easy to pass and also easy to make up time. So a track where you can run very consistently at the specific speed, but then it's easy to make up time, you know, like easy to get the few extra tens if you push really hard, you know. Also, it needs to be a track where it's easy to pass. So even at this race in Italy, the track is like really flowing, really nice. Uh, but the issue is you, there's no way to get by anyone, really. It's really difficult to pass. Well, I thought and, that they had that at the missions this weekend, that this last weekend, because we saw that one jump, I mean, that one corner. Like, look at Ty, he made up so much time. He went to keep, he, there's one eight is when people slow down, they actually make for better passing, I think. Yeah. But the thing is, like, when you have a track that's the what I described, it's better to have a long main because then you can have those gaps build mm. or get smaller. But if you have a track that's really, like chaotic, it's really easy to make a mistake. Usually on those tracks, it's better to have short mains, which what which is what the visions had. And or same thing with when the track is like super easy to drive and nobody crashes, mm-hmm. then it's better to have short mains because usually long mains, if you someone crashes at the wrong time and they get like a five second gap, it's really hard to climb that back. So the best one is like something like Red One. I think that proved to be quite good for racing because we saw that when you took risks and especially at the high speed sections, if you really pushed through them, you could make up time and you could also make a mistake if you got, you know, um, unfocused, but then overall it was quite, you know, quite calm, the track. But then like, I remember the U S open track, uh, that race testman won like a few years back. That track was like one of the hardest tracks I'd ever seen. But that wasn't fun to watch. It was just like somebody crashed, then you wait for someone else to crash. Mm-hmm, so the mm-hmm, racing mm-hmm. isn't fun to follow. Uh, same thing with DNC in the past, like two, three years when the track has like super blown out. It's just like you can't really watch the cars go behind each other. It's like you're just waiting for the one in the head to crash if you want them to see past. So, I think the fine line Silver is, State. Well, DNC too, but Silver State, yeah, that well, both in my opinion, uh, because DNC can't remember which year it was, but not this year, but one of the few years prior. It, it has been kind of like super blown out. So. But I think it's just it's a it's a fine line where the track is easy enough that people don't make mistakes, but it's still, it has sections where you can make up time. I think that's, that's the most important part. Okay. 
All right. I, I, I would. I understand what you're saying. Pass. If you I have just chicanes and like chicanes and like 90 degree corners and uh, elevation and all kind of stuff like that, that's making overtaking much more difficult. All right. Curtis Wong says JQ still hasn't raced the Kyosho Masters. <laughs> I don't yeah, think he I ever will. Yeah, I think he's banned for life. <laughs> All right, we have one more question, and then we're going to go into our main interview. This is from uh, NNRC Discord. Jay Wood wants to know which is more important when choosing a tire: compound or tread pattern? Running a harder compound and running larger pins, block seems to like the smart move. Just increase the structure of the tire. But is there is this actually the case? So what was the initial question? What is more important when choosing a tire, compound or oh. tread pattern? Oh, yeah. Um, well, it, like, depends what your, like, extent. You know, if if you're running on a track, indoor track, you know, something like OCRC, yeah, running a pin tire probably ain't going to work. So probably the thread in that case. Uh, if you're running on oil tracks, most likely it's the the compound is more important. Uh, you need to usually run clay compounds and oil tracks. Uh, then if you run on carpet, then obviously the the thread is much more important. So it it kind of depends on the situation, but. If the threads are similar enough, then it's really up to the compound most of the time. Like, for example, at DNC this year, being wet and cold and so on, like just having the right compound, the thread can be just any small pin tire pretty much, but having the right compound for that weather where the pin folds just enough, I think that's kind of what, what you need. But really depends on the situation to be honest well also like at the natch this year right uh with the track being so high grip and it being yeah. so hot they wanted harder they were wanted harder tires to get away from that edginess basically the sidewall filled and over yeah and um that also because like tebow was telling me his his tires were great as slicks after the main yeah. yeah you just couldn't like it while it got when they went out of six they were great the tread pattern didn't really matter until you got out into the obviously because they were great yeah. in the line and the heart and the harder compound was yeah. great because that didn't fill yeah. it over. But once you got off the line, obviously it was different. So yeah, I will tell you this: like I'm no pro, but when I had our glue tracker, I used to like running hard city blocks, right? Yeah, yeah, because when the top pin wears out, it's really right, and you still there used to be so such high traction, right? That those top pins used to used to let it slide a little bit. It used to give a little bit, yeah. Even on the high traction part, and then when it wore on to like that medium pin, that's when the tire was at its best, yeah. right? And by that time, you had gotten a lot more oil, a lot more, dirt, a lot more um, gunk on the track. So, yeah, yeah it that depends. was a, that's pretty much the same as all the J concepts drivers seem to run. I think it was rehab or relapse, some one of those tires. At the nuts, so that's exactly the same. It has the one top layer and then the bottom layer, and when it lays uh, wears down to the bottom layer, it's like really forgiving. It's mm -hmm. not nice and easy to drive. Cool, lots of good questions this week. Thank you everybody yeah. for uh, your questions. If we missed you, we apologize. Um, 
we we went pretty long on that. Max always goes long on the questions. Uh, thank you to Beach RC and Clinic RC for their continued support. We're now going to go on to our main interview. Uh, our main interview is with Corey Drakenberg of Fifty One Fifty Productions. He's made such great uh, of the Come Drive of Us documentaries on YouTube. Uh, we would like to thank Sidewinder Fuel and Techno RC for bringing this to you. Sidewinder Fuel is uh, one of our new sponsors. Morgan Fuel is their is the name of the whole entire company. They have been collaborating with many of the top's world drivers for over forty years to bring you this new to bring you the Sidewinder fuel that they're using now. This has enabled them to test their fuels in many of the most challenging situations and take development of competition fuels to the next level. The result has been the Sidewinder fuel, which uh, you have seen for the last few years, the market's most powerful racing fuel. This fuel has been track tested and proven by national winners and world champions, including such drivers as Ryan Cavallari, Ryan Mayfield, Greg DeGandhi, Mark Bavides, and many more. Actually, I would say that our top driver now is actually a little bump. He was over in Vietnam doing a little family visiting and tour. These drivers at the time appreciated that Sidewinder was blended perfectly for their high performance needs and competitive racing. Don't let victory slip through your fingers. Purchase Sidewinder today. So thank you to Sidewinder for all their continued support. Thank you to Techno for all their continued support. We greatly appreciate them. I look forward to seeing all the Techno guys at Wicked Weekend coming up shortly. Techno RC. Techno RC is a championship winning manufacturer of high performance A-scale, TED-scale, nitro, and electric RC buggies and trucks. With a worldwide dealer network, USA and Europe-based headquarters, comprehensive warranty program, and global race support, Techno RC is excellence in RC. View the full lineup of Techno RC race-proven vehicles by visiting www.technorc.com. Thank you, Techno, for all your continued support. Uh, now we're going to go on to the interview with Corey Drakenberg from 5150 uh, Come Drive of Us Productions. Joining me uh, on this episode is a man, you, you may not see know who he is because you don't see him much. He's always behind the camera and the man that's making the magic. But uh, I'm sure if you are into RC racing, you have seen some of his documentaries who I consider to be some of the best editing work and best put together uh, RC documentaries that we've had, uh, Mr. Corey Drakenberg. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I think we came up. You, I was doing the nationals last week, and you came on, and we was talking about your stuff. And then uh, I had my buddy Lucas on to recap the nationals, and he was like, "I was like, you know, uh, Corey was said he will come on the podcast. I was like, please do it." And I've had people ask me quite a lot to have you on her, so I'm glad that you finally came on her. Um, I appreciate it, but um, I want people to get to know who you are. So you are the man behind 5150, uh, come drive with us, media productions, all that stuff. But where are you actually from in Canada? I'm from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So for any of you that have no geographical awareness, basically it's like 16 hours straight north of Salt Lake City, Utah. Mm -hmm. And I've been there. I've actually... Uh, spent some time up in high level, which is about eight oh, hours yeah. north yeah. of you. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't. And I actually drove a bus from. I, sorry, I didn't drive a bus. I caught a bus from nice. high level to Toronto. Yeah. And um, Saskatchewan was very flat. Yeah. Yellow. Oh, Saskatchewan. I avoid Saskatchewan. I would rather just drive into <laughs> oncoming traffic and end it all. I did a it race was... in Winnipeg and I had to drive through Saskatchewan to get to the race. Really? And uh, it was just horrific. Like I literally wanted to end it all. Just right it, in there. It is very yellow yeah. and flat. Oh, it's terrible. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I did get up around the lakes there, I think, during the day. 
yeah and Lots it's absolutely light. beautiful out there yeah beautiful well edmonton my hometown is really really nice i i, I like it because there's there's no rattlesnakes and spiders and, and animals that will generally kill you mm-hmm. but if the downside is the winter well i mean yeah that's <laughs> but we have a pretty active rc scene here it's not huge okay. you know club races for us are four heats where we're super stoked to get five heats Okay. Uh, you know, a big race for us is 10 heats. So racing here is very grassroots. It's it's more fun than competitive, which is Got you. really nice. So is so I guess that could just segue right into our, our question. Like, how did you get into RC or discover it? So I own, well, RC, I got in in 1989. Uh, my first competitive RC car was a JRX Pro. Okay. And we had a small indoor track here. It didn't it didn't survive because for us winter, as I mentioned previously, is it's cold and it's really hard for indoor tracks to sustain themselves. because uh, the heating costs are, you know, 15, 20 grand a month in the winter. So we just don't have a big enough following, and unfortunately that track uh, did not survive. But we're resilient here, so we always had outdoor tracks that we supported in the summer months. Uh, so basically I've been racing pretty much nonstop since 1989, 1990. Okay. So you, you are a veteran in this then you yeah. have done this for I've been a long for time. A okay. You know, I was uh national champion in gas truck. Okay. Uh, for the, what was it? The Western Canadian off-road championship series or the Canadian off-road championship series. I can't remember. And then I transitioned to eight scale and I never really was good at eight scale, but yeah. <laughs> hey, gas truck was king back in that day though. You know, oh, you heard gas about truck all was these fun. Guys. It was a lot of fun. Yep, yep. I I um I have a few back there hanging right. up on the wall. Yeah, I so had my Adam Drake said- too, and you know, I had my my outlaw five port serial, I think is what I ran back then. But yeah. Yep. I got two of them right there, two Adam Drake twos with the nice. uh the uh where the wheels quick quick release wheels and quick all that release, stuff. yeah. Adam actually yeah. has the last one that came off the assembly line. And uh, he's got it the 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 staff signed it. And mm-hmm. said what the temperature was and and just all sorts of little stats, and then they laminated it. That's cool. Or That's sealed cool. it. I mean, he's, he's got that one. I watched that guy do stuff in a gas truck that I couldn't that right jump on a, with an eight scale. And I was just like, yeah. how does he do it? I never forget the first time I saw him drive a ten scale truck. Canadians are resilient. That's right, because you guys football have three dons instead of four, and right? you guys are badass in hockey. So yeah, <laughs> and you oh, have well, to our football is superior. It's just the players aren't. <laughs> see see we're gonna start a war with the americans already i love it yeah. um but yeah i i really do uh, my trips to canada have been good uh mostly been toronto like i said so i i do have a, a soft spot for yeah for canada in my heart. i want to get out to like bc and all that there at some oh, point it's beautiful yeah it's it looks beautiful yeah. all right so tell us a little bit while you discovered racing um Obviously, you are very talented in editing and, and filming and whatnot. Is that your background? Is that what you studied? Is so, that what you started out as? I, I actually wanted to go to film school as a kid. Okay. But my parents said, there is no film industry. This is Edmonton. And so I went into computer systems technology instead and actually became a software developer. And that was my my career. And it still is. I'm a okay. manager of a software team right now for a construction company called Leadcore, which you know we've got like 10 15 000 employees so we're wow. kind of a, a big big deal in construction and i manage a, an it team okay um, but years later i actually discovered that uh john candy uh eugene levy and martin short were on this variety show called sctv mm-hmm. and that was a five minute walk from the house i grew up in no way yeah 
So there was a film industry right in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. So kids, any kids watching, listen to your parents, but to a degree, follow your dream. Always I follow agree. your dream. I, you, you know, even where I live, I live in Dominican Republic, they have a big film industry yeah. here. A lot of the Latin, like Latin looking scenes you see filmed in movies, I filmed her. So yeah. I had a I had a buddy that was into RC that did all the props and all yeah. that stuff. So but, I guess it's just cheaper her to do it. Oh, big time. But to answer right. your question, I also, RC got really expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I started a family and had kids and stuff. And so RC got really expensive. Uh, so I started a store, a small online store called the RC Depot. And to market it, I started doing uh, like little videos. I would basically mm-hmm. at the big races, I would follow my my customers around. I sponsored a couple team drivers, and so I would kind of highlight my customers, my team drivers in the videos. And the videos just got kind of better and better and better. And I went to the 2013 Cactus Classic. Uh, I had a business trip for for my day job in San Diego, and I just kind of did a big loop. I flew to uh, Scottsdale. And then did my my work the the week after the race, and I did a little video at that race, and it was it was it was really good. Um, okay. I was kind of a nobody, just shooting on a little flip cam, and it turned out super good. And I branded it with my my store and, and etc. Oh, okay, so I guess once you, so I just want to retract a little bit because yeah. I, I you got me piqued my interest about right. racing in Canada. Yeah. So. At this time, when you was racing in Canada, was it was you traveling in Canada to go to different races? Just Canada, just Canada. Okay. I didn't do a lot of U.S. races. There was a small group of of racers. Um, uh, Will Mandujano was one of the guys. Uh, mm-hmm. He he started uh, going to the Nitro Challenge, mm-hmm. and they just went as as participants back when it was at the the Nitro Pit. Okay, and so my first actual U.S. race was uh, was the Nitro Challenge. Okay, sweet. So you went as a participant. Yeah, I went as a participant. Okay. And I did another little RC Depot video. Um, But yeah, they started getting noticed. And then the Tespans actually asked me to do a similar RC Depot video for for their race. Mm -hmm. And um, I did did it, you know, it was just a four-minute music video type thing. I think I used an Eminem song. Mm-hmm. Uh, a censored version, obviously, because <laughs> it is the testaments. But um, yeah, and Proline saw it, and they're like, "This guy's awesome! Like, we need to do work with this guy." And okay. that's kind of how I got my foot in the door with uh, with Come Drive with Us, and it was one hundred percent because of the testaments. If it weren't for them, Come Drive with Us would not exist. Okay, so do we have any access to any of these RC Depot films? I'm not sure. I used to use them. I used to use Vimeo uh, because they were music videos, and it was all like licensed music. There's all the, you know, yes, didn't want to get sued. And Vimeo was a little bit more open, so I'm not sure if they're still up there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've probably got them on a computer somewhere, but as far as readily available, I don't think they are. And I would assume that you was just self-taught about all of this, like you was learning. Was yeah. there now at this time? Was there like YouTube tutorials and all this stuff no. that you can watch? No, there was nothing. In fact, I was sort of freaking out because I was, um, I just got off the phone with Todd Matson and we basically had a verbal agreement. He was the owner of Proline at the time. Mm-hmm. We had a verbal agreement on uh, shooting the first three episodes. And I got off the phone. And I'm like, holy shit, uh, I have to do a documentary now. <laughs> So, I mean, so how did you learn this? Like, where did you I learn this from? So this was in October, and then we started filming at Reedy in January, and I just mm-hmm. binged every documentary I could find. Um, there was one, 
called 24-7. It was an HBO series. It was a hockey thing. Uh-huh. I watched that. And then we had one going on uh, called Oil Change. It was about the Edmonton Oilers. Uh-huh. And it was a behind-the-scenes documentary where they thought Taylor Hall wouldn't suck. Uh, so I watched stuff like that, lots of motocross documentaries. Basically, I just binged every documentary I could find. Okay. So how about editing and all that stuff? Self-taught? Self-taught. Okay. Now, I always kind of tinkered with editing. You know, I always did my family videos, my home videos for my parents when I was a kid. You know, I was always, always editing. I've actually owned a license of Premiere for about 20 years. Okay. I was about to ask, what is your preferred uh, editing software? Yeah, Premiere. Premiere. Okay. Um, All right. So that's interesting. So that's segueing into the Reedy Race, which took, yeah. I guess, which was the, um, it's your first come drive of us or 5150. I guess let's yep. go to the name. Where did 5150 come from and come drive of us? That, that well, I, it's, I'm a huge Van Halen fan. Okay. And I just, I think it's kind of funny how 5150 is the Los Angeles County police code for escaped mental patients. <laughs> and I mean, you got to be a little crazy to, to do an RC video or to own an online hobby store. So it just kind of, I think you got to be a little bit crazy to be into RC as deep yeah, as we are. Anyway. A little bit. Um, okay. So I didn't know that. Did yeah. not know that. And then come drive of us was uh, your idea or was that? No, that, that was all me. Um, okay. I actually did one for practice and that one is online. Uh, it was a kind of a small on-road carpet race here. Mm-hmm. I shot that in November before the Reedy Race, just his practice to kind of establish some format <clears throat> and kind of like lay the groundwork for what would eventually become Come Drive With Us. And the name just, it was sort of a play on um, a Michael Jordan video from the 90s called Come Fly With Me, I think is what it was called. Okay. And so I'm like, well, you know, that's kind of catchy. Maybe I should just say Come Drive With Us. And it, it sort of stuck. Interesting. So here is the first uh is this no this is not the first one this That's, is that, uh, that would be nitro challenge i think this is oh, the that, this is the fourth one this is the fourth one okay let's go let's find the uh um reedy race one yeah the reedy race is is the the very first episode all right so you you get this so you talk to the testaments now were you yeah. were you friends with the testaments yeah we were i've known the testaments uh since 2005 i think it was a race in Kelowna. it was the first time i ever saw ty he was this really quiet little nine-year-old that was laying an absolute pants down spanking on all these seasoned veterans. Uh, and he was like eight, nine years old. I, I never actually beat Ty Tessman, even when he was, you know, a quarter of my size. <laughs> He's, he was, uh, he looked very good at the nationals. Yeah. Past, nationals. yeah. Uh, um, very good. Yeah. Uh, we gave him a nickname. He's now known as Tyrone. Um, <laughs> all right. So this is actually pretty cool. So you, you yeah. get this contract to do this. You talk to yeah. ProLine. Yeah. Um, what do you freak out and go buy some new cameras or what? Yeah, because I was literally do? using a Canon Vixia. They still okay. exist. They're like this tiny little flip camera. And I'm like, oh, I can't show up to a race like that. So I actually leased a Sony FS700. Uh, you know, it's like a $10,000 camera. So I went from a $200 flip cam to a $10,000 full on production camera that's, you know, Netflix certified and, mm-hmm. and ready to go. So did you? So I guess when you went into this, you're learning how to do this as well as you go, yeah. your first event. So how did you, did you script it? Did you, did you have an well, idea what you want to do? So in proper documentary making, you do write the script as best you can before you go. But because okay. it's event-based, there's not a lot I can do. So in season one, uh, Mr. Matson, the former owner of ProLine, he had uh, two mandates. First of all, if they win, they're in. Don't make this just about ProLine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, secondly, 
uh, try to focus on the family teams. So we had Ty and Gord, we had uh, the Fan family, uh, we had at that time Paul and Cody King, and then I think there was Cody and uh, Ted Smith were another family team that I followed. Um, so yeah, we tried to make it a little, you know, family mm-hmm, oriented, mm-hmm. try to tell the stories of these father and son teams. The problem I had at Reedy was like, I was really starstruck cause I've been a fan of RC kind of my mm. whole life. You know, okay. I used to have, uh, we, the guy I mentioned before, Will, one of the locals, he used to arrange these watch parties for the IFMAR worlds. So when I saw Ryan Mayfield, I was like starstruck and I was like so shy around him and really intimidated by him, by Cavalieri by Jared. So really isn't my favorite episode. Cause I wish I would have included those guys a little bit more, especially Ryan Cavalieri. Cause Ryan Cavalieri, I mean, he owned the Reedy race. Yes. He, he owned it. So mm-hmm. I really wish I would have um, included him more. And, and a lot of people complained and said, Oh, it's a proline documentary. Well, it's because I was shy. Proline never told me who to film and who not to film. There's never mm-hmm. a do not film list. There was never uh proline edits. It was, that was all on me. I was just okay. kind of shy. And, and the other thing is I was doing this as a hobby, like season one, I basically didn't make a lot of money, basically barely got my expenses covered. So for me, it was really a hobby, a labor of love. These okay. guys are doing it as a job. So I didn't want to be disruptive and stick a camera in Jared Tebow's face or Ryan Mayfield's face and, and piss them off. That was the last thing I wanted to do. So and at I that time leave, they weren't used to that. It was correct. not they were Correct. not used to that. Yeah, they were used to like the live RC method. You know, you run and then they pull you aside, you do a quick uh-huh. interview and then you're done. Me, I've got them wrenching. I've got them working on with prototype parts. So it was it was all kind of new to them as well. Okay. But now, what year yeah, was this? Actually? If I could redo one race, it would be that first redo race. Okay, because that you must be Did you read my notes? No. Cuz that's actually what I was going to ask you. Okay, so what year was the 2013? Was it Okay, no, that's I started in 2014, January 2014. Okay, okay. So I I understand you being shy because I'll be honest with you, I still get a little nervous around Ryan Mayfield myself, right? right? Um, I do wait till he's he's kind of not busy and he's got time, but you know, we just go up and ask him. And these guys at this time back in 2014, they weren't really used to having cameras in their faces. No, I think RC period wasn't. You know, um, yeah, live RC had been around since 2008. But like you said, it was just a little bit different. Look at that. I didn't know. <laughs> <A little bit laughs> he was, was he trembling on a, a Hot Wheels just now? Uh, I'm not sure what it was. I think it was a Wild Dagger or something. This is their hobby store. They used to own a hobby store, the Testaments. And okay. this was family video that they submitted to me for the, uh, the use and come drive with us. Okay, cool. I, I, have, I should have watched this because I haven't watched this one for quite yeah. a long time. This is yeah. nine years ago This when it was up on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, right. <laughs> So, so you're at Reedy Race, you're starstruck. How did you get yeah. over that? Did you, you had to get over it somewhat. You had to go talk um, to some of these people. It was it was more just the drivers helped. Okay. You know, they started in 2015. I was I was recognizable. Even even when I went to the Ithmar Worlds, I'd already released some stuff. And they really liked it and they saw what I was trying to do. Because initially, um, Jared didn't understand why a Proline video guy was asking him questions. Okay. He just couldn't couldn't wrap his head around that. And so Jared and I didn't really have a great relationship for the first three episodes. But by the time they released and people saw what it was about and saw that it wasn't just a proline puff piece, uh, for the most part, they really were more uh, involved in the process and were more open to the process. Yeah, so and I, I didn't think really... that 
sorry, I go ahead. Sorry, go. I I didn't really do anything. It was really the drivers. And okay. then Mayfield's mom gave me some. She busted my balls because I spelt his name wrong the entire first season. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So yeah. Um, the funny thing is, is that I think that Tebow is one of the best at yeah. when you give interviews. He's very open. He's very candid. Yeah. Yeah, at all. But Tebow Mayfield, really they're they're all very open. And Cavalier, yeah. if, if he's got a little bit of booze in him, he's great. Oh, I know. He's a little bit Cav can be a little awkward. And you are right. When he does have a few beers in him, he opens yeah. up pretty good. And he talks a lot better, talks a lot a, a yeah. lot clearer. Yeah. Um, I was watching the Neo race and I was like, Yeah, he's a little awkward when talking. And that's fine. Not everybody can talk when a camera's in front of them, right? It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Um, but for me, like the starstruck, it never really went away because those three guys, if there was an RC Hall of Fame, Ryan Cavalieri, Ryan Mayfield, Jared Tebow are all first ballot entries. Oh, I would agree. They're still out there doing well. You know what yeah. I mean? They're, yeah. Guys still have to beat them and they ain't. So, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I think, I think Tebow's kind of jumping the gun a little bit. You know, he's, you do. he's, he's still competitive. Like he was good at the Nets. He was yeah. very good at the Nets. I think it's more, he, he he doesn't want the pressure of yeah of doing it you know of yeah. i think <clears throat> talking to him like especially when mx kind of left right because a lot of people don't realize that mx uh was a very big contributor to a lot of these guys paycheck and travel yeah uh, when i say that i mean cavalry mayfield tebow spencer rivkin so when they mm-hmm. kind of left it it put a big mm-hmm. dent in those guys travel and whatnot so i i kind of understand where that comes from yeah uh, trying to have sponsorship every year and stuff, and maybe he wants he, he wants to spend time with his family, right? Because he does yeah. have three kids. Yeah, yeah. And yeah he's I think done he's this got for years. license too, so that's probably a more profitable career choice, anyways. Yeah, it's. I mean, I know he's he wants to do JTP, and it, yeah, I really want to see these guys like him, like a Mayfield, like a Cavalier, who have put so much time into the industry. Yeah, and so much of their time and and yeah. whatnot. And it's been good to them, but it, they should be able to have a life in the industry after that. So I hope yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's right. Drake is he's the master at that. Yes, you know he's he's branded his his name from now till as long as he wants to do it for. Pretty much, I, I like now that Drake is also saying things that maybe he couldn't have said five years ago. You know what I mean? Like referees. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think that I, I told him at the Worlds, I said, hey, you know, you have like the biggest voice in RC. And yeah. I understand that you have bills to pay. But I mean, you when you say things, people listen, right? So yeah, it's true. Uh, I think like, and I think he has been doing that a lot more. Like he was, he was very critical about having referees at races. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with a lot of things he's promoted and said lately. So I, I definitely, I think our, our relationship has gotten better because I know it wasn't the best, obviously, with my affiliation with JQ yeah. and the podcast and whatnot, but I think well, we're my, definitely... my relation with JQ wasn't best either, but we <laughs> Nobody's relationship with JQ is great. That's <laughs> well, the I, was, issue. I was at the 2015 uh, DNC race and I was there mm-hmm. as a participant, but I just downloaded some new picture profiles and I wanted to try some, some new stuff. This guy was practicing. And so I was on the track filming and he was throwing quarters at me and one bounced <laughs> off my $10,000 camera. And I'm like, what, what, the why f- would he do that? Dude, why? Well, he was drunk. That was the year that, um, uh, Josh Wheeler, Dave Wheeler slapped him in the face. Oh, that's when he slammed him on the ground. So that was like my third interaction with JQ ever in my life. And he's throwing money at my camera. <laughs> and then he'll be like, I don't know why people don't like me. I but know, right? <laughs> that's JQ, right? I just, yeah. 
have learned that that's him. <laughs> but we, um, we're fine now. Like I, he's his invisible speed stuff is is awesome, and uh, he he purchased a bunch of footage for that to use in the actual course. Okay, so, yeah, we Sweet. were. We work together on that. And, yeah, that's good. good. That's good. That's good. I, I I think he really means well. He just has a very yeah. yeah. Obviously, JQ would have been would have been like the powerhouse in RC if he just stayed in a closet and developed the car. Yeah, and, and not somebody else not, as his marketing person, and not do Facebook like he did. I I one hundred percent agree with you. That's yeah. why I have the oldest gray hair on my beard now because <laughs> I met JQ. Because he's um, brilliant. He's brilliant. Like to do what he did when uh-huh. the car came out. It's like. Who is this? Wow! Like I was just completely blown away by it. Um, he is brilliant, but he is—he is the dumbest smart person I've ever met. Uh, <laughs> I say that to him all the time. All right, so Reedy Race comes out. You yep. do this video. What yep. is the response you get after this? Wow! Okay. Like people, it got ten thousand views in in no time. And and for for YouTube videos, that's that's a joke. Mm-hmm. But for RC YouTube videos, that was mm-hmm. huge. Especially something that was. Let's see, how long was it? It was. Hour was, plus. Yeah, it was yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you see these videos that have millions of views, they're like yeah. five minutes, you know, 14, at the most, because, you know, 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that is like a documentary, yeah. 50 minutes. Yeah. How long did that take you to do to edit all up? Uh, that one was, uh, it was about two or 300 hours of, of editing time. Um, mm-hmm. The only, so that was the first long RC video that anybody had ever tried to put out. Mm-hmm. And Proline was dead set against long RC videos. Mm. and I really had to sell it because they wanted it to be 10 minutes long. Uh-uh, uh-uh. And I'm like, okay, Todd, there's no way. And I only worked with Todd at ProLine. He, uh-huh. he and I were the only ones working on it. Uh, the team gave him input, but really it was just Todd and I. And okay. I really had to sell the long documentary format to him really hard. I said, this story can't be told in 10 minutes. And I said, trust me, in, in three years, you're going to totally understand. People are going to be asking for a two-hour come dry with us. Trust me on this one. I actually agree with you. Um, yeah. I had the same argument with RCGP yeah. when they first came up with Driven. I was like, it's too short. It needs to be longer. And yeah. they they did make them a little bit longer. But yeah. I, I would ask, how much, how many hours did you film to make this? Uh, I can't or, remember the Reedy. So the Reedy wasn't too bad because it goes by how long the events are. Mm-hmm. So a typical IFMAR event on the Nitro side is like a seven-day event. I would mm-hmm. have you know, 8,000 individual clips. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, ca- I have to catalog them and tag them so that I can find them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fortunately have a really good visual memory. So I can remember okay. shots kind of when they happened, who said what. So I've got a really good memory, but I still spend a lot of time tagging. So kind of like the first two weeks are dedicated just to watching every single shot and cataloging it somehow. Uh, really, if I recall, had, three or four thousand individual shots and wow. i think the final production you end up with typically around 500 are used wow i i can't even remember what i said in the last podcast <laughs> most times right so my memory yeah. in that sense is really bad but yeah. that's a lot of footage right yeah that's a lot of yeah because i had a lot of uh shots at the factory proline's mm-hmm. factory they were kind of toying with the idea of revealing it uh that stuff all ended up on the cutting room floor uh, along with a very oppressive NDA. <laughs> Non-disclosure agreement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you must have got some secret stuff while you was there. Well, I, they, they let me film every ounce, every square inch of the factory. Okay. And okay. Uh, that would have been 
pretty profitable to sell in the black market. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, they, they locked that shit down. <laughs> I, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. Uh, but there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, uh, practicing at IERC the week before the, or a few days before the race. So uh-huh. there was a lot of the pre-prep, um, you know, and of that stuff, I think I only used five or six shots, but probably still filmed, you know, a hundred or two on, on just that stuff. Now, are you doing your full-time job as well on the side yeah. while you're dealing with this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get a lot of vacation time. Uh, Uh So like when I was a developer, I couldn't take a lot of vacation time. And then I transitioned to management and still couldn't take a lot of vacation time. And so I had like 90 days of banked vacation. Okay. Which, which I started using when, when I started come drive with us. Okay. So we're going to stick with Reedy. So I I know you now, when you went into this with the script, you have, do you do a second script for the actual narration of it? I just have like high level notes. So I knew Cavalieri was a force going into Reedy. So that was mm-hmm. a theme. And then there's the whole uh, Tessman's dad was was unable to attend that race. So it was just the moms. And the same with, with Dakota's dad. He wasn't there. So it was kind of like Nancy and Leanne helping the boys and just seeing how, how they do through all that. Um, so you can't, again, and this was a mm-hmm. theme throughout all of Come Drive This. I didn't have the ability to really come prepared with a large script uh, because it is an event video. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of stay on top of the event as it unfolds. You can't gotcha. pre-plan stuff. How about the script after then? When you well, do the narration, after, so I take pretty comprehensive notes at the event, mm-hmm. uh, so that I remember exactly what themes to cover. So I have like a, a, a OneDrive OneNote full of of notes after after each race. Wow! And then I'll after I catalog the footage, then I'll review those notes and I'll start the edit. The script I don't do till the end. Okay. Okay. No, uh, yeah, because that's got to be hard to. I, I mean, I was thinking now it might be a little bit easier with chat, chat, uh, the new chat, a whatever the how that's called, where you can type it in and it comes out in the voice. I actually thought Lucas is he did a small docu- a documentary yeah. from his local track, and I said, like, Did you use chat AI for this? Because it sounds like it's no, I just did it and I use my voice. Now, who did how did that come about, like finding different people to narrate? So- this? Um, with, with Reedy, I wasn't really sure who to use. Um, so I used my cousin, Howie Miller, who's a stand-up comic. That's his profession. Uh, he's actually on television with a variety show as well. So he's kind of like, not a big deal, but he's, he's somewhat famous. He's got a really good voice. Okay. And so I used him for, for the first two. It was good enough. I, you know, he's no Mike Harrison. Right. And I was really close to getting, uh, Mark Muir for, um, uh, the Cactus Classic race. And Mark Muir is uh, Shepard in, uh, well, what's the game? He, he's a, It's one of the Bioware games. He's got a great okay. voice. All right. And so I, you I like had a play, real voice actor. Yeah, actual voice actor. I couldn't get him landed. So then I'm like, well, you know, Adam has got a great voice. And he's such okay. a powerhouse in the industry. I'm just going to use Adam for, for Cactus. Okay. Uh, but Adam was super nervous and it, it really came out. And so if there's if there's one script I'd like to re-record, it's the cactus script. Okay. But so, still with Adam. All right. So you let's move on the cactus because this was yeah. probably the last year that it might have been outside. It was the last outdoor cactus. Yeah. All right. So uh you done Reedy Race. Uh, you, yep. uh, you go into this. Uh, have you has your game plan changed somewhat? Did you learn nope. from reading? Nothing. Just nope. went into it. Uh, I I shot it the same. I was um I hadn't released Reedy yet. Uh, so it was kind of the same thing. You know, I was really intimidated by, by Ryan Mayfield. Ryan Mayfield was having a hell of a cactus too. And I really didn't want to bug him, uh-huh. but you know, I included him as much as I could. 
And um, with that race, there was a little bit of behind the scenes drama with, with JC because their tires didn't work. So every single A mainer was on ProLine rubber. Mm-hmm. And so Jason Rona was like, he was really standoffish with me because he thought I was going to throw him under the bus for using ProLine tires. But, you know, I didn't really, that wasn't a, a theme I, I wanted to explore because it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't edify the production at all to throw JC mm-hmm. under the bus. No, that's not what we were after. We we're just there to tell the race story. Okay. So did he end up winning that Cactus Classic? I need to watch I think that Mayfield again. won. Okay. I think it was Mayfield, Cavalry, Tebow were really strong. All um, right. So then we have the 2014 If More Worlds that yeah. uh, Ty won in Sicily. Yeah. So I guess these are the three races that you were contracted to do. How, yeah. about, how about that? Like, what, no, well, it was, it was just the first three that w- was under contract. Then the, as soon as I released Cactus, they were really impressed by okay. how the three worked out. And I said, so can I go to Ifmar? Interesting. Yeah. All right. So right. So I missed the Nitro Challenge right there. So I went really race yeah. Nitro Challenge. Sorry. Correct. You did the Nitro Challenge 2014 and then come drive with us. Now, had you traveled outside of North America at this point? No. Okay. Uh, not Not for filming i think i had gone to hawaii once which is technically still north america and right. my very first job in it i worked in germany for for a while okay, so you have been europe like, yeah i'd been to europe years before that but mm-hmm. yeah so i guess it's about how do you get this equipment i know i remember back in 2014 i had just got back into rc yeah and i was actually in the uk and there was a lot of kerfuffle about people didn't want to go it always seems like a world whenever it's not i'm gonna say this whenever it's not in america there's always a kerfuffle about the world. There was yeah. like some kerfuffle about the fuel. And then it was like, it was yeah, a very, yeah. wasn't it very kind of hard to get to? Cause it was like on an island. It was on Sicily, in Sicily. So it's like I didn't, on an island. I didn't think so. I, I, okay. I made it a little mini vacation. So mm-hmm. I landed in Rome and then drived all the way down to Southern Italy and then took a ferry across. It was a beautiful, beautiful drive. Oh yeah. Except was- uh, I was a little freaked out because uh, Red RC uh, he, and he still is the best photographer in the world. His name is Riccardo Acciari. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the Red RC guy. He's from Italy. And he said, okay, when you're driving, don't stop between here and here because you'll get, you'll get robbed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, it was like a 250 mile stretch. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. Uh, okay. Um, so you get there. Are you taking now? Are you still using the same rented? Are you renting cameras and doing that? Well, I, I, I lease them. It's the mm-hmm. same camera. I had a, a drone. The most difficult thing to get through the airport security was the drone because uh, uh, I had to prove it wasn't a bomb. Right. This is where drones were big, too. Well, it big. wasn't too big. It was a Phantom. Right. So, I mean, it's bigger than the Mavics. Mavics fit in your hand, but uh-huh. the Phantom was a little larger wasn't it the white one that yeah con- all yeah. right so they weren't yeah. filled up at this point they no, were not no like, yeah no and gotcha. so i said to the border security person because they want me to turn it on i said can i fly it around because i'd totally fly it around it'd be a cool shot for my for my video <laughs> and what did obviously did they agree or not no they said no they just wanted to see it functioning like that it wasn't an actual explosive device mm-hmm. but this is this is the first one mike garrison and, and how our partnership actually formed is he, he loved the series and okay. he's like, I have a really humble request. Like I would be so honored if, if you would let me work with you on this one in any way possible. And I was playing uh, VRC and he's the voice in VRC. And I'm huh. like, Oh, this guy is like super good. And he wants to work with, he's my new narrator done. 
he does have a really good voice. Yeah. And very knowledgeable yeah. about RC. Yeah. So he, I think that was a good choice to yeah. have him on there. So going into this, your first Ifmar Worlds, uh, yeah. this was a 70 event. Uh, Ty was, um, he, he had been a national champion because this was the year, 2014, he won the nationals, 2015, he repeated. Yeah. Uh, probably one of the favorites to go into this as well. <clears throat> this is also when we saw, we saw this, this p- period where Ty was dominant. To, I well, that whole like, season because he won Neo that year as well. Yeah, he was like, but this went on his stretch of a few years where he was very dominant. Yeah. And um, the Testament magic and Gord's, you know, everybody was talking about Gord and all that stuff. Yeah. I guess I want to ask you because you was up close and personal with them yeah. traveling to these races. Um, what is it that made uh, the Testaments different from everybody at that period of time? I think their work ethic. You know, it's it, it's like they would practice pit stops. And before that, nobody would actually practice a pit stop. You know, and, and they they were instrumental in developing the fuel gun or the fuel stick, rather. Uh-huh. So it, it, it's just the little things like that and, and just the amount of practice. And I think the HB car really suited his driving style absolutely uh-huh. perfectly. Whereas other drivers, they were kind of getting into their chassis. And yeah, like Tessman was a smooth track, high grip guru. Like... When when I got there, um, JQ actually said, they, we don't need to be here. They just need to give this trophy to Tessman and we can all go home. <laughs> he, he never threw a that word. That was on practice day. Really? Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> I never talked to JQ about this race, to be honest. This is one world yeah. we've never talked to. I don't know why. <sighs> but I remember just like he had, and also you come back to being, him being comfortable with a chassis. He had been on HB for quite some time at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, and him and Torrance, the engineer, they had a really great relationship. Like, okay, uh, Gord would say, This is what we need, and Torrance would, would fab it up, right? We always heard that, uh, that they that that was yeah. one of the pluses at HB was that yeah. when Gord said he needed something, they would get it. <clears throat> something that we probably didn't see. I don't know how things are at X ray yeah. now, but X ray kind of does what they want. Well, I, I, I can tell you some stories about that later. All right, cool. Wow, I now do I'm have seeing a, a pudgy Adam Drake. So make a note of that. All right, I'm I'm looking at Drake, and it, yeah. I forgot that he was pudgy, right? And it's, right? he's lost so much weight now, <laughs> so it's weird looking yeah. at him. <clears throat> what other uh, besides Ty winning this? Uh, what other memories did you have from this first uh, so time going to Ifmar? I, yeah, I used to go to Ifmar watch parties, mm-hmm. so I was like a huge Ifmar fan. You know, okay. we stayed up till four in the morning watching Cody King win in Thailand. Uh, you know, I stayed up till midnight watching uh, Battier win in, in Argentina. So I was a huge Ifmar fan. Okay. So for me, like I get goosebumps just thinking about the moment I stepped on to that track and I saw the Ifmar banners and all the country flags. I'm like, I can't believe somebody's paying me to be here. This is this is insane. This is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me ever. I, so I, I was like just with you. in awe. I went to my first world <laughs> last year, and <clears throat> I think when I was just, I think when they did the um, Saturday, I think it was, or whenever they did the drivers, um, not the driver, the country intro or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. And all those people were lined up, and then I on Saturday was so I was cool. like, I love that. I was like, that's so cool. And then yeah. I think it was the Saturday of it. There were yeah. so many spectators, and it was yeah. like just packed. And I'm just like. Wow, you don't get this you if until you go to one of these and it's like this, because I think that the Baldos did a really good job there in Radovan and people like like my buddy flew from California to come there because just for the last couple of days to yeah, watch exactly. it. People came from Sweden to watch it because they felt like something something big was gonna happen. I mean it did. Yeah. We saw our first back to back champion. Yeah. 
But I don't think if until you go to one of these events and experience it, yeah, you can't fathom. It's different. It has a different atmosphere. It's it's almost yeah, almost like a full scale. Like you get into a full scale race. Like it's like a big deal in my opinion. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, especially Italy because they're nuts about racing. I talked about this in this very documentary. They're absolutely nuts about racing. Uh, and the mayor was actually uh, telling people to to go see this race. The mayor oh. of whatever the town Nachos Nachos. I, I can't remember. Nachos. Yeah. Um, nachos. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a hillbilly. Uh, so he was telling people to go there, and they were they had uh, I think it was six or seven fairly large bleachers that were full of mm. people. And now you go to a race, the bleachers are full, but they're you know racers' awesome families. People. They're the pick guys. They're the racers who are done, didn't make it to the show, whatever. But back at that race, it was spectators, people who knew nothing about this sport, were there for hours and hours and hours every day watching this race. That's good. That's good. That's yeah. what we. I would love to see now. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll be talking about this because we have division race as we're recording this, because <clears throat> this probably won't be released the next week. Yeah. But the division race starts today in uh, Jay, Oklahoma, and I, I, I think that's the one thing that's missing from that race, right? Having yeah. that. <clears throat> no, we, I don't know. I couldn't <clears throat> see it on last year's coverage, but they said there were spectators there. But man, I think, <clears throat> I think spectators bring a whole nother. Level of a whole different atmosphere, a whole mo- another level of pressure. Yeah. Um. And it's it's even better when there's they don't really know nothing about RC, so they yeah. come and you have all these people next to you. You're not, you're not just driving in front of your peers; you're driving in front of people that are looking for a show, and people that are probably going to be going crazy when you do a jump that you think is basic or whatnot. So I yeah. think it, it I think it adds to the atmosphere <clears throat> of any event. Hundred percent. So I I've, I know people are like well it's not a spectator sport it can be. You can. Yeah, people who say that just show them the last four minutes of this episode. Yeah. Like when Ty was mobbed, it was a selfie mob. Like really, that that has never happened at any Ifmar that I can ever remember. Interesting, because I mean, so everybody nice. wanted a picture with 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 the champion, and these weren't necessarily racers; these were just people that were there watching this race. I always tell people um, we need to treat it big. People yeah. don't understand that it isn't big. Treat it yeah. big. Like treat these guys like they are like top. Well, they are. They're the top drivers in our in our sport, right? 100%, like, and, yeah. So we need to treat it a little bit bigger than what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So Ty wins this and he gets yeah. mobbed by the um yeah. <clears throat> mobbed by the crowd. How do you feel about this as a Canadian? Well, as, fellow as Canadian, Canadian, I'm stoked. Um, like it's a little known fact. Um, so at the Olympics in Salt Lake City. Uh, the guy who made the ice for the hockey, he's like a, well, he's Canadian. So he, uh-huh. he buried our $1 coin in center ice. And so what I did when I got to that race is I actually buried a $1 coin in the track for good luck. No way. You put a, yeah. you put a loony in there? I put a loony in. And uh, <laughs> I, in his house, he's got like a little um, display of, of that car. And he's he's got the, the little loony there too. So Okay. But I'm so still, would... I'm Canadian. So a Canadian one, I've known tie for many years prior to this so i was super stoked to be able there to yeah, I'm be sure. able to be there to capture that i'm sure i'm sure and he was what like he was still young was he even in his 20s at this point no he was, he was okay. 19 i believe okay or 19 but he had he's such a veteran because i think it was like 10 well he went pro when he was 14 okay but at the world so at the 2018 2008 world was he a pro at that time yeah, oh. he was he was a hundred percenter. He finished seventh in that one. Uh-huh. Had a crappy showing in um, in Thailand. Had some problems. I think he finished eighteenth in that one, uh-huh. and then finished second in Argentina. First in this one. Third in Vegas. Second in 
He's got a good podium ra- podium record. Yeah. He's made yeah. quite a few podiums, yeah. quite a lot. All yeah. right, so I guess after this this if my worlds things ramp up for you. Yes, I would say yes. So what yes. happens after this? First thing I did is I have have a meeting with Todd. I said, okay, Todd, it's a it's it's a fact. The world champion usually bounces back with a super crappy year. Mm. What do I do if your team just completely dies and starts really doing badly? He's like, show our struggles. He said, don't shy away from showing us struggle. Okay. And so we all know how 2015 went down. Yeah, he didn't. I was, that's actually, I was watching the, well, he won the nationals. So he went back to back. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't, you know, I think um, that was the year that actually Cavallari had a really, really good year. Correct. Yeah. He had a very good year. And then I think he yeah. left about two years after that. The associated car was going through its many different yeah. iterations. I think, um, I think the this might have been the first time. Yeah. The first time that it went pillow ball. Um, yep. Ty was really fast that I, because I watched the Neo race as well, which I thought was really good. <clears throat> he was really fast at that. And then everybody could saw start like, so well, everybody could saw Gord, tires. Gord is like a fish. If a fish should keep its mouth shut, it wouldn't get caught. <laughs> and so he should not have told not one person that they were running clay. Really? Yeah. But he's a team player. So he told Cody. Mm. And then Cody told everybody. And then by a few days later, uh, everybody had had clay tires. And then they were saucing at the end. Well, and that's that's the thing. Like Phil's probably gonna hate me for this, but he wanted a race. He said, I don't want somebody to win with a two lap margin of victory. So I'm gonna let everybody sauce. Okay. Because I don't want Tessman to walk away with this one. He said it's nothing against Tessman. I just don't want this race to be one of those a races that is, is a walk away. Yeah. Right. Because at that did he win it? Now did I, my you would have a bad memory. Did he win it the year before? Yes. Well, he won okay. it in 2014 and they did the same thing. They ran the clay tires, but didn't tell a soul. That, that's how you win races, right? Correct. Don't tell nobody that. Yeah. That was actually a very good documentary. Uh, how was it working with Phil and over awesome. in the UK? Okay, love Phil. He's great. He, yeah, he's very creative. So I guess yeah. he can appreciate the creative process yeah. as well. But he was super accommodating. He gave me food vouchers. He paid for. Uh, well, th- that race is like one of the best races to go for the racers for the participants because uh, it's in a university which is empty for spring break, and so we basically just stay in the dorms. And it's like I don't know, hundred feet away from the track. Yeah, and so and, Phil and was and super accommodating. He was awesome. Yeah, unfortunately, I think this year I was trying to go to this race. I signed up. I was working yeah. in London, but then I got laid off, so I came back here to the DR. Okay. And um, I was ready to go. Unfortunately, I'm very. That's one race that I, I wish I would have attended as a as a yeah. participant. Yeah. Um, and it's never coming back, people. So <laughs> I know it's so too bad because the 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 track builders dxr were just amazing track builders every yes. single layout they had was so much fun it was a very unique track yeah. and i that type of clay i worked with it um when i was in london it was very dark but so it used to get slimy when it was wet really slimy yeah, yeah. i was like this has got to be the same exact clay that they use yeah at, um, well it's, it's the manure <laughs> so the cars start, come off smelling like shit that's what oh yeah the whole place smells like poo Call shit, but the call shit is a guy. Yeah, actually, no. 
I actually don't mind Kyle Shit's mouth too yeah. much for some reason. Well, and that was initially why he wasn't allowed additive because they they do use that mm. aggregate for agricultural stuff. Gotcha. So he was told not to use the additive. So I was really surprised that he was turning a blind eye to it that year. Then but, he had one year where he had like a guy going around sniffing. Yeah, he had a sniffer the year before and the okay. year before and the year before, and then all of a sudden it's legal. So it was it it really ruined a bunch of people's chances obviously it screwed testament because he mm-hmm. used wd-40 and wd-40 does not work on proline clay doesn't makes them worse yeah so they, he, they said he that in the documentary yeah cool he, he killed himself you know he was out and then mayfield he was fired up because oh, everybody that. bought the pro circuit uh sorry brent tilke bought every drop of the pro circuit compound that they were selling at the track <laughs> every so drop of it. it and he just he just put it in his pit box, gave his team guys just enough, and then tossed the rest after the race. No, but that that was, I guess, but that was Cavallari that was the won it. to have. Yeah, and Cavallari won fun. on the end. Yeah. In the end, yeah, and he's running associated. Yep. Um, that's cool because I would never yep. know this type of stuff without talking to you about it, and yeah. that that brings up a lot of good things because as a camera as a cameraman, even you're like a fly on the wall to an extent with a camera. Sometimes, yeah. And but you get to see and hear lots of things no. sometimes. Okay, yeah. so you did so you did see people packing up stuff when you came around, yeah. or because yeah. I know when I come around at races, <clears throat> things get hidden, right? Yeah. And that's fine because they know, unless they say it's off the record, it's yep. going on the record. Yeah, um, I, I got a, a bunch of stuff which we can talk about later at the 2018 Worlds. Um, but what's an interesting story, uh, from the 2014 Nitro Challenge. Uh, that was the Jesse Roberts disaster, and Mayfield was having just a terrible time. The Cavalieri, I think he was around associated then, was having a terrible time. Mm-hmm. And Brent Tielke came up to me. He's like, look, I know you're trying to do a job, but can you just leave us out of this one? Because our team is not happy. Our car is a piece of shit. Just please don't film us. <laughs> that was that time, and they didn't, yeah. they didn't have oh, Mayfield, what about Jesse Roberts, yeah, though? Tell me about so that. Mad. He was so mad. That's why Mayfield's not in that one very much. He's, okay. You know, Tilke and what about happy. Roberts? What happened to him? He got fired for being useless. <laughs> Wasn't he a des- But him at one point, him and uh, Travis Omeskia were lighting it up on fire when they were racers. Probably oh, when they're racing, he's a good racer. Yeah. He's just not yeah. a good engineer. Well, I didn't wonder what he's doing nowadays in, in life. I don't know. I think he went into aerospace or some other form of engineering. Okay. Jesse Roberts, that's a name from yeah. Well, so I think at that race they had the half aluminum, half plastic nitro buggy. Right, I, I remember that. That was the crate, mm-hmm. and it was the CR8, is what they called it. It was just terrible. Mm, okay. Now Mayfield was he was just he was so grumpy that whole that whole weekend. <laughs> All right, so let's go on to let's talk about some of like I call this the power team at the time. Yeah, uh, it was. It was Tessman's. It was, I mean, Proline had a huge team, right? They had, yeah. They had, I mean, this is when Proline, let's be honest, they were the first tire company to create racing tires and do all the stuff. I don't know the exact date, but I'm sure it's 30, maybe in the 70s. I don't know. Yeah, um, 30 plus years now. Right. And at this time, they're still the power team in RC, yeah. right? They are, you, yeah. if you want to win, you got to be pretty much on Proline. Well, not so much in 15 anymore. Okay. Uh, JC started a... to turn things around. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only race in fifteen that Proline really dominated at was the Nationals at Chico, mm. and that was another one where if you didn't have X one fugitives, just pack up and go home. 
So what about AKA? Was not AKA not making a dent on ProLine in, in 2014, 2013? Not at that time. And mm-hmm. AKA still, the Black Groove tracks, they still struggle to this day on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, not as much as what ProLine does, but mm-hmm. Chico was, it wasn't a Black Groove. It was just crazy, crazy grip and smooth. And again, you know, it comes down to smooth track, high grip. Anybody running HP has a huge advantage. Good, good stuff. So 2015, that's when JC, I guess, I remember from your, because uh, I did watch that one. Yeah. JC came out with the long wear. Yeah, as it, well. was, it was a disaster. Their first iteration of it was a disaster. Mm-hmm. But, and again, that's why the 2015 Nationals, it, it wasn't by choice. I mean, Mayfield just sucked, so I didn't really include him that much. Got you, got you. He was pumping his shocks away, though. He did yeah, that he was, quite he was a lot. really giving her, and he was like having a little... I mean, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But we are talking about a time and ProLine was still a very yeah. big powerhouse in RC. Yeah. Yeah. They had the Drakes. They had Tasman's. Yeah. Tasman's on fire. Yeah. The Drakes are like at Adam still, I would say, I'm not saying it isn't competitive now, yeah. but he's still in a competitive space of RC. Yeah. Ronda's. Yeah, Bornhorst. Yeah, Bornhorst. Uh, Ronda's obviously running as well. So I think that's yeah. when we start seeing, not that more her popularity rising as well. Uh, I know. I know. One of the things that came up was the cribs video, which I thought was great. Yeah, which I thought was really good. And then obviously the secret room thing kind of oh, yeah, that was backfired. Such a joke. <laughs> yeah, Man, that it, caused it was a like lot a of storage room. It wasn't painted red. There's no safe word required. I know, but you know how RC guys are. Their imaginations go crazy. I know. Uh, but I thought that that cribs thing was really good. I, yeah. I like that. It was from MTV from back in the day. If people don't remember yeah. when MTV yeah. used to do things like that. It was really yeah. good. Um, and I know it was it was it was uh, like that. I guess you're busy as well. How many races are you doing from 2015? Like 2015 comes four in? year. That was four my year. Max. That was my 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 max. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to grab all that content. Yeah. Put it together. Because some edits were fast. Mm-hmm. Um, Vegas Worlds was 80 hours, which I don't even know how I did it. It's long, and it's long. Yeah, yeah. But some were 400 hours. Some were real widow makers. <laughs> yeah. So I guess going into 2016, Ty is another favorite to win this. Yeah. All right. We see Ronald Falk, who is his teammate at this time, win it, his, his, his championship. I remember thinking to myself, why is Ty crying? He came third. Because I remember he was kind of like, and I was just like, why is he crying? And my buddy's like, it's passion. It's passion. I couldn't understand it at that time. He was not upset about his result. It looked like it. What was he upset about then? So a little known fact, Ty had no contract as of April of that year. Mm. He was basically a privateer who just happened to have a handshake agreement with, with Neidhart. He was still getting paid, but he had no contract. And oh, wow. Neidhart was giving them the end runaround the entire year. Mm. So he was not returning their calls. They didn't know what was happening. Uh, I think most of the industry knew that mm-hmm. he was contractless. So people were approaching them, but they were so comfortable with the HB stuff that they really didn't want to switch in the world's year. Even JQ offered them a contract. Right. Well, so they just... They had no contract, but they didn't want to leave. And Ty was really upset because he knew that was his last race okay. uh, with HB. And they had forged a pretty strong friendship with, with Torrance, the engineer. Mm. Uh, and so was, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it was just end well, of an era. Like he wasn't yeah. really upset about 
uh, about losing the Worlds. I think at the end of the day, um, Proline's dominance was over that year. Mm. Like they had, they got their butts kicked at Thornhill at the Nationals when Spence, I think Spencer won it that year. Uh-huh. They had no chance of winning on on many many surfaces, and uh, and that included the Vegas dirt. Yeah, because Ronald was running AKA at that point. Yes, I believe. Yes, so, and then well, Battier was on uh, Matrix tires, no, Pro Circuit, Pro Circuit, Pro Circuit, yeah. and they were really good tires. Pro Circuit yeah. was actually uh, Gord said that that's the tire to have it on this dirt. Yeah, and yeah. then we saw Davide, a, a pudgy young Davide Amaro yeah. finishing like six. Nobody six, knew who he yeah. was, yeah. so that was pretty incredible. Yeah, so he, uh, I guess I he bumped up. Uh, or he might he, have. Did he? Did he bump from the into the semifinal and then did really good in the semis? He could have. I I don't yeah. know. I wasn't really paying attention to him yeah, at that me point. Either. <laughs> you know, so um, it was pretty interesting. I always thought that Ty was upset about not winning, but that nope. makes sense. Uh, nope. me, you know, leave, uh, leaving people that you had such a yep. good relationship with for so many years. Yep. And um, I guess what what was it that was falling off on Proline side in 2016? Was it just I mean, JC was getting falling better? off? It's just everybody else caught up. Mm, okay, uh, especially on the black group, those slick, right. slippery tracks like the JC. I think it was maybe the Aqua or one of their long wears. It was just like their teeter tires, right? It's and, like it's like any race on the east in the southeast indoor yeah. indoor race. You, if you ain't on JC, you're kind of behind. Kind of, it's it's almost like the aggregate from the Mississippi East mm-hmm. is it, it's more fine tuned for JC. Whereas mm-hmm. on the West Coast, you know, like the Cal, California tracks, you know, M three hole shots is all you really need. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you on that one. All but right. Yeah, so, that was when JC really stepped up their game that year. And they, this, yeah. they really, really had a good tire. All right. So going into 2017, ties on X-ray. Um, yeah. That shocked a lot of people, I would think. Uh, he, I think he came out. He did pretty well in the first I camera. It's been so long. He had no, some growing Mayfield, pains with, right. with the uh, batteries. Because at that Nitro Challenge, because that that was an interesting Nitro Challenge in 2017. Because we had Ty on a new chassis and Mayfield on a new chassis. Because uh-huh. Mayfield had just gone to Mugen, right? right? And Mayfield just destroyed everybody. He just he crushed. Know, he, swept. he swept. And then all three classes. Testament it was the adverse. You know, he basically DNF'd in Truggy, DNF'd in Buggy, and I think uh-huh. it was both battery issues both times. And he struggled with that battery issue that entire season. Yeah, I mean, and also when you're so comfortable on that chassis, he's been he had been on it for so long. Yeah. It was a big adjustment for him. But yeah. I, I think they figured it out uh, in 2018 a little bit and whatnot. Oh, wow. But I mean, by that time, Mayfield had he he, he left TLR. Yeah. Drake left TLR in 2015. Or well, he well, didn't not leave. He was fired. He, he was, was fired from TLR. <laughs> yes, I remember that. That yeah. was. I was I was so shocked when that happened. Like I was like, I think that well, that was corporate, right? I think that's when the kind of they were already corporate already. But that's well, when yeah, they, and they did it at the worst time of the year because <clears throat> everybody I, already had their contract signed. So Drake was like, "Holy crap, nobody's gonna have budget for me. What do I do?" I think TLR is just getting over that on on like that what they did to Drake. Yeah, publicly, Drake's not. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm sure he isn't. He, I would be upset too, right? Yeah, it's, it's but it's I think. Huge. I think the public perception like that they took a big hit. They yeah. took a big hit with oh, that. Yeah. And so and, did Dakota's um, race program because Drake used uh-huh. to build his stuff. Yeah. Now Barry's doing it, but then yeah. we're hearing that they might be in out too. So that's what Who I'm knows? hearing. Well, I mean, we all know Dakota's car isn't actually a low C. It's custom from bumper to bumper. 
Yeah, but he is, he's, I would say this. I had this argument with Joseph in this pod, last podcast. I think he's the best all-around drive, offer a drive in the world right now. All-around. 10 scale and 8 I scale. I still think it's Davide, but... Well, I mean, 10 scale and 8 scale, if you combine those two. Correct. I think, oh, yes, 100% I agree. Think, yeah. I think he can win anywhere. Yeah, plus his um, package is pretty good. It would be interesting to see if what, what Ty could do in 10 scale, because right now their tool buggy is, it's so terrible. He has Man, zero chance of making the main with that car unless unless they actually start listening to them mm-hmm. and make changes to it. I mean, I come back to Ty, but I watched his car so much at the Nationals, and I thought, personally, I thought had he got around Mayfield a little sooner, he had yeah. something for Fenn. Maybe, right? yeah. I think so. His car just looked better, and he looked good. The X-Ray's good. It's a good car. Mm-hmm. The steering is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not very linear and smooth, so for... Um, guys like myself who suck, it's a hard car to drive consistently. That's that's why I drive the 8R. Um, but yeah, but for for a pro, a top pro, the x ray has gobs of steering, it is it's insane, and it's got so much rear grip to, to go along with that. Like, I know we're kind of jumping back to 14, but one of the big things that was different between the HB car at that race than any other car was the amount of rear drive. Mm. Like a lot of cars, they just kind of, the rear end sort of follows the front end around. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the the seven, the MBX seven R was like that. Uh, most of the other buggies, the Kyosho was like that. The rear end just kind of followed the front. Um, mm. Whereas the HB, it really drove hard from the back. Okay. Understandable. And it was a huge advantage on, on the Messina track and on even in low grip conditions, it's a huge advantage having lots of rear grip. And so when the, Tessman's went to X-Ray in 17. It really wasn't like that. It was like most other cars with the rear end was kind of loose. And it, you kind of hoped it sort of stayed where it was supposed to, but you weren't guaranteed. Um, by the time they got to the 18 worlds, that car was quite refined. Okay. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I still think the HB is still a very good car or it's one the of best. the best out I there. The best. I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm a big Mason Fuller fan. and. Yeah. And I think they're doing extremely well. I like Cole too. I'm seeing Cole put on some of the most impressive runs ever. And I'm just like, this guy needs more victories. Yeah. He's got ejaculation syndrome though. (laughs) You know, he's good for seven minutes. Then he comes. I like that one. I like that one. I like that one. All right. (laughs) So move it. All right. So we're moving on. You're doing a plethora of videos. You went to Southern nationals quite a few times. Yeah. Um, You're doing the, uh, what else? I'm just going through some of your videos. Obviously, you're doing the Raw Nationals, which we like. Yeah. What was it? Was it the Southern Nationals? What? So, hold on. You did one Southern Nationals. Um, you yeah, did I did one Southern come drive with us there, and then I did a, a live broadcast. It's the only time I ever did a live broadcast, and I hated it, and I really feel sorry for anybody who has to do those. Why did you hate it? It's a lot of work. It's so it? much work, and it's yeah. like, it's just so much work. Mm-hmm. And did you do it on your own? Yeah, it was me and I basically I just set up a couple cameras and then had uh, one guy, uh, Robert, uh, Robert Bowers from from Calgary. He was my camera guy. Uh, I basically just paid his race fees and on mainstay, he just had to, you know, kind of point it around. But it's a lot. Of it's work. a lot of work. It's a lot of work. No, thanks. my buddy Danny has figured it out how to do it with one person and maybe me. Yeah. And he's done. A, he's done a really good job with that. But it, it, I watch yeah. him. And he does pictures. So his. Oh, wow. Guy. Yeah. So he I did like a little ass. recap of what happened in qualifying, what got us to mains. And I only broadcast it on, on mains day. Okay. Right. It is a lot of work. Uh, yeah. I watched. No, it, it, people don't understand how much has to go right for that to go. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's live. It's not recorded. You can't. Correct. You can't. You don't have no do-overs. It happens. I mean, we yeah. literally had the internet go out during the main, even though the Dakota fan was just flying, flying, flying. So the internet was was the nice thing about the Ike Hamilton Expo Center. It was really, really good high-speed internet. So I didn't ever have any any concerns about um, outages. Okay. So I was I was able to stream 720p the whole day with I think 32 drop frames. Yeah. See, you, you, yeah. that's people just don't understand how no. how blessed that was to have that. Yeah. You know that good internet and have that going. All right. So I'm just going through some of your videos. I see you went through some. You did sick cross too. I forgot all about that. Yeah, um, that was that was a fun one. I really yeah. like that one. Uh, what, Levi, uh, what was his Levi name? Jackson. Yeah, Levi Jackson, another very good track builder. Yeah, I think he was at DNC, I believe. Yeah, he uh, was he was Joey's right hand guy for a couple of them, and Joey kind of like uh, sort of taught him how to build uh-huh. tracks, and then Levi went on his on his own, and he he built some amazing tracks. Okay, um, I see you doing you did a couple of uh, I, what I like Calgary Comic Cons. I need to watch that. Actually. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, that's my my cousin Howie, who's the uh, stand-up comic he was one of the main characters and i got to meet some cool people Uh, Mm -hmm. got to interview garrett wang from from star trek well that's good yeah i'm i'm not i'm not a star trek fan i am a star it's it's star wars pew pew right (laughs) yeah so that's let's segue into that love your star wars easter eggs yeah Um, i'm a star wars fan like i have i'm looking at my behind you can't see it but it's just pure star wars black series up there nice um i've read all the books i'm not all the books i've read so many books um yeah how did you figure out yeah look at him like so what was it like i have to get some easter eggs of star wars how big of a fan i don't even know why but i had this wide shot in the cactus classic and i I just decided put a millennium falcon in the background just whooshing by Mm -hmm. because at the time i was i i I really wanted to get into film somehow this is before uh, this is going back before come drive with us and so i was Mm -hmm. actually thinking of of, um, doing a career switch and, and going into animation Mm. And so I was doing a lot of fun little animations, just nothing that I published or showed like anybody, but I was just playing with it. And then come drive with us came along and that all got put on the back burner. And then I'm like, well, I should put just a little millennium Falcon doing a flyby. That'd be kind of cool. Okay. So that's how it was born. And then it continued. Yeah. I I noticed this little things. I love star Wars, dude. I'm I'm a big fan. A big fan. Big man. All right. So obviously at this time, your relationship with the Drakes is improving. You guys are all like, I, I know um, you guys are always together. Yeah. Uh, I saw you working at, I think it was one of the, was it the first DNC that we had at where it is now? And I'll never forget. Dude, I was like, this guy is everywhere. He's, he's just getting shots everywhere. He's busy. Yeah. And I, and that's when I kind of had a little appreciation for what you do. Right. And how yeah. much work went into it. <clears throat> and, um, I guess that was also around the time, I think shortly after that, that we saw um, the buyout from Horizon of Proline. And oh, then, yeah. so let, walk us walk us through that. Like, you, I mean, everything's, I mean, right at this point, Come Drive of Us is kind of a staple. We're getting yeah. these different uh, documentaries <laughs> every year. We're getting used to it. You know, as yeah. impatient uh, RC drivers, we want these edited and done in two days. After yeah, the event, I know. <laughs> right? <clears throat> uh, but it seems to be everything's going well. And then all of a sudden, Horizons just bought out. And I knew once that happened that the, the lifeline on, on – I, I didn't think that they would get rid of – or I don't know what to happen with Tessman. But I knew that Drake probably wasn't going to be there as long because of what happened with Horizon and TLR. But walk us through that. like, And that also kind of ended – was the reason you're not doing these anymore. Okay, so 
Uh, let's just talk about the sale first. I mm -hmm. think it really comes down to, so a lot of people in my family own businesses mm -hmm. and they've got, you know, multi-generations involved in the business. The, the first thing I noticed about ProLine is, is Mr. Matson's uh, children were not involved in the business mm. in any way, shape okay. or form. I, I don't know why. Cause for me, if, if you've got, you know, a business that's that successful and that established and no matter what isn't going anywhere, like I'm asking my dad, Hey, what do I have to do to, you know, work mm. with you here? How do I get in, involved in this? Mm -hmm. The kids are never involved. So there was no, there was no legacy. Mm. Um, and so I think that was one of the reasons why, why Todd decided to, to move on. Plus California isn't the best place to mm -hmm. run a business because there's a lot of regulations, a lot of taxes. It, it's, it's a really bad place to, to run a business. Yeah. And it's expensive. It's super expensive. And then COVID had also hit. So mm -hmm. I think it was just like a snowball effect, mm -hmm. no legacy. California sucks. COVID just ruined everything fun. So Horizon had, had been in talks with, with him for, I'm assuming it was a few years. Okay. And he basically just said, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Just got tired. Nobody to take over that legacy, yeah. right? Yeah. Now he actually works for Horizon. He's the, the VP of surface, I believe. Okay. So he, he's, uh, he stills in the industry, just um, not with, not with ProLine. Well, it's quite, that's kind of like what happened with Max, Maxima, right? It, yeah. was, it was the old man, the the older gentleman who earned everything, yeah. and he was into RC, and his son was never into RC. Yeah. So when it came yeah. to to when his when the father passed away or retired or when he did pass away, his son like I'm not wasting this money on this RC stuff. It was no passion, yeah. right? right. Yeah. Um. So I think I think that's a big thing, right? Yeah. If you don't have the passion and nobody yeah. to follow that on, it's not going to be successful. Yeah. So, but I'm quite confident that no matter what, Tasman mm -hmm. was leaving. Uh, really, they got really upset with the lack of quality. Uh, one mm. one of the things, no, sorry, not the lack of quality, but just the lack of competitiveness. That's mm -hmm. what I meant. Okay. Competitiveness. They gotcha. just didn't have it. Um, you know, they came out with the S compound, but it just it wasn't as good as as anything JC had or anything mm -hmm. AK even had at that time. So mm. I think Tessman would left kind of no matter what. Drake, okay. I, I think he was he would have been proline for life. Awesome. Okay, all right. He was there for quite a long time. Well, quite a long yeah. time. Yeah. His entire career. Yeah, that's <laughs> his first. He's he's on his second tire sponsor now, though. Yeah, that's that's incredible. He's and he's had <laughs> right? a very long career. Yeah. Uh, so I guess when you get this news, what what are you thinking? Shit. <laughs> Yeah. Now it was in the middle of COVID. I was going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. Never, never do a divorce during a global pandemic. It complicates things immensely. Okay. <laughs> so my life was was not in a place where I was even. I had no desire to go out and film. Mm -hmm. uh, it was hard for me to even finish the icebreaker video because my head just wasn't in it. Right. I saw you and um, Alex get at it a few times on Facebook. Oh yeah, that guy's. A... <laughs> that guy's. <laughs> I a saw weird. you get at it, get at it a, a yeah. few times on Facebook. Yeah. And that, I guess well, we don't know what's going on in your life, right? As well. Yeah, exactly. Plus, so, I so I have a phobia of needles. So I'm I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I never got vaccinated. Okay. And so I could not travel, travel. legally to the United States. So that until uh, four weeks ago. Oh, so you don't? Okay. So I thought that mandate was lifted a long time for Canada. No. Nope. No, oh, for America. 
just for Americans. Americans can go in and out as they please, but foreign nationals cannot go into the United States unless they're vaccinated. All right. So I guess, do you ever get any word from ProLine after this is sold? Not really. Mm -hmm. With my hobby store, I have a few interactions with with them, and I still keep in touch with Daniel Adams because he's awesome. Right. And uh, with, but with did you the, just knew like as soon as as soon as they bought oh, yeah. like you you was yeah. done? Yeah, I knew it. Um, I always worked directly with Todd. I was paid mm-hmm. from from Todd, not Proline. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe he'll want to continue it, but um, I just assumed that it would be it would be done. Oh wow, it's such a shame, such a yeah. shame that that happened. Yeah. Because... Well, I, and I never actually got paid for the 2019 Worlds. That's why I've been sort of not wanting to really release it <laughs> i don't blame you i mean i wish you would but uh i mean if i didn't get paid either yeah. i wouldn't be too excited about it yeah either. it's gonna come out eventually and people are gonna whine say well what's the point of releasing it well, well there's some good storylines yeah i would love to see it extra is not gonna it. like it because i sort of complain about how stupid a company they are because <laughs> they literally do not listen to their best driver i i knew that was always going to be the issue um, like if, if Martin is a smart guy, and if X-Ray is watching this, I'm sure I'm going to lose my RC America account. Oh no! <laughs> but Martin Bear is so stubborn. Like he's a great engineer, but he needs to listen to his factory driver, especially in America. Well, in North That's America, the thing. North America, I would say. Yeah, yeah, and it's, they just don't. Like, what was it? Um, they came out with. So the Tesmans were were they have a background a backyard track. And it's uh-huh. super slippery. So they were practicing on that track every day leading up to the, the X-ray worlds, um, the Slovakia worlds. Right. And they had their setup just perfect. They were ready for a loose, slippery track. And then they get to the race, and X-ray puts a prototype car and says, build this. And, then and they, prototypes ain't build go together. They grind. You have to grind. You have to do right? this. You have to do all this type of well, stuff. Well, not with X-ray. Not with X-ray. Okay. Their prototype stuff is like... It's production stuff. Okay. Uh, when they went to the wide rear pivot, um, it was pretty early on in their X-ray tanner, mm-hmm. and they asked uh, Mister Huddy to do do a wide pivot car. And in three days, they had the parts, and it was black anodized, had the X-ray logo. It was like it was like a production part, but mm-hmm. it was a prototype part. Right. The only three existed, but they anodized it. They put the X-ray logo on everything. It was that, very well. Perfect. That's because they own the factories and they right, can do everything right. that they want to do. Yeah. So their prototype—that's not the problem with the prototype. The prototype was a different wheelbase, mm. and they mandated what length they were allowed to run. Oh wow! And the the mandated <laughs> length was not good. It did not work into. It worked for Bruno. Non-tool drive. All of Not them struggled in. All right, Bruno made the show mm-hmm. and was sort of doing a little bit in it, but their tool drive was terrible. Only because they threw a prototype car at, at all the drivers, and that, so, that was just a dumb move. I, I mean, I would say this: <clears throat> X-rays existent in U.S. in USA is North America. I, I think that the Tesmans have been have done that right. Yeah, but not probably not as huge as it could be. Maybe, like you said, they're not listening to what. Yeah, because it's, it's different, right? Yeah. European tracks, your uh, North American 100%. tracks are different. Yeah, uh, each driver, each each society is different and everything. And I get it. I know European stubbornness, even though we got we got accused of being very Euro biased on this. <laughs> right, but I've been a, I I know how I kind of understand how Europeans yeah. think. 
And um, especially like I've never met Mr. Hootie, but I kind of yeah. know that like at X-Ray, you do what he says or, or yeah. not. And yeah. and I also know that Bruno is the prince of X-Ray, right? He is. Yeah. I believe he is the he is what he is. How do you do in Australia again? <laughs> I didn't make Maine, but yeah. Ty, Ty did, and he did yeah. very well. Yeah, uh, I would think that they would listen more to these guys because Gord obviously helped make helped make the HB what it is this now. Hundred percent, yeah. And, Between him and, and, and that was the big difference. Like mm-hmm. Gord and Torrance had a great relationship. Mm-hmm. Ty and Torrance had a great relationship. Whatever parts they wanted, they got. Mm-hmm. With the exception of their two wheel buggy, but that that's a whole different story. Yeah, that's still not that's still not done properly actually. So no. it's it's weird, and I guess that has to wear you down as well as a yeah. driver. Because they sort of, at the tail end of the HB tanner, they sort of went through that because they had the Franken buggy in two-wheel. And uh-huh. they said to Torrance, here, build this. And then executives said, we're not going to build that. It's a Kyosho that had sex with an associated. We don't, we don't <laughs> want that. We're going to build our own car. And then it was a piece of crap. So that was, that was kind of like, that was right when Tessmans were leaving HB. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then they go to X-Ray. And it's sort of the same thing, but not initially. Because initially they said, please go to a wide pivot. Because it'll give us so much rear grip. That'll suit our driving style. It'll suit almost everybody's driving style. Because this car has tons of steering, but uh-huh. it needs more grip to handle that amount of steering. Uh-huh. So they listen then. But then there's other stuff that's just been going on since then that they just don't listen. Like the zero rebound shocks. It was it was a game changer on North American tracks. Uh, they're basically an HB shock. Uh-huh. But X-Ray did not want to build them. And they, the testmans were, were probably testing with, with HB shocks, and they saw how much more grip those shocks generated versus the kit shocks. But X-Ray was so stubborn. And to this day, the, the zero rebound shocks are not included in the kit. They're a separate oh. purchase. So you got to fork out another $200 if you race on North American tracks and want to be good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> did... did uh... So I, I you have a lot of up, I guess you have up close and personal experience with from from being with the testaments and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, it kind of seems that way, you know. Um, I I don't know what the future holds for Ty. He's still he's yeah. is he thirty now? Is he in his thirties now? Or? Yeah, he's over thirty. Okay, so he still has to, he still has time. Yeah. To to do things. I mean, he looked really good at the nationals and oh, stuff yeah. like that. He looks. A, I will say this. He looks a lot more relaxed at races now yeah. than he did. Yeah, totally. In pr- in previous years, he's more yeah. joking. You know, he's 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 he's, he's, he's a very good talker like too. That. You know, he's always been like that. It's just mm-hmm. people don't really know him. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm getting to know him a little bit better. I need to get I him on this podcast. It. Yeah. Um, being as I've seen him a lot more, he, he seems to be, be be a bit more comfortable when we're doing interviews. He's very good at doing interviews as well. Yeah. Um, well, I got something. Me and us were talking about visions, and we we're talking about time. What did you think about the incident with Mayfield last year? I, see, I love that kind of drama. Me too. Because if if okay, so we have a show that that is about cooking. Mm-hmm. Like, who the crap wants to watch a documentary or a, a reality show on cooking? But Gordon Ramsay is a psycho. Yes, and he makes it entertaining. So I always wanted more drama in our scene because people are like oh it makes the industry look bad it makes this all I look like so. a bunch of kids i disagree i think I that i'm with you feel in tie was um was 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 great um Adam i think that's the amount of violence that i want to see right Push. exactly exactly and ty's like and he's just looking at him like yeah. what and i was just like i was like see now we're looking at this wrong way this is how we de-escalate these type of situations yeah. right yeah i thought I, it was I great for it. rc I thought it was great for us. Adam and, and I actually friends. disagreed on that whole thing. He said it never should have happened. There should have been a referee. 
Um, and me, you know, it probably was Mayfield getting Mayfielded because we Maybe. I've seen Mayfield do that exact same thing 50 times to other people. Yes. So yes. Mayfield got Mayfielded and, you know, he didn't like it. Yeah, I think uh, I think like something like that happened at Silver State that year too. Yeah. I, prior to that where, yeah. I don't know. I love it. I love the drama. I, I love I, that stuff. You know, I, I think there was a Neo race where Angaro absolutely just drove Mayfield into pit lane. Yes, he fenced him. <laughs> he fenced him. And nobody was like making a big deal out of it. But I, yeah, because I, I thought that he put, I thought he had the line and then Mayfield just yeah. kept, you know, I'm like, I'm going to drag race on the stretch. And, he, and he, it was he, the same, same thing happened with, with Tessman. And yet there was, you know, a fight. But yeah, but then I saw him at the Worlds and they were cool. So I was like, oh, yeah, right, no, so these guys leave it on the stand. Like, yeah. Mayfield and Gord probably don't, but Mayfield and Pi, they're, they're good. They're solid. <laughs> I can see Gord not letting things go. Um, it was funny because I'll never forget one of the, my best quotes was at the Worlds, I was doing my, uh, my walkabout and people were getting failed for the cars not sliding through the, yeah, through the box, right? And then yeah. Gord goes, you know what we're doing? We're just dirty. We're getting throwing dust on our wheels. So when it goes through, it slides yep. right through. And I was like, yep. he goes, this isn't our first rodeo. And I was just laughing. Yep. I was like, that's Gracecraft. That's experience. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. all right. Uh, so we, 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 let's get, let's, I want to finish this up with what happened to you after, <clears throat> after ProLine gets, so we, you know, no more calm drive of us. We see you, uh, you're doing uh, full scale Jeep stuff as yep. well. You find a different hobby. Yeah. I, I assume you're still racing RC cars. Yeah, I, I race as much as I can. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was going to go to Spain, uh, mm. but I was getting remarried literally two weeks before that. So uh-huh. that would have been like just super bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was I was trying to hire, um, oh, I can't remember his name. He's from the UK. He used to do a lot of videos. I was trying to hire him to go and, and film it, but he was not in a great place either. So there's no comfort mm. with Spain. But I was okay. fully prepared to go because Phil was coming back. And I, I was like, I was so depressed in 2018 at, at the Australia Worlds because that was the last time the media crew was together. Mm-hmm. And so I was really looking forward to hanging out with Phil again. And it just kind of didn't work out. I finally um, got to meet him. He's a great dude. Yeah. Great dude. Great dude. Oh, I Phil's need- awesome. He's, yeah. he's, he's so awesome. I really like Phil. He's one of my favorite RC people for sure. Yeah. So tell us about your hobby now, uh, Jeep. And yeah. So I've got a, a 2012 Wrangler Rubicon that uh, has been... It's got a lot of work done to it, and we mm-hmm. basically just go out in the bush and try to get them stuck. Now, are you are you more enjoying that, or are you still enjoying making con- content about it, or is it just something like is the content the hobby of that? I, I enjoy the overlanding as much as making the content. Okay, it's uh, I'm trying to do to the industry in in Jeep Land what I did to the industry in in uh, in RC. Right. It's obviously way more competitive because there's more established cinematographers in mm-hmm. Jeep Land, whereas in RC, I was kind of like the first to, mm-hmm. to do that. Um, obviously, well, there was Derek Threat from A-Main before. He's a very talented filmmaker. And then there was Marcus from Zebraworks who worked with Joey on uh, Tales of the Dirt. It was a fantastic documentary, but no one ever did full-length documentaries. Okay. Uh, so will we see any more come drive of us in the future? Uh, I think so. Okay. Uh, the short answer is yes. The long answer is it's complicated. Um, obviously, it's very expensive to to do. Uh, you know, my average edit time is is 200 to 400 hours somewhere. Mm. And, you know, even at minimum wage, you know, there aren't too many companies that, that could pay me to do that. Right, because you told me how much you got paid for these. Yeah. And 
and realistically, and what if what she was doing for a job full time that yeah. that was pennies to what you was what you would make if you was oh full yeah time. yeah yeah like I so, I think for the Australia Worlds I was making seven dollars an hour. <laughs> people don't realize that yeah. it's work at the end of yeah. the day. It's passion, but it's yeah. work. And even even on the commercial side, um, you know, I started doing some commercials for people in the industry, and it, mm-hmm. it was always a struggle. You know, because they want a 30 second commercial, they want to pay $200 for it. Yep. I know. And I'm like, but I, it's just 30 hours of effort. Do you want me to work for 50 cents an hour? It's hard. It's, it's, it's so tough. small. It's so yeah. small, right? It's tough. Um, well, that leads me into some. Uh, I, I look forward. I hope we do see some more come drive of us. I know that that all has to be funded. Yeah. Like someone's like, oh, someone should do this. I was like, well, who's going to pay for it? Yeah. Right. Okay. So the 2019 If My Worlds will come out. Okay. I just don't know where. All right. I mean, when it's, it's done. When it's done. How about that? Is do you get? Because I know I get creatively drained, right? Uh, do you do you suffer from that? And how do you break out of that? I was in 2020, but just because there's so much drama in my life uh-huh. um, that I needed to get through. Uh-huh. Uh, n- n- I never really had creative drain throughout the whole process. When I was doing, I think my max was five episodes in a year. I never, I never felt okay. creatively drained at all because it's each race is unique. Mm. So interesting. I, interesting. I never struggled with that uh, until the icebreaker, and then, as you mentioned, I'm not the biggest fan of the ownership of IC, I, IRCW in the in the RC world. Uh-huh. Um, so it was it was tough to give them positive press because they're so douchey. <laughs> You guys went at it on Facebook quite hard, oh, yeah. quite yeah. hard, yeah. quite hard. I didn't like what they did to Peter. They Peter was was oh, Peter such a hard worker, and they were cutting his hours. It's treating him like shit, and he's he's the reason that that, that track existed. And I just don't like unlo- disloyal people. He's disappeared now. He's I think he's done with RC. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he was a good dude. I like Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice guy. All right, let's. I want to get your thoughts on what you think of the industry now. Do you still pay attention to it? Do you still? Oh yeah, I'm I'm still okay. a huge fan. Like I okay. was I was on on the broadcast for the nationals making comments. What do you think about it, um, Robert we... Guy? I don't remember his name. But I think oh, <laughs> yeah. What do you think about it now? I mean, we we struggle for a while of no real independent media. We we are seeing that comeback. Every brand is doing the uh, media now. I'm, I'm sure you saw that uh, yeah. back in the day. Um, I would say I'm probably one of the few independent medias out here because, like, we kind of we're controversial. We kind of call it how we see it. But uh, what do you think about what's going on in the industry? Maybe um, we always hear we want this to go mainstream. I think that we don't have a product yet to go mainstream. No, um, I know RCGP tried to make a product. Lots of other things happen with that. But when I say that to people, when they say we don't have a product, is nobody's going to sit around and watch a live stream for four days unless you're an rc geek unless you're in the in a participant or a fan you're not going to watch that that kind of coverage but stuff like what you do and stuff like what i think rcgp do and what other thing is what we need to promote and what do you think about all of that now or another question i want to ask about is professional races and i don't think we're still not using them in a professional manner no there's there's no scenario where a professional should be standing beside a joe on the driver's stand you know what? And then we'll, the people that would say, well, that's what makes RC so great. I said, yes. Yeah. But then I told, if you took a stranger to an RC race, who tell me who a pro driver is? You wouldn't know. Right. Yeah, they you won't would know. not know. Uh, for, for me, there's, there's two things that, that drive me crazy. Uh, I hate the tire game. 
I would love mm-hmm. to see spec tires at, okay. at Roar Nationals to see who actually is the fastest driver and who has mm-hmm. the best chassis. I, I just hate the tire game. So for me, that's one thing that I would love to see. Um, I think it would really help viewership as well because uh, mm-hmm. the cars are more more stock cars. I mean, you know, NASCAR mm-hmm. is fairly mm-hmm. popular and all those cars are relatively the same-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to see something like that. But as far as like how to draw people in on, on a broadcast, you you got to stop showing joe's on 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 the screen i'm sorry the pros are the ones that make right, us that's solid they just how do they do that how do they mm-hmm. how are they three seconds a lap faster than me i'm going as fast as i freaking can and they're three seconds a lap faster that's who we want to see mm-hmm. but you know when a promoter has to sh- shell out silver state for example joey's probably spending fifty sixty thousand dollars just to get that facility so he's not just going to bring 20 pros to to run around a track you know he needs to bring the thousand entries to pay for it yeah i agree with that i have no i i 100 agree with yeah. that and the I only agree. way they're going to get around that is if they get a monster energy to sponsor mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. some huge company that thinks there's there's a return in it for them i think where uh, somebody said that we don't ask for enough as some of these big companies yeah. to even yeah. to even Register on that radar. Oh, yeah, yeah. we need a hundred thousand dollars. That's it. Yeah. 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 That's for you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I and just to reiterate, we we definitely need the Joe's. And I'm not saying that the live stream can't have Joe racing and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But if we're gonna promote this, we need to have I've been saying this for years. We have to have mm-hmm. some separation between the pros and Joe's. Not yeah. only will it also gives people that are aspiring to be maybe a pro racer a way. Yeah. A, a pathway to becoming that because there's no real pathway at this moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, um, I think what they're doing with Visions is about the the closest we've ever got to making this mainstream. Mm-hmm. I think but, that's a fair statement. And I, that's what I think. So people be like, "Well, it doesn't have a lot of interest." I said, "Yeah, but it has the Good. main interest, <laughs> which is which is the pro guys, which yeah. is what Mav TV showed anyway last yeah. year." You know, yeah. um, and the, I just think other, now. It, sorry, go ahead. I think my thing with that is we still have these guys showing up in straw hats and shorts and, and we should have them in uniforms. And I, always, this yeah. is what I said, treat it big. I, I'm not sure how it is, how the facility works, but I'm sure there's professional yeah. drivers in the full scale world. I don't know if they have autograph signing sessions, stuff like that. And put them guys up there in uniforms with Why pictures not? of themselves. Yeah. yeah like People think I'm crazy, but with, I think his team was, 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 was spot on for sure. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I think, we need to utilize. So one of the biggest things was RCGP, right? They had a media day, and these teams that paid money to sh- to be a part of this would not show up for the media day. So what they actually did in the second year was make media day a practice day. Now the media day was for them, right? It's to yeah. get shots, to get yeah. interviews, get all this type of stuff. You're paying all this money to be a part of it, but you're not sending these people to. It's the mindset, right? We have to change yeah. the mindset in RC to be a bit <clears throat> to be more professional, be more. Uh, more more people friendly more 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 public relations i would say 100% 100% yeah and rcgp that was I, I mentioned visions i think rcgp was definitely on the right track to making this more mainstream as well and that's when i found out how much work this is oh yeah yeah it's insane how much work it <laughs> you just about to say something then i cut you off i have a bad habit of doing that oh, I I can't it. it's okay. that's, that's 3 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> i do talk too much i um i really enjoyed this chat yeah, um, I was sure. wondering how it was going to go because um, I've yeah. never really talked to you in person. Yeah. Uh, I think it was good. I, I enjoyed that you was very candid about everything. Uh, I think 
I would love to see the 2019 Worlds come out. I don't care who gets pissed off about it. And yeah. I think we need to have you back doing these these documentaries and stuff because yeah, it's going to be a history. It's a history of RC too, right? Well, so that's why Todd things. did it. He mm-hmm. he wanted a, a legacy. He wanted to kind of show what his company did. He want. I think the quote that st- sticks with me with with one of my very first meetings with with Todd Matson was, "I want to be sitting in the senior center, you know." kind of bragging to my buddies in, in our wheelchairs or our walkers or, you know, our, our beds. And I want to like show them, you know, what I did 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and, and okay. here's what I did. Okay. So I, that, that was, that was what he wanted. And plus he also wanted to really draw people into the sport. And I think I, I got tons of messages saying, Oh man, this, these are so good. This is why I race RC. This oh, a lot of people have discovered RC. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So that, that, was, the- that was that was why Todd did it for legacy and to get people into the sport and just yeah. to tell cool stories. Well, you definitely done that, man. Uh, yeah. you're editing. I, I, I really thought that this was your full time job. So <laughs> I didn't know. a lot of people did. I was on the tour bus in, in the China Worlds and uh, earlier that day. Uh, so they had a shuttle bus uh, taking us from track to hotel and vice versa. And earlier in the day, Lee Martin just asked me, you know, what kind of films I've worked on in in hollywood or mm-hmm. you know what i do i'm like dude i work for a construction company he was like mind blown and so on the tour bus he gets up at the front he's like everybody let's play a game let's guess what cory drakenberg does for a living and he's like nobody's gonna get this and like it was varying guesses all in film and television and he said no he works for a construction company he's a computer nerd <laughs> that sounds like lee martin that's that yeah. definitely sounds like him yeah, i actually uh I was contacted by a company, uh, by a studio of directors. They they want to make a a rad meets Cobra Kai with RC type of film. So um, yeah. I've I've read their script, gave them some advice, and I I, I just like hey, because they, they kind of want the RC thing to be genuine, as genuine yeah. as possible. So we'll see what happens. That the they're still talking about going through with it, but uh, man, I would I would love to see something that you do or something that represents what we do yeah. on Netflix. I mean, well, I do have a standing agreement with them. Uh, they wanted what? to do a 10 year documentary. Uh, unfortunately, COVID I think has sort of derailed that. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to see what happens in the next couple years, but they wanted like a 10 year segment because it, it, it would have been an interesting story to show like, you know, you've got Ty winning, you've got mm-hmm. uh, David winning and, and Davide winning. It would be nice to see, okay, what are they going to do in seven years from now? You know, mm. where are they going to be at? Ty's probably going to be, you know, maybe post-RC career. Is Davide going to be winning? What's David going to be doing? So it's it, it's that sort of storyline that that they, they wanted to to capture. But unfortunately, I don't know where, where they stand with that project because, you know, I was unable to do any, any work during COVID. I think you should uh, message them and say, hey, maybe not 10 years, but let's do one year. Yeah, let's maybe. Let's get that going. Yeah. yeah. I think it would be great, man. I, I think if that that happened to come because everywhere I travel, right. I, I tell people all this time. I, I tell people all the time, we don't have enough RC content in the algorithm. Yeah. And people just don't know what we do. So they'll see me. Oh, what's the no name RC podcast. Oh, I do this. I do that. Yeah. I'm in the airport having a drink or something. Then uh, next thing I got my phone out showing on what we do. And people are like, I didn't even know you could do this. You're yeah. going to a race to do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, people I don't remember know. what I remember what it was I wanted to say, because you're asking about my thoughts on the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of my favorite worlds, is, as you can guess, was 2014. One of my mm-hmm. least favorite was the Australia Worlds. Mm. Not because of organization or anything, 
but just because that was the last time that Red RC, myself, uh, and Neo Buggy were mm. at a race. Mm-hmm. Like the 2015 Nationals, Phil was there. Mm-hmm. Red RC, the, the Owen and and, and uh, Osin were there. Everyone was there. Nationals this year, there is no no media. Well, they just had they had us live RC and then my buddy Danny, who, yeah. who does pictures. He came. Yeah. Um, on the Saturday, he he was his flights. He didn't get yeah. there until Saturday, but you are correct. There was yeah. no media. There was no no written blogs. No yeah. no photo. Nothing. No, he did photographs and he did yeah. a, a damn good job. But it it was like this is the nationals, right? Yeah, it's the, and, the biggest race in the United States of America. And and we, and before, like you said, I look at your, your I looked at the 2015 nationals, which was eight years ago. Yeah. Phil was there, you know, all yeah. this type of stuff. And I think since Phil's been gone, that. That spot just not has not been replaced. But Neo Buggy bought and what Phil Chris has done a great job. Chris has. Um, he's a super nice guy. I really, really love his work. His photos are amazing, but it's yes. just not the same when it's just Chris. Because he used right. to be Phil and Arno. And then it was with Red RC. There was like three or four of them with Red RC. Uh-huh. So like uh, at the 2014 and 2015, 2016 Nitro Challenge, Joey gave us a C can to film from, and it was full of media guys. Uh-huh. Now there's no one. Mm-hmm. And so for me, 2018 was my least favorite worlds because it was kind of like the end of an era. I saw, you know, a negative trend starting in, in the industry. Yeah. Because no everybody's media. in the earn stuff now. Yeah. Well, Phil's off in the Bahamas doing, you know, his thing. And Oh yeah. He's a, uh, he's, but I could see he, when I saw him and at last year and I met him, he still has the, he still, I think he still enjoys RC. He's there taking pictures. So. Yeah. And he, I said, he definitely got burned out. Yeah, I would. I could see that. Yeah, and he he does have like a really, like a lot of people don't understand that he he come his family have a he earns a hotel. Yeah, an island. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure that is way more fun than being around RC nerds. Oh yeah, would you, what would you stuff. rather do? Sit in a hotel in Bequia or at a dusty RC track where there's a black widow hanging right above your head? <laughs> Yeah, but he he's definitely missed in his yeah Neil yeah, Buggy. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. Neil Buggy is definitely missed. So that, now that you was... are too. You are too. Let's yeah, not forget what you've done. So you are too. I hope that uh, we get to have some more come drivers. I would revisit that Netflix thing. Yeah, and I hope to I hope to see you at a race, and then we can have a chat in person. Yeah, for sure. And I and thank you for what you've done, right? Because yeah. what you've done was was incredible like i can i can go in there and i can respect the editing i can respect the creative process yeah. and all that there and i'm just like man we we haven't seen anything like yeah. that since since you've done it yeah so i, I, you, I like I the later seasons because i wasn't as shy and it was a lot more um agnostic you uh-huh. know, it was not so much brand specific um 2014 i mean at the world's i had no choice because there was uh-huh. nobody that could touch testament so i had uh-huh. to obviously focus on him but, you know, some of the other races in the later seasons, I got lots of screen time with Mayfield. And, and the beautiful thing about Proline is they, they, didn't, they didn't care. You know, Todd always said, if, if, if they're winning, get them in there. Well, unfortunately, Proline's on our horizon. It's all corporate. Yeah. And yeah. brands go to die. I don't want to get a cease and desist like JQ. <laughs> I'm, I'm, pre- I'm on pretty good terms with the TLR guys. So yeah. I don't. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think it's a shame, right? It's, it's a shame that we, we don't have. We didn't have you at the 2020 yeah. two worlds, you know, well, to make I'll drivers. tell you what, no matter what happens, if, if Mar doesn't do something stupid, like 
holding the worlds in Brazil. It's going to Brazil, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it, it can't. It's got to come to the U.S. If it's I, in the I, U.S., and I heard rumors that it is. I heard that it might, but my sources say that it's going to Brazil. But they have to have their worlds too, right? They're supposed to have it. From where? Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I know people's like, well, you. I've been to the track. I've been around the people. Yeah. I recently was there in the last six months. Yeah. I know if they get it, what they're going to do. I, I, a lot of people think it's unsafe. Look, it's not the safety. It's just like how much does it cost to get through customs? That was no. That was when we sat down. When I sat down and talked to those guys, I said it's not. I said people are aware of how much it's going to cost them to get there, and they said every, when you think about it, everybody thinks about twenty twelve Argentina and what happened yeah. there. And I was like, look, I don't know. You got a lot of money. You got connections. Make sure that people come through smoothly somehow, yeah. some way. So I don't know. We still haven't found out what's going to happen. Yeah. I did hear that it might be in the states too. Yeah, but we still haven't heard what, where, what, anything. It like depends that. what Amain does because there's there's rumors that they want to create an RC Mecca with that facility. You know, every moving. style of track. So yeah, we'll and, see. And then, of course, now we had the passing of Kevin. Yeah, which throws a unfortunately throws a monkey wrench in that stuff. But yeah. um, we shall see, man. Uh, yeah. But the world is awesome. I I encourage anybody that is a, an eight, a racing fan. Yeah, to go. Oh, I'm, I'm a huge participate I, I love if more events. It's it's the only place you get the best of the best of the best. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, Corey. Well, thank you for your time, and this was a great yeah. chat. I enjoyed it. Um, I got to know you a little bit better, and um, thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you do as a content creator as well, and um, I really want to see you do some more work. And let's and I, I know that we want to see the 2019 worlds. Okay, the good, bad, and the ugly. That's what we want to see. So thank you. And uh, maybe you want to say thank you to some people before we leave, if you want. Well, just uh, thanks to the testaments. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they're the ones that got my foot in the door. Uh, mm-hmm. They're the reason that this all exists. So huge shout out to them. I know they're kind of polarizing. Who isn't? Everybody in that's got, you know, followers is polarizing. Um, but yeah, huge shout out to, to, to Ty and Gord and, and Leanne. And um, yeah, just special thanks to everybody who's, who's supported the series. Uh, and obviously a big shout out to Todd Matson because he basically took a chance on somebody that he didn't know. And awesome. it turned into, you know, the series we have. Sweet, man. Well, thank you for your time. And we look forward to the future of Come Drive with us. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Corey, for your time. It was a great chat with you. Uh, it was honestly, I did not expect the chat to go that way. He was very open about his dialogue and he was very candid. I appreciate that. He's obviously seen a lot been to a lot of these races so he's seen a lot of things happen at these races and if you guys haven't checked out the channel which i don't if you listen to this podcast you probably already have but check out 5150 on youtube and uh, let's encourage him to release that world video that he's done he's done some great documentaries and it was good to pick his brain so thank you Corey. maybe we'll have him back on her at some later date to get some more of those stories all right max um so now we're going to get ready to go into the hot race hot lap section uh, you are now, so in case you guys don't know, we had to re-record this. Max actually moved uh, his whole entire area. He's now back at home. As you can see, all his trophies are back there. And someone's talking to him, so he can't really listen. Is that Henry talking to you? Or is that your imaginary brother, Rex, who I have yet to see a picture of? Okay, so he's really busy talking to somebody. It's probably Henry. My mom was asking about something. Ah, I thought it was your imaginary brother Rex. No, he he rarely talks. You know, he only or, talks when he has something to say. You know? Or or we rarely see him. 
or or have not yeah. seen him. So I think yeah. he's just an imaginary friend or ghost. No, he's real. He's very real. But yeah, okay. I came. I drove home today from Lappeenranta, and we staying here, going to practice for a few days, and uh, yeah, do some testing. Right, you actually have an announcement too because the Nordics are coming out. It's going to be at Vasa, mm-hmm. and the Vikings going to be there. When is that? So um, let me actually show, get you guys to see see the announcement. So David, as we all know, European champion, uh, second at the world, is coming to the Nordic. So this is especially for all those people who are watching this from the Nordic countries. The event will be held in Vasa, Finland, um, on the 11th to 13th of August. And uh, we will organize the schedule so that you can come uh, on the Thursday night ferry and then possibly leave on the Sunday uh, night ferry. I think it will, will be possible to be organized that way. At least the Thursday night ferry will be definitely uh, set so that the practice on Friday starts quite late. Okay. But yeah. All right. The track in Vasa is like one of the most beautiful tracks uh, I've ever come across, and uh, yeah, I think the, it's going to be a great event. We have uh, David coming over. Uh, all of the top Finnish guys are coming over, uh, as well as we're going to have some other fast Swedish drivers. I, I is Hampus coming? I don't know about Hampus. He said he has some work. But uh, let's hope he can make it over. Uh, and I'd like to showcase this track because this is absolutely my favorite track of all time. Like, it, it doesn't really translate that well on the picture. But, like, every single point of the track has some sort of ele- uh, elevation, as you can see. And, like, the front chicane, you go up and then you go down. Like... I've never been to a track that flows better than this one. It's amazing how n- nice it is to drive. So, yeah, I'm really excited for this event myself because it's going to be a three-day race at this track. And also the organizers are, like, really good. This is the same organizer who organized the Worlds in 2011, okay. which, I mean, anyone you ask who went there say that was the best Worlds ever. So, mm-hmm. like, they really know their uh, their shit so i'm i'm really excited myself and now seeing that david is coming and we also have a surprise name i'm not gonna give it up yet but it's not someone you'd expect that uh expect at a nordic championship so mm. can anybody enter can anybody yeah. enter the nordic championships yeah it's a free event uh, okay okay all right good stuff good stuff well i, I wish you all yeah. the best will i have coverage yeah, I'm trying to organize it so that we will have live coverage of all the finals uh, and uh, maybe qualifiers, but at least we'll have some sort of video put up from the qualifiers. Uh, I'll get a guy who does video stuff for you, for his own YouTube, and then we're going to try to organize a live. So that yeah, You know what? Maybe this will be a great time for me to visit Finland. I'm just saying. Yeah, I was actually like last night when I was like doing all kind of like announcements and stuff on the facebook oh by the way please go like the facebook page i the thing is like the nordics has kind of been dead for quite a while you know so 
there isn't any Facebook page. There isn't any website for the Nordic Championships. So basically the way it has worked is a federation, like it rotates. So it's Finland, Sweden, Denmark, or Norway. They kind of rotate and then each one gets a go. But in the recent years where there's a lot of international big races that people instead go to, the Nordics have kind of died off, you know, since I'd say 2013, there hasn't been like a proper Nordics. There's been Nordic championships, but there never has been like all of the top guys, you know? Mm. So I think, well, actually 2016 there was in Bochurka in Sweden. So that was probably the last like really good Nordics. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of now through organizing race, uh, the Finnish series myself, I kind of have a, a hand in the Nordics and I, I've been in contact with like the Swedish, the Dan- Danish Federation and we've been trying to work together more. So, okay. Um, what about the uh, Norwegian every- Federation? I noticed you didn't say that. I didn't say that, but I think they were there as well. Okay. It's hard right. to, for me to tell them apart because everyone speaks almost Swedish. I know some Norwegians and Danish people are going to be mad at me, but it's like they just speak uh, broken Swedish kind of. Okay. <laughs> All right. And of course, JQ is like a multi-time Nordic champion. He he let, he reminds yeah. us of that many times. I don't know so. how many he has, but he has like, I think he has like over 10. It's crazy how many he has. I, he has more than David for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, th- you know that uh, track. Go, please uh, go like the page as well because we only have eighty likes. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> do you have an Instagram page, page for that as well? Yeah, we have an Instagram page. It's the RC Nordics. Is the Instagram? I'm just saying. I'm just saying it would be a great time to visit Finland. Yeah, I was like, that's what I was thinking. You know, like last night I was doing all this. I was like, like I, I, I should get Joseph or someone to pay you to come here uh for the event because you could do I like agree. great coverage you could do uh you could be the commentator on our coverage so you we need to chat to jq about this because yeah come to finland finally. tell jq come out come out of pocket come out of pocket yeah um he's like multi-time nordic champion but that would be great i would love to visit finland and this track reminds me of the 2017 euros track in sweden with the forest in the background uh, yeah so it's I very it different. The, the actual track is very different because that was like the roughest track I ever known. Mm-hmm. But this is like really smooth. It's slippery, but it's like nice flow. But yeah, that it's kind of like that's that's what I do like about racing in the Nordic countries. It, it does. You can see that it's Nordic country. You know, the trees, all that. It's very, mm-hmm. um, very specific to the region. Okay. All right. Well, good stuff. I wish you all the best. Hopefully I'll be there. That would be great if I can make it there. Yeah. Uh, I think that weekend I'm not. I'm going to be free, so it's like the week after I get back from Wicked Weekend. Uh, all right, yeah. Max. So we're going to go on to the Hot Race Hot Lap section. Thank you to Nicola, Robert, and everybody who's supporting us with Hot Race Tires, uh, who just recently won the Italian race. So Hot Race has been on on a on a roll recently. Uh, they won the Visions race. They won the Hot Race race because Ty was running Hot Race. Uh, it's 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 good to see. They're winning in multiple countries as well. Boots won with hot race tires at the Italian race. So congratulations to them. Adding to their list of victories this year with uh, Silver State. What else was there? Uh, IBC. 
and yeah, I think that probably won a plethora of other smaller races throughout Europe. So congratulations, Hot Race Tires. Thank you for the support. It was great to see Nicola at the Nationals. Uh, but this, we're going to do our quick little Hot Race Hot Lap section. Max, I'm going to start out with you. And the object is we're going to ask some questions, and you have to answer them honestly and as short as possible. Max, Tyrone Tessman, is it a comeback or he never left? Um, never left. I have to admit, never left. Okay. Uh, Dakota fan not showing up at Visions. Um, he has his off races. No, Silver okay. State the past two years. This year he was fast. No, Visions. Davide Angaro at the. Okay, Davide Angaro at the Italian race. Um. Out of his comfort zone. Let's put it that way. Mm, 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 mm. Hot race tires right now. Dominating. In Europe, like, so much better than anything else, really. I would say so. That and Seismic seem to be the two fastest ones in Europe. Yeah. But Seismic is, in my opinion, uh, only Track. great when it's... Uh, Track-specific. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when it's, and they wear down faster than hot race. Okay. Hot race is, is slowly starting to creep in in J-Concepts territory in America too, I would say. Visions Race, mm-hmm. uh, Silver State. The, the, I would say where they're going to have to really start getting up to speed would East be at these East, yeah, these East, East Coast, Coast races. J-Concepts yeah. is like so good on that red dirt. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's so very good. good. Very good. Okay. Um, let's think. Alright, quick question for the Skidmores because they know they love this. Warm-up races and practice prior to... I know you already said this, and you had a rant about this, but warm-up races. Warm-up races are stupid. Um, someone's always going to have a home advantage. That's how it is. Okay. Someone lives in a region, lives close to the track. Warm-up races don't really do any difference, unless the track is, like, crazy difficult, you know? Okay. And that shouldn't okay. be the case. Uh and my last question of the day for you will be JQ's chances of repeating as Nordic champion. I don't think he's racing. He said he oh. would want to race, but now we, he has to wrench for Beko. And actually, you know, I, I have I have to, you know, uh, go on a little tangent here. Joseph, I told Joseph about the Nordics, you know, at the Electric Euros. And then I was like, let's get David to go there, you know. So David's coming, and now he's like, he kind of is, I, I've seen this all year, you know, first race, uh, first national, I saw it in his eyes, you know, when he was dr- watching Pecco drive, it was just like, he feels like he's the one driving, you know, like when Pecco wins, he's like, that's me, you know, so right now what he's doing, they are right now in Vasa practicing for the Nordics and trying to get Pekko so good, so comfortable, have a little bit of a home advantage and then beat, you know, David and uh, uh, all the top guys that are going to come that will be announced. Uh, so even the surprise one. Um, and Can we even that, a hint? that way, that way Joseph will, you know, have his, you know, validation of, I I won somehow. I I'm, I'm I'm like very confident that like he's living 
he's vicariously you know, through chi- Pecco. Yeah, he's living his childhood vicariously through Pecco, you know? <laughs> like, he sees himself in, like, I would like to be in this situation. Yeah. What do you think of Pecco? Okay, Pecco versus David at the Nordics. I think it's it's possible, but they like Pecco needs to get a good start. That's really important because, like, I think it will be difficult to beat David at this track purely on mm-hmm. pace because, like, yeah, it like if David gets a little bit tangled in the start. Then I can see Pecco win because it's really hard to catch and pass at this track. So, like, JQ think, uh, living vicariously Pecco. through Pecco. I would agree with that. I would. He. I haven't yeah. seen him this excited about like a young race in a long time. Yeah. All right. And it's also good because Pecco is like already quite fast. He doesn't really have any opinions about setup. He's just like, is the car good? Is it bad? You know, like he doesn't it's have shit. like, oh, I, I it's need, okay. I need, yeah. It's like he doesn't, like, I want this type of front end, you know? He's not the driver like that. He just wants the car to respond to his things. So that's kind of like Joseph's dream, you know? A driver that's fast, and all he needs is for you to make the car fast for him, you know? So it's, I think he's like, oh, my God, I... He he's living his best life, right? Mm, he's all serious. He's he's there getting that yeah. home court advantage. All right, yeah. uh, but I w- I will hopefully. I mean, hopefully we work it out where I'm there. That'd be great. All right, yeah. my turn. You got you got for me. Okay, I actually prepared this time. Yes, uh, as you asked me. So I wanted to ask this because we kind of referenced this during the podcast. Uh, you was very skeptical of RC racing, so I'm going to ask you. What do you think the future of professional RC racing is? One word, only one. Semi-professional. Semi-professional. That's two words. But that—that's that, actually a great, great answer. I, okay. I don't know if I agree with that, but that's a great answer. I don't want that to happen. Yeah, me neither. But I mean, that is very possible. Um, okay. The next one. Uh, Euros versus US. Drivers wise, who, who are you rooting for? I think you're biased to the Euros. Really? Um, what and what race are we talking about? Or just period? No, I mean, like you're like, are you fan of European drivers more than American drivers? Like, I know you love Cavalieri. Well, actually, but I'm I know a fan you also fan. love. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. So is it? I have fan as the best all than... around. I have Fenn as the best all-around off-road racer at this time. Like, I think you can put Fenn anywhere. Okay, obviously not Visions, but <laughs> you can put him anywhere, and he will be yeah. competitive, and he could probably win. Uh, I think right now the only other but person... I, I'm, not, like, I'm not asking about facts. I'm asking about feelings. You know? Feelings? Yeah. Oh, man, Ronafalk's still I my know. favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I wanted to hear. I want Ron <laughs> Because I just... It's he's my friend. I like him, um, but I also like uh, that he's professional, right? Yeah. That he yeah. gets the media side of things, and he's always open to that. And he gets and he and he pushes pushes that. And I think um, if more drivers can be like that, it would we would definitely be on uh, be using our, those guys in a more professional way. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I still think he can win anywhere. Um, I, I personally think that the tires have been a hold, hold, hold back for him. Yeah. As we see yeah. with Ongaro. 
Uh, but I also admire the fact that he isn't uh, as much as I wanted him to switch over to a different tie at DNC. He would not. Right. He took his lumps. Yeah. He took his lumps and he's taking his lumps. And we said this on the last podcast that if anybody can come back from this and they're going to work it out, it's going to be him. And um, mm-hmm. like I said, bad results just in kind of some some people bad results discourage them and i think with him bad results just make him work harder oh for sure and you know he knows he can't be the best you know mm-hmm. so okay. i think that motivates him okay so 10 scale versus 8 scale racers uh like what do what do you see as the main differences between the two 8 scale racers like to get dirty <laughs> okay well yeah true Okay, that was a good one. Um, who, yeah, well, yeah, you kind of answered this already, but who would you hire if you were an RC car company? This can As be a, a driver too. It can be anyone. Like if you were any RC car company and you can pick anybody in the world to work for your company, who would you pick? Ooh. Um, mm, that's a good question. I, I don't know if it could be just one person though, but... Yeah, but- yeah, we we. I have to go back to it. Look, it's very hard to take a company, put it on your back, and carry it, right? And we saw yeah. Ronald Fuck do that last year, so I would start off with him. Uh but yeah. I also I would also start off with a great team manager, and I would I would I would um, I don't know who that would be at this point, because I think that's just as important, yeah. right? Having a great team manager to manage the everybody around. So yeah. yeah. Maybe Kanai, would he be, be one of your picks? Uh no, because I think he's stuck in his race with Kyosho. And yeah. um I think that I admire Joseph's engineering, but I would need him to just have a filter, <laughs> yeah. right? You know? Yeah. And if he could have if Joseph could have what Kanai has at his disposal, which is Kyosho's money, I guess and ability to get stuff done quickly and whatnot, I guess, or whatever, I think he would, uh, and his, I would, he also need his ability to listen to people a little bit more, which you don't have. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody to manage him. Yeah, for sure. He needs like a full-time therapist. He needs a handler. Yeah. Okay. Most underrated driver. Ooh, most underrated driver. I mean, most would say it was Boots after our last podcast, but I would say most underrated driver. Hmm? It was this podcast. Well, last podcast, JQ and I talked about Boots. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, Not last one, but last last 240. Most underrated RC driver. Hmm. 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 That's a very good question, man. Johnny Skidmore. Really? I mean, yeah, it makes sense. But I think I think, he, uh, I think at least in my eyes, you know, I see him as a pro racer at this point. I see him as a pro racer, and I think he probably should be doing this full-time. And I think that's yeah. why it's a little underrated. I think if he had the chance to do this full-time, he would definitely and travel a little bit more and, and able to go to America and do some racing and stuff like that. I think he could... He could I mean, because he's making these mains, right? He's yeah, making I mean, these that's, mains and he's that's doing kind well. of like, to me... Maybe he was underrated like exactly a year ago, but I think now you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just like 
Rated when I say underrated, like he's not probably not getting the spotlight yeah, that he I, should get, and probably the yeah, support, support yeah. as in he. I think he should be a professional RC car driver. Yeah. Um, I would yeah, say I in America, most underrated driver. Hmm, hard to say because all of them are pretty much neck and neck. Um, mm, very hard to say in America who under who's underrated. I would I would say. Um, because everybody seems to get some ratings, right? <clears throat> yeah. It's just about living up to those ratings. So, yeah. uh, right now I don't know, but I know there's one kid, one young kid that he's, he's doing very well. Uh, I've watched him twice now and his name is Jonah Wilson and I have him as <clears throat> doing very good. If he can get some support and get out and get racing some more. So he's from yeah. Tennessee and I watched him twice and he's good. Like he, he was good at the nationals too. Like just. You know, yeah, he's good. Yeah, there's lots of those drivers who just go to the nationals. I think. Well, he goes kid, to a lot of bigger right, events yeah. on the East Coast, but that was his first nationals, yeah. his first time going out west. Okay. But and I think he did this, pretty good. I can't remember this one guy's name. Is it Mechanic? But mechanic. He, he, yeah, yes, Ethan he mechanic. made the Roar Nats main, you know? Yeah. And I I haven't really heard about him since. Well, he was at they, the Visions race, too. Yeah. That's, so he's that's from up the Northeast. Uh, he, yeah. He's up from up the Northeast, and he made. Ah! Uh, you know who the most underrated driver in America is? Camden Line. Really? I think uh, we never... He's he's definitely made leaps and bounds this year. He was really good at the Nationals. And I think we always... I don't, know. I don't But I don't think he's underrated. Okay. But I do think he's improved a lot. Improved quite a lot. But I think people... Lot. Yeah, I think people... See well, when I mean, yeah. in his case, when I say underrated, like, we don't... It's like... We shouldn't be surprised that he makes mains. We shouldn't okay, be surprised yeah, that he's yeah. TQ and Ron's of, of racing because he's been putting in work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, and he's just it's cool. Like him and I had a great talk at the Nationals. We had a great talk the other night. And I think um, he's definitely putting in the work to be, and he's on yeah. a team that's, you know, swamped with lots of good drivers. So, yeah. So I think he's, uh, yeah. He has, I think, but I think he is, his potential is very visible, you know. Yes. And I yes. think you know, tinkering rounds at the Silver State, you know, that's something that I think shows that what he could be capable of. Yeah, I would he agree. He just there. needs to get his consistency. That's all he needs at the moment. To be I would agree. I would agree yeah. there. Um, my most underrated one is Naoto Matsukura. Yeah, but he world, uh, world yeah, but he barely races. Like you know. Yeah, but that's that's the thing, you know, like. He barely races. He does nothing. But every time he does, he's like all like. I know that's your favorite driver. Level. I know yeah. that's your favorite. But driver. I think like he, if someone like AE picked him up and was like, "Hey, you're gonna race these races around the world," like yeah, he would be fucking winning a lot of races in okay. all classes. He's okay. finished second at the four wheel drive worlds. He's won EOS in ten scale. He's. A touring car world champion, pan car world champion, one tenth um, nitro on road world champion. He's made the main in eight scale off road. Like, come on, who's like Hara is the only one who can, I can imagine because he has so many world championships. But that's amazing. Yeah, very underrated. Not known. Yeah, that would be yeah, yeah. things. Not known. Okay, now is the tough one. Most mm. overrated driver. You're going to have to throw someone under the bus here. Most overrated driver at this moment. Ooh. Yeah. Oof. 
Um, mm, mm. I like him, but I think is a I think is just not lived up to his full potential, and that's Seth and David. Um, you know, he yeah, has he, yeah, he showed I, I, very I much glimmers of yeah. brilliance. He's yeah. he's um he he's had good 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 opportunities and he's just never been able to capitalize on those. I like him yeah. and um I think he needs to live up to that, right? Similar yeah. same with, with what we talked about with Tyler Jones, same situation. <clears throat> uh but yeah, I would have him as one of them. I I believe he yeah. deserves his ratings, but I think too much expectations are on him at races. Like we, exp- well, I guess yeah. When you're at that level, you should do that, right? Yeah. Like he's yeah, so think- close to doing well at these races, and then just doesn't. In yeah. buggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I actually, that's like, I I think that's like. Uh, the only one I'd maybe pick. I think most drivers are quite, you know, reasonably rated. Like no one's like, no, like thought of as the best ever, and then he just really isn't. The and even Seth, like I think he, he is quite where his expectations are. But I could see him being like the least underrated, as at least. <laughs> I would have to say also right now, Cavallari. He's not really living up to yeah. the hype. But he's also on the back end of his career. Yeah, I, I think I I'd give Cavalieri a bit of a pass on this one because it's exactly that he's kind of been just doing the bare minimum for the past few years. You know, it's like since he left AE. The, the well, it's hard to say because he he did yeah. good at S Works. He started to get yeah. better at TLR, so the maybe S-Works he needs to get into were, his second year. Yeah, I think when he joined TLR, that's where that was like the last straw for me at least. Okay. He had decent results in 10 scale at TLR, but not like, you know, it, it was kind of like he might have scraped in a podium here and there. But it wasn't like he won all classes at the Roar Nats like it was in like what 2016 at the Roar Nats. So, uh, 10 scale Nats. So, yeah, that's definitely a different difference there are we done that was all, all of my questions yeah that was that's it that's all thank you those are good questions actually yeah some weird vibrated noise somebody must be doing some work around her or something all right yeah. uh thank you to hot race for the for sponsoring the podcast thank you to nicola those are some good questions if you guys have some hot race hot lap questions for us uh shoot me a email or shoot me a dm and let me know. Uh, we like them. This, but that went a little bit longer than usual. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think that's it. We had a pretty long podcast this week. We haven't had one uh, for about two weeks. So yeah, we always go a little bit long when Max gets in and gets in science mode. Thank you, everybody, for all the questions. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. Oh, I just wanted to do another little thing. Shout out. We got the big Apple challenge coming out at Barnstormers. I was talking to Rohan Grant her uh, just a few days ago. He's preparing for that for this. This is the ninth annual one. He says he's going really big on the tenth one next year. Uh, I know Adam Drake's coming to this race. He's he's been there quite a few times. He's going to do his clinic. I know Toby Hampson is going to do, be doing the coverage of the event, so it should be good. 
I wish everybody the best of luck. That race is coming up in two weeks' time uh, in New York at Barnstormer. So good luck to everybody that's in attendance to that. If you're in the area, go check it out. Go go have fun. I heard nothing but great things about this race. So shout out to Rohan and Barnstormers. All right. Uh, I think that's it, Max. Thank you to Corey. Thank you to you, Max, for your time. Let's work on getting me to the Nordics. Like, make JQ come out of pocket. Um, and uh, thank you, everybody that tuned in. Uh, we will be I'll be doing a live next week. Thank you to everybody also with the waffle. Uh, at this point, it's now Wednesday when we're recording this. We have 62 spots left. So hopefully they'll sell out. And then we can do that next. We can do the drawing on the live next week. And um, may the best person win. And yeah, man, I'm just thank you to everybody that supports us, everybody that's hitting that like button, that notification notification button on YouTube. We are at uh, three nine four two. It's like it's it goes up one and goes back down one. So we have about sixty fifty something more subs to go to get to four thousand. Not a big deal in the whole YouTube universe, but a big deal for us. Uh, if you are listening to this on an audio only platform, please hit that. Uh, review button leave a review and if you can also share this it greatly helps us out share it to your facebook groups uh let's get the nnrc out there everywhere uh shout out to all the podcasts out there i it's been some good ones i watched wheel and trigger last night uh i listened to joe zaire's i listened to action rc who just had craig drasher on that was a good one and of course we have grid talk i don't know what's going on with my boys extra lap they're taking a hiatus for a little bit but shout out to those guys over there and I see my buddy Sean and uh, Tyler are getting together to do uh, a Missing Link podcast. Shout out to my boy Tyler. He's just had a back operation. And he's, it was good to see him out taking some pictures this past weekend at the RC boat track. While he was out at the RC boat track. You know, while he's like a former national champion and all that stuff in RC boats. His, he was out there racing this past weekend with my buddy Sean. And he's got a boat already getting ready, which is good. Because we need that, that, in, that part of the industry, that genre needs some great exposure. Um, for the RC boats. So good stuff with that. Uh, Max, thank you for your time. Thank you uh, to all of the NNRC squad around the world. Thank you to our patrons on the end of the NNRC patrons, as well as the YouTube members. If you wish to be a part of that and support the podcast just a little bit long, a little bit more, you can links for that in the written description. I'm looking forward to wicked weekend. That's coming up soon. I'm having, we got, we just had a meeting. It's going to be, we're going to do a lot of cool, con- cool content coming up for that. And, uh, yeah, man. Uh, thank you to all the awesome sponsors that support the podcast and support us. They are Invisible Speed, High Tech RC, Sampadal USA, Side One of Fuel, Mayako, Hot Race, uh, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Ignite Design RC, Stacked RC, Racecraft USA. We have a cool commercial we're going to play for them that uh, Chase sent me at the end of this podcast. Shout out to Kyle RC, Danny Pass at WRC, Connie Swenson at House of RC. Uh, of course, RCGP. And to our drivers, David Ronafalk, Jared Tebow, Robert Badier, and Alexander Hagberg. I see uh, that Tebow's got a race coming up too at Fastlane. Max, before we go, we're going to play this Racecraft commercial, but uh, I think we're going to end it on this. Max and Lefty, we're out. Uh, Nitro's the glory. E-Buggy pays the bills. If you ain't grinding, you're sliding. Max and Lefty, we're out. And here is the Racecraft ad. We'll see you guys on the bounce. Sure did.
waiting. <laughs>